Welcome, welcome to Savvy Sabs Podcast. This is episode 129. Cornell West goes independent. Let's discuss. So Jill Stein was just with me tonight. We got to hear her side of the story. Want to remind you, there's always two sides to a story. So tomorrow we will get to hear from Dr. West and get to hear his side of the story as well. But let's go ahead and get started. No need to keep people waiting. Let's go ahead and bring in Cool Blue. What is up with you? Cool blue. Uh, good evening, Savvy. Sabrina, how are you doing? How are you doing? I am doing great. How are you? Hi, it's been a little while since I called in. Um, I'm going to say something that people might not want to hear, but I basically think that between now, we're in the month of October 2023, and then six months from now, April 2024, I think it, I think no later than then, Cornell West will officially end his campaign. Mm, that's interesting. Why do you uh, why do you predict that? Because what he has going and what he's had going so far is not an actual campaign. You don't make decisions like that if you're serious. What decision to leave the Green Party? The back and forth, having Peter Dow, uh, the, the fact that we're not hearing from. Chris Hedges, after Chris Hedges was instrumental in encouraging him to run for the Green Party. His interview recently with Jimmy Dore, in which it looked like he was, he came across like as if he was running like as an alternative to the Democratic Party. When, if you're outside the two major parties, you got to kind of juggle them to give convince people who don't want to vote for the Democratic Party, but for people who do not want to vote for the Republican Party, neither to come with you. Right. So what do you I'm confused. What do you mean? Because uh, I just I, I saw part of Dr. West's interview with Tim Black, and I think if people haven't seen that, I think people need to watch that interview that he did with Tim Black today. I, I'm I haven't been able to see that interview, but it's just the feeling that I have right now. Yeah, you should you should watch it before. I think before people judge, people should at least watch that interview, because like I said, there's always two sides to a story. So I think that people should at least like see that interview. Um, but I think one thing that I, I will say is I think that this is not the first person that, well, Dr. Weston hasn't been on yet to talk about this. He'll be on tomorrow. But this is not the first uh, person that has had issues trying to run in the Green Party. If you guys who have been with me for a long time, uh, there was, a, I think it was like over a year ago, I interviewed Jesse Ventura. And Jesse Ventura was very vocal about his experience trying to run within the Green Party. And we've we've talked about that before. I've also had Green Party members and candidates like Delilah on this show who were running through the Green Party, but they were very critical. Like Delilah was very honest about what was going on in the Green Party and what she experienced uh, in reference to the mandates, in reference to like some of the leadership, in reference to you know her decision uh, with her campaign. Um, another criticism that I've heard from, and I'm only saying this because I've interviewed multiple Green Party people. Another criticism that I've heard from Green Party members is that they're not organized. I've heard that from multiple candidates that have run through the Green Party that still 
appreciate the Green Party because of its platform and because of its, you know, its position outside of the duopoly. But they said that there are some organizational issues uh, there. And one of the things that really stood out to me, which is why I raised this this issue to Jill Stein, is that when I see Green Party members actively going on to shows multiple times attacking Cornell West, and he's a member of your party, these are not people who were candidates. These are people who came from the People's Party, and some of you may know who I'm talking about, came from the People's Party, had their issues with the People's Party, and the moment Cornell West announced that he was running uh, through the Green Party, they immediately went out to attack him, and they're all part of the same party, not because of his campaign platform, not because of who he is, but simply because he was on the advisory board for the People's Party at one point in time. So these are people who were very much against anyone who had anything to do with the People's Party, even though they at one point were a part of the People's Party. So when I see that happening, you know, and I I, I should have pushed back on Jill for this, and I think I forgot, but when Jill said they don't represent the People's Party, but they, they don't represent the Green Party, but they do if they're a member. If you're a Green Party member, it's just like, like when I was in uh, undergrad and I was a part of different organizations, you know, I was still representing that organization, whether I was the leadership or not. So if you go into people's shows and you say, yeah, I'm in the Green Party. Let me tell you about this. Plus, I've seen these people go from political organization to political organization and do the same thing. So. To me, that really spoke like volumes and to see them actively working against Dr. West's campaign, I'm like, how do you go against your own member? Whether you agree that he's running or not, to me, well, that is that is problematic. And it was very apparent to me that there were people within the Green Party that were actively working against Dr. West's campaign. Well, let's keep in mind who they ran in 2020. It was Howie Hawkins, and they pretty much rigged the nomination for him. So I Oh, but general, you're not supposed to say that, Cool Blue. You're not supposed to talk about the Green Party rigging their primaries. do not trust the Green Party neither. They probably have some sort of an under-the-table agreement here or there with the Democratic Party. And, you know, I, enough time has gone by where you, you get a sense of this. But in the meantime, that's all I have to say tonight because I can't stay. But I um, appreciate being able to get in and I'll go ahead and leave here and let other people have their opportunity to call in. All righty. Well, thank you there, Cool Blue. Yep, good, good night. All right, let's go ahead and bring in Frank. What's going on, Frank? Hi, Hello. Sam. Hi. Uh, I, I, I noticed that uh, Dr. Stein did not answer your question on who was Howie Hawkins' campaign manager. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, it's a sore spot. And it's the, it's, I see it as the source of the corruption in the Green Party. Uh, and, and like I told you before, um, it's, it's Andrea uh, Moretta Cure from here in Denver. And um, I've I've known her for a few years. I haven't seen her in a long time, and I'm glad I haven't. <laughs> but she went from being a, a assistant precinct captain um, in in the Denver um, uh, one of the Denver districts, and and 
in the in the Democratic Party, and just within a, a matter of months went to a, um, a Denver uh, a chair and a state chair, and and not too long after that made a national co-chair. Like, how did is you know it's just too fishy, and she two two years later she purged everybody that had run for office here in in Colorado, uh, including people that had run for governor and lieutenant governor and um, state legislatures and um, U.S. Senate, and um, and I know of I know a few of those people as well, and and I, I still say she's a she's a Democratic Party operative within the within the Green Party meaning to destroy it and since she took over um, she had one person run come from the Democratic Party and switch you know immediately uh, he ran Armand Coney ran for US Senate and two months after he ran for for US Senate in 2016 he switched back to the Democratic Party and then there hasn't been anybody run since. And Jill Stein did really well here. I, I don't know if it was the um, it was a poll or um, that the uh, poll or was the actual election. I forget, but she did really well here. With you know, that you would put up that she had six uh, percent. I don't remember if that's the poll. It was a poll or you know the actual election. But so there's some. There would be a lot of enthusiasm for it. Um, a good, solid Green Party here, but it has been destroyed by Andrea Redicure, and she's done a lot of damage to the National as well. And someone from the someone from the Green Party really needs to start calling out that, and it needs to be cleaned up. And I I just wonder if uh, um, Dr. West saw that and said, "Yeah, no." <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll hear from him him tomorrow. But um, what's been really interesting to me is, you know, like I said before, I've had Green Party members on this show, like com complain yeah. about the things that they were dealing with. And even when we go back to issue the issue with the mandates, remember the party put out that statement that they were basically in support of the mandates and, and all that kind of stuff. And other members of the Green Party were like, no, we don't feel that way. That was just a decision that was made by whoever is a part of that that side of the leadership it was just like oh so other people's like uh, views and opinions don't matter here in reference to this party they didn't take a vote on this and then the black caucus of the green party came out with their own statement and said no we do not support this so that right there let me know okay so they're overlooking the black members too yeah <laughs> yep and 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 uh Andrea bullied her way into those positions with identity politics. Uh, she was born in Guatemala. So she's saying, I'm a Latina. So um, you white people, you know, need, need to step aside and give a Latina a chance. That was her, that was her theme. Um, and, you know, they sort of obliged and, <laughs> wow. and she took it over with identity politics. She never ran on anything that was any of substance, just, just to be her, and if you look at her Twitter, she has the uh, um, the Colorado uh, Democratic Party uh, state president, and also Jared Polis are following her. But I I can't recognize any of the Green Party any any Green Parties that follow her on Twitter. It's just filled it's just filled with other you know Democratic Party officials. Like, 
Someone needs to start calling us out and clean that clean that up. I, I was actually going to join the Green Party back in about 2015, but I saw her as a wrecking ball and I went, nope, I'm not going anywhere near that. <laughs> you guys see why I haven't joined another party? That's why when I left the Democratic Party, I just registered as an independent. This is exactly why I didn't join any other party. No PSL, no Green, no nothing, because I had already heard. <laughs> criticisms about these parties as well and i'm like you know you are joining an organization and one of the things that really stood out to me is that's why i had to ask to follow up with that what i I was like well jill it sounds like you kind of saying that he couldn't really be himself and if and she's like well in a political party you know there are certain structures in place and this is how it is and i'm like yeah i get that but people should be uh, you should be able to be yourself and so one yeah. of the things that I, I noticed she said when she was talking about the language, she was like, you know, him using specific language on interviews and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, so y'all wanted to tell him what to say. Yeah. Because you guys know you can't tell Dr. West what to say. Like, you can't yeah. be like, listen, you got to use these talking points and that talking points. I'm like, you guys thought Dr. West was going to go for that? Yep. <laughs> yep. If Dr. West ever comes out here to Denver, I had already thought in my head of the three items that I want to talk to him about. And one of them was cleaning out the, the uh, Colorado Green Party and, and you know, what I know about it. And the other was insulating um, government and corporate buildings. And the, the last is the big one is the, um, the deregulation with prov- professional licensing scams that are meant to just protect existing businesses from competition. And that, that are terribly racist and, and and they're also misogynist too, but they're very racist. There have been criticisms. I know Delilah made this criticism last time she was on the show. I need to bring her back on here, what she thinks about all this. One of the critics, yeah, Delilah I, made I did bring, I did DM her what once when you had her on a show on your show, I I was in the chat, you know, asking about you know, we call her AMC and and actually uh the person that ran for a lieutenant governor calls her no neck <laughs> but and um delilah knows who she is and i said you know what can be done about the the colorado green party and and um she said uh, she had look into the the bylaws of the of the state bylaws for colorado and in um i don't think she really ever got back to me on that but um yeah, like, she probably I'm, pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's the bylaws and, and i'm and i i would bet big money that democratic party read those bylaws found ways for her to to get through that and put her so she could be put in place and you know use those bylaws so that she could you know have power within the party and destroy it well i know that um delilah was was very vocal like when she came onto the show and by the way that was at the time when she was running as a green party candidate she yep. was running for governor of Texas and Delilah did say that she, long story short, she felt like the Green Party, you know, there are a lot of, uh, how do I say it, bougie white liberals that are part of the Green Party. And yeah, <laughs> even within that space, even within the Green Party space, she has seen where marginalized voices have been either ignored or overshadowed. Yeah, that came from Delilah. So, I mean, she like I said, when Delilah is a real one, like she'll tell you how it is, whether she's running for office or not. And she was running and she just she was very real about that. and was like, look, there are some problems with the Green Party. Like, 
I was like, okay. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, for yeah. you not even to like take a vote for the members and see how they feel about the particular like mandate issue before you come out with that statement. And it's like, but to me, it just kind of sounded like, it sounded like, like they wouldn't let Cornell West be himself. And that would be, I could see that as being a problem. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, I, I, I should, I should send you a, um, a, a, a article written by uh, Gary Swing, who is run for office in the Green Party, now runs for, for the Unity Party. He's run for Secretary of State and U.S. Senator, and um, he, he runs every every election cycle. But uh, he 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 got kicked out of the Green Party by um, Andrea Mcrudicure, and he he details it. Um, and and he was very he's still very upset about the the lack of of uh doing anything by the national to to clean i mean everybody that run they purged i mean <laughs> they they did a literal purge and and no one had no one at the national would do anything like what the <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me they don't they don't want to talk about it they just sweep it under the rug and and let let the colorado green party be dead <laughs> yeah and for people who may not be aware of how things work, like within like the Green Party or any political party, you have to run a presidential candidate. Right. Yeah. So like just yeah. that's why Jill was saying, like, there's now this spot that's that's there. And I told you guys, well, Jasmine Sherman and um, Davi. But notice what Jill said tonight, like and I've interviewed Jasmine Sherman and Davi's supposed to be coming on, I think, next week. I've double checked my calendar. But Davi is already already has his website and everything. And he contacted me right before I went to D.C. And notice what Jill said tonight. She said, well, there's no there, there's there there isn't really a a, 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 a a formalized, so to speak, candidate. Right. Yeah. What does that tell you? Yeah. When when these people have already advertised, like Jasmine's advertised, she's running Green Party. So has Davi. Like these people have websites. I'm not making this up. Like <laughs> they, they've been on people's show. So the thing is, is like, what does that tell you when she say it hasn't been formal? So to me, it just it seems it sounds like to me. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like to me that they were kind of just banking on Cornell West being like their candidate and not really paying attention to the other people who were also, you know, saying they're running the green party as well, because they were banking on Cornell West being that person. And so yeah, now it's like, like, well, he's not running with us anymore. So now we got to find, you know, that that spot is open. Someone has to fill that spot. So Jill said tonight that she might be considering running and that's different than what she told me last year. Cause last year she told me yeah. no, because of the lawsuit, she has to focus on those, but now we hear something different. So listen, all more power to, you know, Jill running, she's done it before. She knows how, how it works. She knows what to do. But that again, just goes to show you, like I said, like as a party, they have to run a presidential candidate. They got to run somebody. So it looks like it may be, she said, check back with me in another month. It may be her that fills that spot. And yeah. then we could be talking about RFK Jr., Cornell West, Claudia De La Cruz, and a Jill Stein. Yep. And all the attentions, and look, I ain't mad at it. You know why? 
I told you the more people run independent and third party, the better, because again, there's no Democrat primary debate next year. So if you have that many people running independent and third party that for the most part are pretty well known, all the attention is going to be on them. Yeah. Think about it, guys. Yep. And and, and when's there going to be a, a independent uh, um, debate too? It, that should be set up. Um, so that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's something that Davi did reach out to me about. He was actually trying to organize some type of debate forum for all the Green Party candidates. That's something that he was trying to do himself. Now, I don't know if the party's going to let him do that. See, that's the thing. It's yeah. their rules. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he yeah. wanted to do that. And he asked me, he said, would you host it on your show? And I said, absolutely. But I also yeah. said, like, I don't know if the party going to let you do that, but sure. <laughs> God. Sure, I, I, I'll host it. Maybe I might have to get someone else as a moderator, though. <laughs> but I, I told you guys, I don't think I would be a good moderator. I think I would rather get someone who's experienced with doing that to do that, you know? I, I think you'd be fine. I think you'd do very well. <laughs> you do you do excellent interviews, so I think you'd be an excellent moderator. So, yeah. And and, mm -hmm. and if, I think you, you might want to ask uh, – Dr. Stein or Delilah off the record. Okay, what what's up with the corruption in um and just say the name Andrea Ridicure and and why why is the Colorado Green Party so such a such an intentional mess? <laughs> mm. I, I I could think, I don't think they'll I don't think they'll say that on the air. <laughs> you just saw you just saw Jill avoid the question. <laughs> yeah, probably not, man. <laughs> they, probably, they probably wouldn't get in that once you start mentioning names. Um, but yeah. I don't know. And every every chapter's different too. Yeah. Hmm. Someone wanted me, I who would at one point, Larry Sharp asked me if I would moderate the libertarian debates. I was supposed to do that in person in New York, but I think Larry was still trying to figure out a date for that. So I don't know if that's still happening or not, but I even huh, told man. him, I said, I don't think I would be the best choice to be a moderator. He was like, you do great. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, you, would be, you would be great. Do it. <laughs> oh, man. I guess it makes sense because I'm not a libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, well, she ain't. They were like, she's not even a part of the Libertarian Party. So we know she's not going to show favoritism towards any of the candidates. That's why he <laughs> wanted you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Frank. <laughs> okay. Thank, thanks for letting me in. I'd, I'd been bumped off by the app the, the last two couple times that I called in. So uh, glad to, glad to connect with you. Uh, did you ever connect with you? I wonder if you had uh, contact. Roger, can you mute Roger, can you mute Yeah, sorry, Frank was talking. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, I should, and uh, I, I, I just wondered if you had contacted uh, Jumbos yet or been able to get to that email. I sent you an email. Last yeah, time. it got. You know what? Anyone who emailed me before I left the DC, I'm so sorry. Like I'm, I'm way behind. Do you mind? Um, I hate to say, it, but do you mind resending it again? Yeah, I, I I don't I don't mind that at all, and I'll send uh, some some links to some of the um, 
uh, local TV uh, have done a follow up on her because she for winning the case and in trying to get her business back going. So, yeah, and she's asked me to do some more records requests because she's getting harassed again by the by the by the owner developer who's trying to gentrify. So she's trying he's trying to find other ways to push her out. Okay. Yeah, just send it to me again. I I'm sorry. I I got crazy things happening yeah. right from DC. So I've been okay. really busy. Frank talking to you. Thanks. Frank. Yeah. I yes. can answer your question. I can answer your question. Why the your Colorado green is so corrupt? Okay. <laughs> because it's a party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It is. I, I don't. I. I wish there were no parties, and we just picked the best person. Well, <laughs> Colorado, you can make that happen, baby. Yep. <laughs> Run that citizen ballot initiative amendment to abolish all of them at every level of government. They cannot exist in your state. One and done. Be <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks. Okay, thank you so much, Frank. All righty, let's bring in Daniel and then I'm going to go to Notori. All right, uh, Daniel, you are on the mic. Can you hear me? I can hear you. What's up? Oh, um, nothing. I wasn't going to call in, but I have your favorite new fan here with me. And she's, she's shy, so she doesn't want to talk. But I got my honey addicted to you, and she watches you a lot more than I do you. Oh, wow. Well, hello, uh, Daniel's honey. Does honey have a name? Her na uh, can I say it? Her name is Cassandra. Hello, Cassandra. So she wanted me to call in. <laughs> she She... Before she started listening to you, she was a big, uh, uh, you know, the the view on ABC. She yeah. used to watch that all the time before I before she started seeing your videos in my playlist. So, oh wow, <laughs> I'm getting view treatment. You know what? I used to watch The View back in the day. I, I did used to watch them. And then when it got to the, they started doing the more political stuff, like during the Bernie Sanders campaigns, I was like, you women suck. And that's when I stopped watching them. <laughs> you know, I, I never watched them anyway, but she did. And she, um, she really likes you. So I'm happy that I managed to get uh, my honey addicted to you because she can't stand Jimmy Dore. She can't stand any of the other people I listen to or watch, like Kim Iverson or even Glenn Greenwald. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Bye, Sabby. So that's all that counts. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you if you can um, do a segment, and this is just a recommendation on um, – Peter Zion on him because he he does these short videos. He he likes going hiking, and every time he's hiking, his um, brain juices gets um, released, and he does a video of what's going on in the world. 
and Peter Zion wrote the book, It's the End of the World as We Know It or something like that. And he's a and every time I listen to him, he gets a lot of things wrong, but he also gets a lot of things right. And I listen to him unfortunately a lot more than you do. Uh, then I listen to you, but I, if I want to listen to what the um, what the 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 gentry in DC are thinking and how they're thinking, I listen to him, and it just makes perfect sense. Okay, why are we throwing everything at, at Ukraine, including the kitchen sink, like stuff like that? Like, what's going on with my gosh? Why is the establishment doing such a stupid ideal? Like I listen to him and like, oh, that makes perfect sense. No wonder we're screwed. <laughs> and he recently do a did a video of Russian oil bypassing the sanctions. And um, in in his earlier videos from about last year to the beginning of the war, those um videos were saying, well, um, they're going to not be able to sell their oil anymore. That's what he said. And it's going to cause so much damages because everyone's fleeing the country. And now he has to do a revised video, but he doesn't acknowledge his previous videos. And maybe there's a segment in there for you. Okay, what's his name? Let me go ahead and um, Google Peter Zion. Um, think of Zion, but Z-E-H. Um... Um, better yet, he was on, um, uh, Sagar's, um, uh, I think Sagar's, um, podcast about a year, maybe two ago. So Peter Zion, he was also on Joe Rogan and I see him, I see him. I because I searched him. So he said, uh, what happens to the armed control treaties? Okay. Yeah. I see. He's talking about a lot of geopolitical stuff. Yeah. And I just, I, I find, I find that he's not being able to, like when I hear about, he's saying great things about the U.S., but it's like when you hear about those great things, it doesn't acknowledge the, the income inequality, the, um, uh, the lack of health care, so on and so forth. And it's like that stuff doesn't rejuvenate. And then I figure like, what's with this guy? I know he believes what he is saying, but from what I can tell, this is, seems to be how the people who are ruling over us think and how they're screwing us over, but they think they're actually doing wonderful things. Do you believe they really think they're doing something wonderful, though? Oh, God. After listening to Pierre Zion, yes. Interesting. You know what? I'm going to have to put him on my playlist. I'm going to... Have to check can, out these videos. Can I back up? What yeah. Was saying for 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 a second, I'm, I just want to back up what what Daniel is saying. I was meaning to send the clip that Sagar had did. Um, how would you call it? Boosting Zion. Yeah. Um, because it was in comportance with his with Sagar's anti-China um, uh, rhetoric, okay? So I said to myself, you know what? I want to send this thing to um, Haifa to, to, to get his analysis on it. 
but I don't know Haifang, but I know you know Haifang. So I, he, so Daniel just reminded me to send that clip to you, um, Sabrina, which I just did. And maybe okay. you can figure that to, uh, to Haifang. Okay, I see it. I'll, yeah, I'll send it to Danny. Um, that actually reminds me of a, of a, like two or three YouTubers come conservative capitalist YouTubers. I don't know who they are, but they came into my feed about a year ago, maybe two. And they were talking about how wasteful the, uh, China high speed rail is. And they compared it because they were mentioning this one province of China of how one of the videos did this. Um, by the way, I don't know which one. But they were mentioning how they had to, because they built this high-speed rail, they have to ship coal in trucks. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you thinking like a Westerner? These are Chinese. They're not thinking like, oh, my gosh, we have all this debt. They're thinking, one, we're going to build the largest high-speed rail, and we're going to sh- outshow the West, a.k.a. the United States, that we're number one. Uh, and two, we're going to make sure everyone has a job. So we have all this coal. Well, yes, it would be more efficient to send it by train, but wouldn't it be wonderful to hire all these people who don't have jobs and 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 make more of a polluted mess? I'm like, but they have jobs. I'm like, it's like all these all these people who criticize China – don't understand it, and I'm not a I'm not a big hoorah rah China ho. I'm more of the uh, Serpenza ZA and Yahweh. What I can't think of this guy's name, but Yahweh's point of view than I am of of that China's number one. I just don't buy it. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm not like, but I'm in that mindset of understanding where they're coming from better than these other people. And um, it, it's like they, they, they did this high-speed rail thing, wanting to move as much as much of their, much of the people as possible during their China, uh, Lunar New Year. And two, to show the West, hey, look, you Americans suck. We have high-speed rail. <sighs> Well, I'm finished. Oh, sorry. Um, I mean, I, I, I hear where you're coming from. I wish we had high-speed rail in the U.S. Um, yeah. Because, like, like, when I went to D.C., I took the train to D.C. Uh, the Acela or the uh, the regional? I took the Acela. Um, I'm envious. I and haven't ridden that train yet. Well, did so far in advance. I didn't have to pay much. But that motherfucker was fast. Now, let, let me just tell you, like, they skip over a lot of, like, those, the little stops. Like, yeah, the uh, commuter rail stops. Yeah, because I'm going to tell you guys, Connecticut has a lot of fucking stops, okay? If you, ever get, if you ever get on Amtrak and you do the regional rail, Connecticut has a lot of fucking stops. Even the little small towns like Mystic, Connecticut, Bridgeport, like, all of those. So that's where a lot of your stops go through is fucking Connecticut. So it take you forever just to get through that, right? But if you take the Acela, it only does like that one. I think they only stopped at Stanford, Stanford, Connecticut, right outside of New York City. I think they only stopped there. 
But before I knew it, I was already in New York. And that's why I'm telling you guys, like, bump that regional rail. Bump that. If you can get on the Acela, get on the Acela and just zoom right past. Because the Acela only goes to, like, the major stops, like, the major cities, like, for the most part, right? And so before I knew it, like, I was in D.C. Like, it did not take long at all. Now, that being said, I think that imagine if we had high-speed rail. We had high-speed rail. Could you imagine being in New York City, like for those of us in Boston, could you imagine being in New York City in like 30 minutes? If we had high-speed rail, that would be possible, bud. Um, the, there's the, since I'm into this subject a lot, um, the two problems are is that um, the limited right-of-way in that area, so you can't really do it that much. And the second thing is, I forgot the second thing. Um, the second thing is that the, um, oh gosh, I, the first one is the right of way. And the second thing is the equipment and all the other trains. And this is an interesting article from Jarrett Walker. Um, he he does is like why why how does transit work and why it does and why it sucks and stuff like that and he has this thing uh, called the compromise called ridership coverage scenario and it shows that when people are planning routes they're thinking of coverage they're not thinking of ridership and in that way in the way that things work in the U.S. It, they sort of try to find a compromise with the availability of funding. Um, since you're in that neck of the woods, can you look into um, the plans for connecting Springfield to um, to Boston, at, I think the MBTA or something? I do know that CT Rail, which is Connecticut, runs several trains a day between New Haven and Springfield already. But maybe you can find out what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, I'll look into it. I think, you know, I feel like that's another one of those projects where they've been talking about for a while, but it just hasn't <laughs> taken off yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll look into that because that would be a great connection as well. Because the big thing about high speed rail, you guys, is not just to save time and it's not just about the environment. It's the fact that if we had high speed rail, people can live in areas that are a lot cheaper and still get to work in a reasonable amount of time. That's the, the significance of it. Well, there's actually historical precedents um, for that in England. Um, there are the, these rich people. Um, who would trade on the London Stock Exchange and stuff, and they would commute out to Birmingham, York, and stuff like that on the 125. So that actually does happen, but usually is for the ultra-wealthy and ultra-rich that or in those that, that understand like – that commute time between the airport and downtown where a lot of these places are, it doesn't make it uh, optional. Oh. It would also cut down yeah. on um, pollution because less cars on the road. Um, um, not necessarily. Okay. All right. And let me explain. Let me explain why. Okay. So there's something called 
um, induce demand. So when you free up a lane of traffic or you introduce an added lane for about 15 to 18 months, it encourages more people to use that roadway until it's filled up again. So when people always point to, well, that light rail is going to reduce traffic congestion, I'm saying, no, it's not going to reduce traffic congestion. It's going to offer an option because what you can do, there's this feature on Google Maps that called traffic, and it will show you all the major highways, and when they're green, they're, they're moving smoothly, and when they're all red, there's tons of congestion, and you can look at the Dallas area, which has the over 90 plus miles of light rail in the city, and even on a on a during rush hour after three or four o'clock, you'll see all this red show up around the entire city, and they have like the most light rail I think in the United States. I could be wrong about that, but I think in the United States. Well, check this so, out. There. So um, what? So does it mean that the when people really need to address is like when they're saying this is going to solve congestion? No, it's going to offer uh, an alternative for you having to drive. And the propaganda. One of the reasons why we don't have high speed rails because the propaganda understands that, or transit in general understands that if you build a train station. And this trains, you know, people within a five-mile radius will park, will drive to that um, train station and use that train, especially if there's uh, enough frequency to make it easy to use. And this was done. People already already do that right now. People already Mm -hmm. do that in Massachusetts. They park to, they, they drive and park at the subway stops and they hop on the subway. So... That's in your neck of the woods, and but where I live in San Antonio, uh, this guy out of Portland, Oregon, of all places, his name is Randall Tool, and in the uh, the pro transit area, he's basically has a term like you've been told as you've been if you've been fooled or if you've been had, and he's been drumming up this propaganda for like. 1996, the same year that Dallas Light Rail came on, and I just <clears throat> and I, I wrote uh, a whole piece about how to understand his propaganda, which basically discourages the uh, the renewal of transit in okay, m- much so of the well, United States. Why well, don't want to spit? Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I'm just yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a local activist in San Antonio when it comes to transit and bicycling, so I know a lot about the subject. So I'm sorry for. <laughs> oh no worries. I just I just want to um. Yeah. <clears throat> I just want to make sure I do get to the other callers too. Yeah. Um. Thank you for stopping me. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you want to understand that stuff. Um, more of a one-on-one. Um, I'll post the the stuff I wrote in the um, in the chat and the links in the chat, and I'll leave it to there. If you want to talk more about it, just let me know. Alrighty, alrighty, Buzz. 
All right, we're going to Notori next. Notori, what's up? And then we'll bring in Omar and then we'll go to Noel. Thanks, Daniel. Notori, you just have to unmute. There you go. Hello, everybody. Yes, I had to re um, uninstall this app and then install it back because I couldn't get in the last two terms. But yes, um, I want to talk about, um, I'm glad y'all, I'm just glad y'all break it down. Um, I saw you, Nick, Jay, JB, and CJ earlier today. Then I saw this show because earlier it was just a mess. And it's still kind of a mess with West campaign. It just looked me- it just looked messy. But I still ain't left him yet. I'm close, but I ain't left him yet because what he, I like his policies. And that's the most thing, the most thing that I like is his policies because everybody else is trash to me. But he need to tighten up. I'm hoping he get a grip on his campaign because it is messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you got to be careful with the the hopping around. I mean, he's coming on tomorrow, so I will talk to him about it. Don't forget, guys, he be, he's going to be on at 5 p.m. Eastern time instead of 8. Um, but uh, but if you guys haven't seen it, please go watch that interview that Tim Black did with uh, Cornell West earlier today. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. I'm going to watch it. And then I know he was on this, um, what, the Rational National, like it came across. <laughs> I don't follow that guy. Uh, but it came across um, my timeline on um, Twitter. And I'm like, isn't he in Canada? Like, I'm glad he's going on a lot of people's shows because um, Robert not doing it. But ain't he in Canada, the um, Rational National guy? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't live in the U.S. Yes. And then mm-hmm. it's like, I just want to talk about the um, people that's really not for um, West. Like, let's stop shaking, baking, and gyrating and acting like they support West in reality. Like, I can see it clear as day. They really for, <laughs> they really, and it's okay, but stop lying. They really are for Robert, but they acting like they for West, knowing damn well they not voting for West. They voting for Robert. And if they not voting for Robert, they're voting for Donald Trump. And that's what I hate with, um, and I'm gonna just break it down. That's what I hate with some of the white progressives and um socialist because it's like I had a big like and I heard a little bit what you were saying today and it is it's like and I, I don't want to have to keep coming back here but it just seemed like you not being heard we not being heard it feels like we still in a democrat and republican party like nigga go sit your bitch ass over there let us talk about this covid shit let us talk about this and then we see if we can get to your reparations in cop city that's what it feels like to me and that's why i be going ham turkey on twitter because it's like if i see this i know other people see it because i'm getting tired of black socialists and Black progressives have to include every fucking body. But then when we go into these, that's why I've stopped watching. I ain't going to say all because I still fuck with some of them. But that's why I stopped watching certain white progressives and left because it's like, that's what it gives. It's like pitting black people. like, And they say we 
why is we being racist? Like, I'm like, bitch, I'm black. Like, I can't help what the Democrats and Republicans do, weaponize that bullshit. And it pissed me off because they look at certain black, they look at certain black um, commentators and like, why is you bringing up that? Like, you not black. I guess they want you to be like them Negroes, them coons on MSNBC and just talk apart and don't bring up what you go through. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Nobody speaks for me but me. And that's why, like, I was listening to, because <clears throat> the reason why I didn't have my camera on is because I actually was trying to eat. But um, <laughs> I had, like, my salad. And then um, I was actually cleaning up at the same time. Like, I was listening to um, CJ and and uh, Keaton. And then I saw my tweet come up there, and I was like, oh, no. I said, let me come up here and I'll explain myself. Let me just, just come on in there and I'll explain exactly what I meant. Yeah. So it just, and, and the thing is, is this, like, nobody speaks for me. I'm my own person. I'm an individual. Yes, you know, we're, we're five people. We're part of a network. But the thing is, is this, I am very, very, like, firm and grounded in what I believe and what I feel. And I don't care if somebody that, that I feel that, we may be friends with, or maybe it's it's someone that has a lot of influence in this space, so to speak, right? I don't care if they go in a direction and then I know morally and ethically that shit don't sit right with me. I don't care if I go against what that person is saying. Mm -hmm. and, and some people do. Some people feel like they have to go along with certain people in the space in order to either grow their audience, maintain their audience, or to get the, the views, the likes, and all that kind of stuff. And I highly recommend, you know, recommend people not doing that, especially for anyone who wants to start a show, like on YouTube. Because the thing is, like, people don't want you to be like somebody else. We don't need another channel that's like a Kyle Kalinske. We don't need another channel that's a breaking points. We don't need another TYT. We don't need another Jimmy Dore. Those, those people stand out for who they are because of what they do and the style that they have. And what I have noticed is I feel like some people are trying to copy other styles. And my recommendation to people is don't do that. Be yourself and have your own lane. And that's why, like, when, when Jill said, well, you know, we have certain language that he has to use. I'm like, well, Jill, that sounds like to me he can't be himself. And I'm not trying to just, like, just defend Cornell West, but I would have a problem with that. If you telling me how I have to talk and the language that I have to use, I would have a problem with that because that means I can't fully be myself and then I would really feel like a politician. And so the thing is, is like, that's why I had to come on and I had to say, nah, let me just call this shit out. Because when I was in DC and we all hung out, like some of you guys saw the pictures on um, Twitter, we all hung out. We got to have a real conversation in person, not on Twitter, not on YouTube, not these virtual conversations, but I got to actually hang out with people and talk in person. And one thing that was very apparent to me, and I've been talking about this for quite some time, is that people have been a lot harder on Dr. West than they have been on RFK Jr. Yeah. And I, I'm just going to call it out as it is. And so when I, I jumped onto the stream today, I had to say that and I had to push, I had to say that shit. 
And I don't know who, whoever needed to hear it, who was watching. I said, yo, people are being way harder on Cornell West than they are on RFK Jr., bud. And they doing some of the same shit. And I don't know if people don't feel comfortable calling this out because that means that you may not be in community with certain podcasters in this space. But as a black woman in this space, and particularly people, we are, we're a black network. We, we didn't come into this space to be like other people. We saw what the white channels were doing and we knew like, wait a minute, they're not representing us correctly. We need to come in and tell people what our experience is like. If you gonna come in to this space and you just gonna copy what what you just gonna go along with what all these other people doing, you're not giving people the authentic experience from the black community and what people need to hear about what we going through. And I'm gonna say this again for people listening: people don't need another fucking. We don't need another Kyle Kalinsky. I've seen so many people copy these things. We don't need another Kyle Kalinsky. We don't need another David Pakman. We don't need another Jimmy Dore. We need people who are different. You gotta be yourself and you gotta stand by your morals and what you believe. And so I had to come on and say, and I said, look, I told myself and I told you guys, I told myself after the Bernie campaigns, I said, I was not gonna do that shit no more. I told you that I was not gonna go along with the campaign that was just like, we have the universal policies. It's gonna lift up everybody. I told y'all motherfuckers after that, nah, if you don't have an agenda for black people, I am not supporting your campaign, period. I don't give a damn who you are, whether you a Kennedy or not. And I was very clear about that. And so what was weird to me is like, I'm seeing like some of the, especially some of the white leftists that hold shows in this space and like y'all motherfuckers making a lot of excuses for RFK Jr. man. Mm -hmm. And I've been sitting back and I've been kind of quiet about it, but I've been paying very close attention how y'all been making all these excuses for him. Y'all applauding some of the decisions and shit that he making, but y'all was quiet about his campaign manager. Y'all were quiet about the fact that his campaign manager was a Democrat congressman who was driven out by the Democratic Party and that motherfucker was still supporting the Democratic Party. Y'all was right. silent about that, but you had shit to say about Cornell West campaign manager. Y'all mm. was quiet about the fact when RK Jr. was like, okay, that's it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to run as a Democrat. Some of y'all motherfuckers was cheering him on. And I even said, I said, to be fair, I'm going to give him kudos for leaving the Democratic Party and doing what Bernie didn't do. Right. At least I've been fucking fair and consistent. But what I've seen is that a lot of people, the moment Cornell West said he was going independent, oh no, oh God, why is this happening? Da, da, da. So mm -hmm. what I have noticed is a lot more people seem to be more pissed at the black guy than they are at the white guy. And that shit started from the moment Cornell West announced his campaign before he even went into the Green Party. And some of the same people who said, Oh my God, no. Why is he running as a green? He should be running independent. The moment he announced he's running independent, like, oh my God, no. Why is he leaving the green party? These people are not fucking serious. And to your point, Notori, some of those same people who pretended like they support Cornell West do not support Cornell West. Them motherfuckers in secret gonna be supporting RFK Jr. They just don't wanna say that shit out loud because they know that his position on Israel and Palestine is fucked up. Yeah. That's what that's about. And that's why, that's why I fuck with you and RBN because I know y'all ain't gonna hold y'all tongue for nobody. It's just that, um, like 
I know when, um, like I woke up this morning and saw what everybody else saw, I was really confused. And that's why I said, I can't wait to see. And I knew y'all were going to come up there. And that's why I waited and see what y'all, what ain't way I did. Like, I'm like, damn, I'm dizzy, confused what the hell is going on over there. But when I saw what y'all was talking about and it just put everything in perspective for me. And then like, again, it's like, I see them. It's like I see, I watch stuff on Twitter, like I see it, and I know other people see it too, but they don't want to say shit. It's like they give so many fucking excuses for Robert, but yet they going down the list, everything with Wes, like he ain't doing this right, he ain't doing it. Like I know some people was confused about what's going on um this morning but we watched y'all show and we got it but then is these people like you said we know they are not supporting west but they acting like they is and you can just listen to certain stuff they say you can tell when they um like they act like they don't know if they who they gonna be who they voting for you can tell they for robert or for trump and it's like it's like i see it and it's just i'm getting like just be up front like why lie? Why play games? And some people have told me in private that they're going to support RFK Jr., but on Twitter, they're pretending like they're not. And I'm, I'm just going to say the thing is, is this. When I say, look, pay attention to one of the stories I'm going to cover tomorrow night. A black woman was just hanged, you guys. Was just fucking hanged. There was a black guy who had his head bashed into the fucking sidewalk by the police. So some of these same people will say, yeah, we're friends. We're all like, you know, we're all lefty friends and commentators and da, da, da. Not when it comes to black issues. And I'm not alone on this, by the way. Talk to other people who have seen it. Talk to Colin, even Colin from Indie News Network. He's seen this shit too. The moment you bring up that stuff, like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I don't have nothing to do with that. No, no, let's not go down that road. When I talk about the issue with Israel, Palestine, and RFK Jr. and that he can't make the connection, he can't make the connection about the fact that the IDF trains the police in the United States, the same police who are brutalizing black people in this country. That is a fucking problem. And anybody who's sitting there and is like, I'm willing to overlook that, you willing to overlook my, my ability and my people's ability to exist in this country freely. That's what you willing to overlook. Because you want to focus on issues that help you and your people, but you want us to get on board with those issues and you want us to fight with you the same way we did through the Bernie Sanders movements and the Bernie Sanders campaigns. But the moment we ask you, come stand with us, you can't do it because it's divisive. I think we need to flip that shit. Maybe we need to start saying it's divisive to go on your side. And more people need to speak out about this. This has been a problem for a long fucking time. So no. I see Keaton on RBN. I see my tweet come up. I'm a part of the network. You want to talk to me, Keaton? You got my contact info. You can talk to me face-to-face or whatever. But I'll be damned if I see you sitting there on the network that I'm a part of. It's like, well, yeah, Sabby said da-da-da-da. Sabby right here. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? You, you getting that. the call-in voice, Keaton, because I'm on my phone. I said, you about to get the call-in voice because I was on my phone. <laughs> so I was just like, look. This is what it is. Y'all motherfuckers have been making a lot of excuses for RFK Jr. And y'all been very heavily critical of Cornell West. And I have noticed that shit. And I don't know if this is because y'all trying to go along with what Jimmy telling you saying or whatever. I don't fucking know. But I am my own person. I'm an individual. And I know in my fucking gut that shit is wrong. 
and I'm going to speak out against it. And if people have a problem with it, they can piss off. Yes, the last thing I'm going to say and get to somebody else is um, I'm not fucking with no, like I still can watch some other shows and I know they ain't good on certain stuff, but I still watch just to see what's going on. But if you not, because I'm just sick of seeing the black people in this space have to, everybody let's shook and job and just kumbaya this shit but yet when it's time for black issues it's quiet it's nothing that's why i ask people on twitter have anybody seen a list of any show but he ain't come on um like real progressives or hard-hitting left shows have anybody asked robert about um cop city or reparations which i already knew he didn't um support reparations but like i don't see none of these white um, so-called progressives or independents asking him them type of questions at all. We don't. Um, so Sabrina, you were saying, what is your black agenda? Flip that around. We present you with our black agenda and you either accept or you don't. We're not going to allow the politician to tell us what our agenda is. That's a good. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, I apologize oh. for the in, the intensity, you guys, but you gotta oh, understand. Like I've been, me? I seriously I like I've been, it. I've I've held my tongue for quite some time, and I sat back and I observed, and I said, I don't know what the fuck is going on in this space, but I I'll be damned. It. I'll be damned if I sit back and pretend like this shit is not happening right in front of me. And the thing is, is this a lot of people like RFK Jr. Yeah, because of the COVID thing. So some people are single issue voters, so they like him because of that. And it is what it is. But the thing is, is like, let's be real. Like I said today on RBN, if it's really so much about the mandates in the COVID situation, then why isn't all those people backed in Dr. Shiva and his independent run, who was already running as an independent before RFK Jr. even announced? Why, did, why aren't they backing someone like Dr. Sheba who actually came up with the data and the information first? You know why? Because that's not attractive. It's more attractive to back someone like RFK Jr. because he's a fucking Kennedy. Let's just keep it real. I will vote and uh, I vote for Robert. I'm just tired of people sitting up there saying, like, we're going to put these people and their issues last or we're just going to scratch their issues off the list. We have to learn from the Bernie campaigns and we have to move forward. We cannot go back into that same crisis, that same situation where we allow them to just exploit black people and say, we just got to be silent. No, 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 no. Just fight for these things for the other people. And then we come back to you later. or We don't come back to you at all. How has that been working out? We cannot continue to do this. So we use this as leverage. So you say, okay, look, we're not getting on board with you unless you get on board with us. Okay. Our vote is not guaranteed and our support is not guaranteed. Okay. If you refuse, and I always use this as an example, like, like you say, lift all boats and stuff like that. I say, look, if four out of five people got ten dollars and the fifth got a dollar and you give twenty dollars to all of them oh yeah sure that um improves all five people's lives uh exponentially but at the end of the day that fifth person is still on the bottom because they went from a dollar to twenty one dollars while the other four while the four went to thirty dollars okay so 
like I said, all right, fine. If 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 you're not you, Savvy, but like if this person is saying, oh, no, we got to come together in the universal policies. I'm like, no, no, you can do you can do that. OK, oh, but we got to no, no. If you want to get those policies, run a ballot initiative. Stop. Stop depending on on, on the politicians to get it for you. OK, um, I did. I will say I did warn people. I'm mean, not saying that no one didn't listen or whatever, but I did warn everybody last year before the 2024 fever pitch kicked in is that it's better to start focusing, put prioritization on what we could get done at state and local level before that fever kicks in. Because once the fever kicks in, everyone is going to abandon it and look for Superman in their favorite politician. Now, I looked at also regarding with the reparations with with Dr. West, he has to be he I looked at that policy of what he was talking about, and he's out of step with the reparationists from the reparationist movement because he's calling for a commission, a study. OK, feasibility studies, in case anybody doesn't know, are nothing but stonewall tactics. I'm not saying he's doing that on purpose. But they are nothing but stonewall tactics. The last thing that you want is the feasibility study. When all of these other groups got their thing, whether it's LGBT or, 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 or Hispanics, or whatever the case is, right? When these specific groups got their thing, there was no feasibility study. There was, there it is, there you go, send you on your way. That was yeah, it. Yeah. So he, he, yeah. And, and that's yeah. actually one of the questions I do have for him tomorrow. That is one of mm -hmm. the questions I do have on my list about that because we don't need a committee. We have committees. It's already been studied. We everybody already noticed this. This has already been studied. Mm -hmm. We already have the committees, so people want to see like action, right? So that is one of the things that I do have on my list. And one of the things I also do want to say is that look, I like the guys that do dissidents. I don't think like Keaton was meaning any harm. It's just the thing is, is like it was something that I was noticing, and I was noticing a lot of people. Just like, I'm like, man, y'all, uh, and not to say they haven't criticized RFK, but I'm saying it was very interesting to me, the number of people that were applauding RFK for going independent. But when Dr. West goes independent, they were like, he's not going to have ballot access. Neither is RFK Jr., man. Neither is RFK Jr., fam. Him and Dr. West in the same boat. So why, why are we not seeing the, at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves when all this is over, this election is over, what's going to be left for on the ground, grassroots activism. And that's why we started the RBN chapters, right? But what I think bothered me the most with the Dr. West thing is not just that people were criticizing him. I felt like the criticism towards him was unfair compared to the criticism towards RFK Jr. I sat there and I watched RFK Jr. in that Jimmy Dore interview and I watched RFK Jr. lie through his fucking teeth. And the number of people, some of the people who were criticizing Cornell West, they were just like, well, RFK doesn't know. Bullshit. People got to wake up. Dennis Kucinich is his campaign manager. Dennis Kucinich knows exactly what's happening to Palestinian people in Israel because he's talked about it on the fucking national stage multiple times. So you mean to tell me that this guy don't get this shit? He gets it. It's all about money. What did Anya Parampel tell you when she came onto my show recently? And she was a supporter of his campaign. What did she say? She said, the only response for this is money. It's about money. 
So even she gets it and she sees it. And people just need to acknowledge that. So my whole thing is, again, was just like, yo, just fucking be fair with the criticism. When I interviewed Cornell West, and by the way, I have not had a chance to interview RFK. I reached out to his campaign the moment they announced. And every time it was a different excuse. We can't do this. Da, da, da. They talked to me on the phone. Oh, we're not going to, you know, this, the, the communications director, Stephanie, she won't let him come on to certain shows and da, 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 stuff like that. But I'm you won't talk to me. You won't talk to Max Bluenthal, but I'm supposed to believe you are going to dismantle the CIA. Motherfucker, get out of here. Let's see this for what this really is. Hell, it's easier to talk to me than to dismantle the CIA. So the thing is, is, is my thing that I want to get across to people is that what was weird to me, we did a third party summit, a third party summit. Well, we talked about all these things, the pros and cons of third parties. And we brought on people who ran third party and all that kind of stuff and yada, yada. And what's weird is just like, we finally got a candidate who's running on the issues that we said during that summit should be on the platform. And the moment it was like, somebody was just like, no, no, no. This person is, is a Joe Biden going to support Joe Biden da da da. Everybody just shifted. Everybody, we may not get this chance again. And I'm not saying you got to vote for Dr. West. But I'm saying, like, this is what we were asking for for the longest fucking time. And we finally got it. And, like, all it took is for one person to, like, just change people's minds. And everybody was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. Oh, my God. This podcaster said, don't do it. This person is this. This person is that. And everybody just fell in line. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with people? And I do, Stabby, I do like that you give people an option because on these other channels, they be like, who who you voting for or they be like you need to vote for this fam and what did i tell you guys i brought on a lot of people so i brought on dr shiva he's an independent candidate i brought on jasmine sherman i brought on claudia de la cruz i brought on obviously dr west i brought on um well i reached out to rfk they they wouldn't let him come on i mean i've in terms of like the independent and third party candidates, I've brought these people on. Whether I agree with everything on their platform or not, I at least introduce them to you so you guys can hear the message and hear what they're running on and you decide for yourselves. But to see people be like, I'm not going to interview this person because I don't agree with their, I didn't agree with everything that Jasmine Sherman had on her platform. And those of you who saw that interview, you know, I said, I don't agree with this death penalty. I don't agree with that. I told her, but I agree with some of the things that she did have, which I thought did make sense. So my thing is, is just like, come on, man. You you guys have, have, have got to see the difference. You, you got to see the difference. You got to see, like, if you look back to the interview with me and Anya, they, they met him during the Defeat the Mandates. So he spoke at the Defeat the Mandates rally in California. That was last year in January. And it was already decided, like, what what they tell you? It was pretty clear that they were going to get behind him after that. He was already saying it then that he was thinking about running for president. So he had decided that over a year ago. And that's cool. It is, you know, people support who they want to support. But what was weird to me is, like, the outright attacks against Cornell West. And I was just like, damn, y'all were fine with Cornell West two years ago. 
Y'all liked Corno West. Then y'all brought him on your shows. All the all that stuff. All that stuff. And some of these people and some of these people who Uh oh. Who are who are most likely Uh-oh. Oh, can you hear me? You can't hear me? No? Can't hear I can me? hear you now. I can hear you now. Oh, okay. And some some of these people who are who um are criticizing or whatever the case is, a good portion of them are from ballot initiative states where they could do it themselves. You know what I mean? So it's just I'm addicted to to Superman. You know what I mean? I want Superman to come and save me. You know what I mean? I hear the thing about, hey, it's expensive to put initiatives on the ballot, but every time I look up, I see a citizen-led initiative that qualified to go on the ballot, even inexpensive as California. They already got, the citizens already got initiatives for the 2024 um, um, election, like already qualified to go on the ballot and others were just clear to collect signatures. Okay, so like, dude, why don't you just do it yourself instead of waiting on Superman to come save you? You could do it yourself, whatever it is that you want. You know, yeah, you might not be able to um, to do foreign policy directly, but if you make people's lives better at home, that's less bodies for the military. You know what I mean? So that's a good point. You know, you just the, the you know the military. You know, um. So yeah, so that's all I'm say. All right, Omar, come on in, Omar. Hot on the mic. <laughs> hey, Savvy. Hey, what's up? Not much. Um, I just wanted to say that I've been following Dr. Cornell West for uh, many years. I've I've met him. I think he's an amazing, brilliant person. Um, but I also want to say that, like, he, I don't know if it's age, um, or a function of him coming from like a, an elite academic background and he's brilliant. Um, but, you know, whether it was Jimmy who was super abrasive um, and and like Jimmy, I agree with him on, on a lot of things, but I hate his style. He has no fucking patience to convey stuff to people. He does, he, ha- he should have somebody else convey his points for him because he just loses his cool and he loses people right away. And I think he needs some fucking therapy because he's just perpetuating. I get the feeling that there's something from his family that's just bubbling up where he needs to create this fucking drama every single time somebody disagrees with him. And he gave, you know, very different treatment, like you, like you said, to, um, to Cornell West versus RFK Jr. When RFK Jr. was saying the most disgusting, racist, orientalist things about Palestinians, like I wanted to kick him in the face when I when I heard this shit. He called them um, terrorists, you guys. Exactly, he exactly. Terrorists. Exactly, and. And but yeah, Jimmy, like whether it was the most abrasive, like fucked up part of Jimmy that just that just goes after people to create drama. 
uh, or if it was from RBN. Um, like he, he was just not receptive to even RBN, like fellow black people uh, talking to him respectfully about how Joe Biden was, you know, either just as fascist or even more fascist than Donald Trump, because, you know, he he has the cover of, you know, being a Democrat and being the lesser of two of the evils where he, when he's not, when he's just there's a ratchet effect and people keep on talking about this. They've been talking about it for years where like the Republicans, you know, dial it up a notch and the Democrats don't really dial it back. Like Joe Biden has not reversed the policy uh, that, that Trump uh, degraded with Cuba. Uh, like that was one of the few good things that Obama did. He opened up relations with Cuba Biden didn't didn't undo that. The Iran deal didn't undo that. The border crisis didn't undo that. He just kept on. It's just a ratchet effect. And like he wasn't listening to that like that. That was being made very clear to him by RBN. And he was not listening to it. And that's really that was really frustrating to me to keep on hearing him say the same thing, use the same lines over and over again. Like he had like a, he had like kind of like a stump speech that he keeps on giving. And he, and I was so excited when he, when he ran and I wanted him to, you know, grow in his positions and listen to you guys and evolve and then, and then pivot in some of the things that he was saying. I don't know what, what it is, but, I, I'm gonna leave it there because uh, I I gotta take off. But yeah, I want to hear what you wanna what you have to say about that. Yeah, it was interesting when I spoke to um, Glenn Lowry recently. I was on his show and he gave the same response about Joe Biden that Cornell West did. He also doesn't think Joe Biden is fascist, and I gave him specific examples, <laughs> like I, just like I did Dr. West. Um, but that was interesting because. Glenn uh, Lowry is a conservative, right? So it was interesting that even Glenn Lowry was like, no, Biden's not a fascist, Donald Trump is. So that <laughs> that was interesting to me. And I, I, I had to tell him, I was like, no, let's think about some of the things that, <laughs> that Joe Biden has done. So I brought up like the mandates, obviously. I brought up like the crime bill. And I he was just like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, forcing someone to take a vaccine, you know, forcing them to take an experimental vaccine without their permission, or they're going to lose their job if they do so. And that happened under Joe Biden, by the way, guys, that didn't happen under Trump's administration. It was Joe Biden who made it. Even the federal workers said they had to take it. Otherwise they would not keep their job. I said, that is a form of fascism. You are, that's, you're telling them they have to do, this was an experimental vaccine. So my whole thing was, is I, I told him as well, like I had to take it for my job, my employer in order to keep my job. And I didn't agree with it then. So those are some of the, one of the examples that I gave him in reference to Joe Biden, but he was looking at it the same way Dr. West looks at it. And he was just like, well, we're talking about people causing an insurrection. We're talking about uh, Hitler and Mussolini and da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, that's old school fascism. <laughs> you know, we're talking about we're talking about new school fascism, which is I don't think we're not talking about you know an employer saying you have to get 
like the flu shot, which has been around for a long time and has been studied and they've been able to rework it if there were issues early on. We were talking about something that was created that year and there weren't enough studies done, right? And some people did have adverse reactions to to the jab. I, so I did, I did. I had an adverse reaction for six months, like both times that I did the, the vaccine. Like, yeah, like I think they're just so hung up on Trump's delivery on his style. Like they're they're just, and we create these men. We create the, they come out of this society. They're not aberrations. They're CEOs. They're 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 these like megalomaniac men, usually, but women are joining the fray as well. And we create them, and they're so American, but yet we act like there's some aberration to this culture. This is what we create. We put them up on the pedestal. We aspire to be them. We give them all these privileges. We let them walk all over us. And this is what we create, Donald Trump. But it's his style that's abrasive. And they're so hung up on that style. Whereas Biden, I mean, he says some, I mean, you know, I don't need to tell you, like all the racist shit that he's done in his life. And, and yet the crime bill, like the the fact that he made it impossible for people to like declare bankruptcy uh, for for student loans like he's just got such terrible track record and he's a creep like who yeah. like sniffs little girls like there's video montages of this like yeah co- come on <laughs> i know man i know that was the first time i heard that from someone who was conservative though so i was kind of surprised um, that Glenn said that, but then I, I did remind myself again, like him and Dr. West are both academics. So that's something to think about. Again, when they talk about like fascism, they're thinking about the literal definition of, you know, going against, they're talking about the, like the, the law of fascism, like going against the law, going against like the order, like the January 6th riots for example they're talking about like what hitler did they're talking about what like what mussolini did right so they're looking at the literal like term of it so that's something like i had to keep in mind when we're talking about like you know fascism and what it means to different people and same thing like because i i worked with faculty for a long time and the faculty members i worked with they would probably say the same thing they would say that joe biden's not a fascist but donald trump is you know but um (laughs) But they're not thinking about the mandates either, you know. Yeah, they're so hung up on, you know, this civility kind of politics discourse. Like it's just while while like underneath the surface, there's all kinds of fascist things going on. Like, come on, look below the surface. Like you're supposed to be intellectuals. You're supposed to study things and pull them apart and look at the history. But it's really fucking disappointing to to see such shallow thinking and and they're indoctrinated into that they're they're propagandized into that that we're li- that nothing to see here everything's fine the law equals morality you know we're 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 doing great you know well yeah. one thing i will say is that glenn greenwald's been very defensive of dr west in fact he told off a guy today <laughs> who said, you're just helping elect Donald Trump. And Glenn Greenwald went off on him. I saw that. Um, I responded to that guy, too. <laughs> I was just like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I said, Biden is helping to elect Trump. Get out. <laughs> that was funny because I was like, what is wrong with this I was like, who is that guy? Like, cause, and then also too, like he made it so that everybody can't see his tweets. I forget what that's called on Twitter, but some people have that. You can do that option where everybody can't see your tweet. So that person did that. And I was like, screenshot for the blocks. And then when I saw the screenshots, I was like, what? <laughs> oh man. I just... Yeah, it was fun. But yeah, Glenn Greenwald has been very defensive. He's just like, this is fucking ridiculous. Same thing with Norm Finkelstein. Norm Finkelstein is like, what the hell is wrong with the left right now? He's like, why are not, why are people not getting, he's like, what the, he said, everybody on the left should be going. He's like, look at the policies, man. Larry's been in defense of him uh, also. Um, when he goes on that News Nation show and they was getting on him about, oh, he doesn't pay his taxes. He said, oh, okay, I'm a libertarian. Great, he don't pay his taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, Savvy. Good talking to you. All right, thank you so much, Omar. Thank you. All right, Noel, I know you've been waiting. Miss Noel. Good evening, everybody. Um, You know, I've been listening and I have um, a few opinions on this whole matter. Um, First of all, I think there is some concern in terms of, you know, we always said that we were not necessarily looking or expecting for Cornell to win as a third party candidate, but to be that moment in the movement and spark, you know, building out the viability and robust aspects of the Green Party. And of course there are problems in parties and there are problems trying to do movements. But I I do have concern about him now going independent um, and not for any specific reasons other than you know, the time that it takes, there is the issue of ballot access. And we are in a situation where he has gone from a movement for the People's Party to the Green Party, now independent. And it makes me reflect and say, I don't think he gave enough thought to running for president because some of these things can be anticipated and you look before you leap. And so I thought um, Dr. Stan was very diplomatic in the way she handled the whole situation. And she did her best not to malign him. But if you notice, she did say some of these decisions were made without discussion. She said, I would have liked to have, you know, weighed in, but these things were not discussed with us. And if you are running for president or any office, it goes unsaid that it is a collaborative thing. You do have to deal with organization. You do have to deal with party. You do have to deal with people. And Dr. West does seem to demonstrate a type of either a blind spot or just um, he is so given 
to his academic style and what he does as an academician that he doesn't seem to understand that running for president is a different dynamic and it does require different skill sets. You can have all the knowledge in the world at your disposal and that does not necessarily translate into leadership. You know, and that's exactly what a president is. And so you may have the wherewithal to speak to the current age, but whether you have the wherewithal to serve the present age in a leadership capacity is a different dynamic. And, you know, from the Peter Dow thing to um, now he's going independent and not having, you know, it sounds like not having due discourse with the people who encouraged him to run green and this and that. So I do see this as type, a type of a exit ramp for him because he was going to have trouble um, getting his message out and building that coalition to seek the nomination for the Green Party. He was going to have that anyway. And now he's just more easy for the major media to ignore and to, you know, marginalize or what have you. And so I see those things as vulnerabilities to him running as an independent candidate in addition to not being able to get ballot access. And so whether... Well, well one thing I want to add, mainstream media isn't going to ignore him, though. In fact, he was just on... What happened to Case? Did Case drop off? Oh, there he is. He was just on CNN. Like, they're not going to ignore Dr. West, just like they're not going to ignore RFK Jr. But here's the thing. They may not ignore them, but without a party apparatus behind them that can get them on them ballots, they're less of a threat in any form or fashion to the duopoly. So given that you don't have the apparatus and you most likely won't have ballot access, they're not necessarily concerned about, you know, you being the threat of anything or spoil or anything else. So yeah, they'll entertain your positions now because in terms of what you can do in terms of their perception to the um, binary choice between the Democrat and Republican, they see that as kind of neutralized now. And in a sense- Well, well, I kind of get it, but I do want to be clear to people about ballot access. And I sent this to Eric earlier tonight and I'll send it to you guys too about what it takes to get ballot access for independence. In some states, it's actually gonna be easier for you to get ballot access as an independent versus as a third party candidate. And I'll bring up a state like Ohio, for example. So it turns out even, even when Dr. Rest was running under the Green Party, did you guys know that in some states he was still gonna to have to run as an independent because of the rules in that state? Ohio was one of them. Right. He would have still had to run as an independent in Ohio. He wouldn't run as a Green Party candidate. So I'm going to put that link in. I, I get where you're coming from, though. California is one of the ones where you do need to, to raise a lot of money. Texas, you're going to have to raise a lot of money. Um, and I do acknowledge that. But I do want to be clear. I want to share that. Or Eric, if you still have that link that I sent you, if you can put it in the chat, the Ballotpedia thing that explains the requirements of independent candidates. So like I said, 
some states, it's actually easier for an independent candidate than it is for a third party candidate. And don't forget in North Carolina, what happened with Matthew Hope, how they took the Green Party people off the ballot. And if it hadn't been for all the attention that Matthew Hope got and the lawsuits, Matthew Hope would have still been off the ballot. So it's a lot easier for some of those states to change the rules and remove an actual party from the ballot than to remove an individual person. Uh, but go ahead. But here's the point, like Jill Stein said, when you start talking about the other parties who really don't have a party apparatus in terms of infrastructure behind them, she said, it's money. They're either buying their way to ballot access or you have the grassroots type of thing like the Green Party did to gain access. And so if Dr. West is now independent and we know that means the very likelihood that he doesn't have um, the human infrastructure to do these things. And he is not, to my knowledge, in a position to buy his way into it. Whatever the opportunity is towards a campaign for president, it has gotten that much more precarious for him now. Because, you know, you we can say a lot of things about the Green Party, but for whatever the, the dissonance and, you know, problems are, Jill Stein was able to work her way through it twice and may be yet considering to um, run a third time to seek the nomination. And so there is a point about, you know, I understand Dr. West needs to be himself, but Dr. West needs to be able to make the adjustments for him to continue to say, oh, I'm a jazz man, improvisation, this and that. Then you need to get in here and do some jazz with these people. You have to work with people. And yes, you bring a huge reputation and a huge voice and recognition, but this is a party and it has frailties and issues and this and that. And, you know, you need to get to know these people if you are going to try and build out the infrastructure and so and create a more viable third party in maybe the years to come. So we'll see where he goes with his movement, this, that, and a third. But those are my concerns with this move now from the Green Party and in, in, in kind of an unceremonious way over to independent. And the people yeah. who the people well, who mean, helped bring you to the Green Party, you weren't even really discussing things with them. No, so no, I, that's that's not actually that's actually that's not. Well, wait a minute. True. I'm just saying based on what Jill Stein said, no. she said some of those decisions that he made in terms of this, you know, pivoting to independence, she didn't have the opportunity to discuss some of those things. She's not the only person that brought him over to the party, though. If and Chris Hedges watch, has not said anything. No, no, no. If you watch the interview that he had earlier today with Tim Black, that was actually addressed. And Chris Hedges, and according to that interview he had earlier with Tim Black, Chris Hedges actually agreed with this decision. Okay. So this is why I'm telling y'all, y'all find out tomorrow, but I'm telling you, again, there's two sides to a story. But here's so remember, the same dynamic. It's, it still just, it it's still the way that you communicate. If, you've, if you're out there and you switch to green and now we hear through an announcement, you, you know, you roll out this independent, there should be 
some communications about these things before they just happen to people. Because like Notori said, you get the message and then there's all this confusion and the dust has to settle and this and that. But that set aside, it is still more precarious for him as a candidate for president and to initialize a movement than it was prior. Because like I say, all things considered, the Green Party did have, does have infrastructure. And if Jill Stein concedes to throw her head in the ring again, we're just going to have this cast of people seeking independent and third party runs. And that has been what, that's what I think is a part of the problem with the so-called nonpartisan left. There is just no consensus of organizing here. The house is on fire. We know that the duopoly stands here. We know what the Democrats would do, what the Republicans would do. But this left space is just so fraught with dissonance of one form or another. And I'm saying, aren't there some core principles, core values that everybody on the nonpartisan side can kind of come together? Do we all have to have 50 million people in the independent space running? Can't you just come together and say for the sake of, you know, this this movement? No, that's what we're no, trying to because, build. No, because you know why, Noel, you can't do that because all it takes is now I've said this before. All it takes is for one one person who has a large platform to say, no, 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 don't get behind this person. And it's done. That's all it takes. And that's, that's the problem. That's just what problem. I said. There is no, there is no consensus. There is no unanimity, no common understanding on what is construed to be the nonpartisan left. There well, is well, just some of these people, and some of these people are no longer on the left, and they've said so publicly. Some of the people have said that they're not a part of the left anymore. That they don't, they're not, they don't consider themselves to be a leftist anymore. That they've decided to be you know, to not have a label or they side more with the right now. Like some of these people have said this on my show. So the thing is, is like, what are we, what are we, you know, there's, there's unity and there's solidarity. And what I've noticed is it's the solidarity piece that seems to be missing because I'm not going to let people continue to. And, and when we talk about RBN, people have to remember, we do have people, a part of the network that are a part of the LGBTQ community. And when people who, come into this space and they think that they can just say whatever they want to about LGBTQ people and their rights, they are not being respected, respectable to the people who are part of RBN that are a part of the LGBT community. So again, that's one of those issues where for certain people, they're not going to budge on that. Like, no, you're not going to sit up there and, 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 mar and, and continue to marginalize my people and pretend like this is not an issue. When it comes to the reparations issue, we can't all just get along, get along behind one candidate because if, if we say, like I've said, no, there needs to be a black agenda, the majority of the so-called left is going to walk away from that, just like they did during Bernie Sanders campaigns when Bernie Sanders didn't have a fucking black agenda. Like that's, that's the fucking thing. So then if you say everybody just, just get, get behind this one candidate who's anti-war, then all the other issues go out the window. So the thing is, is like you cannot forget about the marginalized people, which is what Bernie Sanders thought that by the universal programs will just lift all boats and that kind of thing. But 
There's a difference between equality and equity. And Bernie Sanders wasn't looking at equity. And that's that's very key. So that's why we can't all just get in line behind one person, because there was no one candidate that was trying to address the needs and issues for every single group and particular person. But but you actually make my point. There is in terms of a critique of the nonpartisan left, there is no set of core values, no core set of anything that unites and creates what would be a definable nonpartisan left because the issues that they have, which should be inconsequential on the left are not. So we really do have some bad faith actors who are moving and, and you know, they talk this left language or this, that, and that, or the considered or want to be left in the independent media space, but they really aren't because I can't understand how can you have a left that does not see and embrace the least of these. Like Cornel West is always saying, like um, Franz Fanon said, the wretched of the earth, the least of these. If you are considering yourself on the left and you want to see the marginalized people be more marginalized or remain marginalized, is that really the left? And so and that's just a separate point because, again, and and if I may broaden it out a little bit, like I've said, you know, time and time again, the American way emerges from the intersection of a white supremacy that operationalized capitalism and everything comes out of that. The additional stratification of class by race comes out of that. And the reason a lot of people, quote unquote, and I'll say this, Caucasian people on the quote unquote left, you know, cringe at the idea of having to deal with the black issues is because they have been allowed to hide behind class and not deal with the further division of class by race. That is one of the most insidious concepts that moves through this society. And so, you know, if you are really about the elevation of people and the least of these, you have to be able to confront those issues. And to the degree that people want to say, oh, we're just we're going to unite around the issues that, you know, unite around class. If you can't center the issue of the least of these, then you are really not dealing with the full spectrum of class. You're dealing with class to the extent that it, it speaks to your issues. And you're saying whatever scraps fall off for the rest of them, that's okay by them. But I submit to my thinking that is not a real left theory because you're you're willingly leaving people behind or leaving people oppressed. And so that is why, you know, I understand in a different way some of the things that these so-called leftists speak and why they're resistant to dealing with reparations and this, that, and third, just like Jimmy Dore. You should be, Jimmy Dore, first of all, I think it makes a commentary that he comes from comedy. And so he is, like Dr. West is given to academia, Jimmy Dore is given to comedy. But it says something to me that in these spaces, you know, that deal with political issues, we're leaning to comedians and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And not that they don't have opinions, right. but the independent media space 
leans and yields into a lot of um, stuff where there is just really no guardrails on it. So you get a bit of everything. But that's that's Ooh, my position on the West thing. But a the lot other of thing, some people huh? have moved away from the left, the left thing, and they've moved towards, let's just focus on populism. And when you just focus on populism, all those other, the social issues are not a part of that, of those platforms. When you just but, focus on populism, that, that leaves everybody else to the side. So what I'm saying is, and like Kim, Kim Iverson and I had this conversation. Kim, what did Kim Iverson tell you guys when she came on my show last time? She said she's going to either support, support RFK and she said if RFK don't go all the way to the end, she's going to support Donald Trump. So what, what the thing is, is that there's been that shift from focusing on left progressive issues to let's just focus on populism and what's good for the economy. Or people have shifted to let's support Joe Biden because we don't want to get Donald Trump. And so for people like me and the rest of us at RBN, like we're kind of we're kind of on an island. Um, but so these are still like you say, if you pivot from left stuff to populism or this, that, and a third, those are still racist moves. Those are still racist guided because you are by those movements to a broader left, I mean, a broader populist or a broader class base. You're doing that in part because you have no sensitivity or care for the most marginalized otherwise. So it's like, well, I'm not going to deal at the granular level. Let's go to a higher level so I don't have to deal with those issues. But in not dealing with those issues, you're leaving the, the fate of those people behind and you're still doing what primarily is best for you with any privilege you have been afforded by race or ethnicity. That's and the the project is to, you know, if you're really interested in lifting all boats, you're going to look beyond the things that just you need because you know there are people beneath you who need more, who need other things. And you're just as concerned about them getting there. But this nation has been from the beginning, it is about extracting resources for a few. And the closer you can get to that few and get the crumbs from their tables, people are good with that. That's why at this juncture, we are nearing collapse from the ethical and moral decay because we really don't care in the broad stroke what happens to the people at the bottom. People just want to make sure when this thing goes under, they're surviving. Just just like the very rich people at the top, they don't care about climate change as long as they figure they can dig a bunker or go to another planet and escape that fate. And that's the failure in the broadest sense of our humanity. That is the failure of our humanity. That is RFK not caring about Palestinians because he's made a political choice to to choose the Israel. You know, that is the racist issue here because people have made a choice to, to focus on or elevate the issues that protect white working class or this, that, and the third. Nobody is saying these, we are all human, but like Cornel West, he's about the only one. But our politics, we can't escape what the history of this nation has been. And no matter how we spin around, it's it remains the same paradigm. Who gets left out? And it's, exactly. it's, 
you know, it's us at the bottom as, you know, LGBT is persons at the bottom because they're black is 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 going to be the poor white uh, poor of every description is going to be some of them because this nation has been like I say a plantation nation and that means the people who are saved when it all goes under are the plantation owners and until and to me if you're not willing to confront capitalism if you're trying to be a RFK and you don't want to confront and interrogate capitalism, then you're just going to be trying to slow down the burn. But the fundamental problem here is we have built a nation where the underlying theme is it is okay to have a, a disparate allocation of resources, which saves some lives and leaves others vulnerable. The other point I wanted to make is to pivot quickly to the Nina Turner. I think you hit the nail on the head. Nina Turner is still moving in that Democrat orbit, and she is attempting to co-opt the movement or co-opt the ideology that Shama Sewan had with Workers Strike Back. But she's doing it in that arena where she can have access to the resources that that orbit provides. But at the end of the day, the um I forget who the poet was, um, poet laureate. I think it was for New York. But she said the master to, master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. And if you're moving in that democratic orbit and depending on foundational resources and resources from big donors from that arena, they're not going to supply you to dismantle their house. Like I think it was Edelstein out of New York who said if you if the Democratic Party put Bernie at the top, they would vote Trump. And these are Democratic supporters. So at the end of the day, rich people are clear about where they stand and what they will support. And if they give you big money, they're either going to control you ultimately or they're not going to give you big money. And that's just, you know, but those are just some of the points that I wanted to make. New York State is one of, um, now that he's independent, Sabrina, New York State is one of those um, states that opens up for him to get on the ballot due to the fact that um, former Governor Cuomo uh, pretty much uh, made it impossible for third parties to get on the ballot. So unless you're working Families Party, Conservative Party, or if you are running as an independent, that's the only way you're going to be able to uh, get on the ballot. So, you could, like I said, you could also look at the states that have opened up. Um, but also, in order to get well, on the ballot. I was going to say to everyone, did everybody hear what Roger just said? This is what I was trying to tell you guys. In some states, it's going to be easier to get ballot access as an independent. Oh, yeah. And... Um, so, uh, so yeah, yeah, this, this, this will, uh, uh, definitely, oh, oh yeah. Now I was going to say also there are more registered independents across the country than there are third parties. So to get, um, an independent on the ballot should be easier because to get people on the ballot, you got to find those people who are registered independent. And get them to sign the sign the petition for them to get on the ballot, you know, because we, you know, like in New York State, 
we got six and a half million registered Democrat, three and a half million registered no party. That's what we call independent in New York State. And like, I don't know, about 2.3 million registered GOP, you know, and there are some states where the independent outnumber the other two parties, uh, maybe not put together, but they outnumber the other two parties, you know, like New Hampshire, I think, I believe Maine and a few other states, um, you know, as well. So one door, I see it as one door closes, another one opens up. Well said. Um, let me bring in Ashura. Ashura's been waiting for a while. Let's go to Ashura. Then let's go to Case, Dwayne, and we'll bring in Anthony. Ashura, you just got to uh, hit the unmute button. There you go. Hello, uh, Sabrina. Hello, Ashura. I hope you didn't get sleepy. Almost did. Almost did. Uh, I'm going to talk about the whole <laughs> Nina Turner thing and the <sighs> Matt Gates thing. I was looking at what the hell the other so-called leftists were talking about. Kokolinsky was just throwing that shit out the door like he was basically defending Democrats and trying to pretend what Gates was doing was like a nothing burger. And I noticed him, he's doing that, David Doe's doing that shit, without seeing that your shit, you're just as Democrats were a bunch of fucking cowards. So you're going to just pull cold water what the fuck that Matt Gates did Regardless, you if you agree with what, what the Matt Gates got, but they got what they wanted. So if you want to, you know, talk to talk, you need to basically do the same shit he did and get better results. Otherwise, shut the fuck up. But you know what's going on, don't you? Here, sure. I told you some of these people sold out. Like Kyle Kalinsky was a part of Force the Vote. He was actually a part of Force the Vote. You don't want to say those words. Crystal don't want to say those words, but they're on record saying those words. So the thing is, is like, again, like they just, these people sold out. It is what it is. We can see the writing on the wall. Like there's no way you can sit back here and refute. Look, I don't like Matt Gates either. Yeah, but yeah There's I mean, no way you can sit back here and refute what he said. Yeah, what he, he did. You, you can't refute it. The shit worked. <laughs> the energy also he had done no give two shits I remember Natori was on Twitter like I don't care about Matt Gates. I don't give a shit about Matt Gates. but the fact that he's calling out his old party I'm okay with that shit where you at the squad where's your energy to call out your own party exactly what I like the most is when he was talking he was like boo he's like yeah go ahead and boo boo I'm not a fucking sellout I don't take money from corporations not like you guys and I'm like they didn't want to give him a spot to talk he had to go all the way to the Democrats and I was like wait is that deliberate they make him go to the Democrats just so he could say oh yeah Matt Gates and the others the the, the so called uh, what they call them uh, anarchists or chaos people whatever the fuck it was Oh, he's he's going to join with the Democrats, even though it was McCarthy was the one joining the Democrats, like secretly behind the scenes. And I do like the, although I don't disagree with uh, Gates, I don't I don't agree with him completely. But I do I like the idea that well, why is everything have to be tied to war, or if you want to make a bill, a war has to be tied to it. Like with the crime bill, they 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 had to tie women's women into it to say, oh, it's to protect women. So therefore, we got to lock up a bunch of black people. To, uh, uh, um, back in 1994, I'm like, why did they fucking do that? Like, Matt Gates was talking talk about some real shit. Like, 
Why can't it be a single issue? Why you got to fucking just attach something to it? No, that's that's a good point, Ashura. That's that's a really good point. I mean, look, I'm gonna need for Matt Gates, you know, to stay away from the underage girls. Um, What's I'm gonna that need Matt to do that. Okay. okay, can we can we all agree on that? I'm gonna need for Matt to do that. Stay away from those underage girls. And oh, he doesn't uh, need to do that anymore. He's got Omar looking at him in the back, <laughs> and, and just you know keep focusing on like your your whatever your forced to vote thing that you're doing because basically what they did is they studied what the squad was supposed to do and did it themselves. Yeah, yeah, because uh, people, I don't know why. Like, I don't know. Do you think like Omar was some? There was something wrong with Omar. You saw the you saw the clip, right? There's a people make they're saying that Omar might have the hots for Matt Gates, even though I know Matt Gates had the hots for AOC. Who said that? It was on Twitter. Like the clips, like people bro, get off there. Twitter, bro. Get off, uh, get off Twitter, sure. That shit uh, is nonsense. I, I do get off Twitter. I do get off Twitter. But it's like that shit was funny. So she was moving her lips in the way. So I'm just enjoying the thing. So I'm not saying it's true. But I'm just enjoying the fun. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Because it kind of looks that way. But I, I know it's not it's, it's not something, but it's it, it's just funny. And did you see uh people making <laughs> Matt Gates like he's like the new guy? under Trump now, like he might be president. He could just walk away with the sunglasses. Then people making memes like he's walking to <laughs> into Congress and you got Snoop Dogg's music in the background. Like I, I haven't I haven't seen it, but let me tell you this. I'm gonna make a joke. Since you guys were making jokes in the chat tonight about the, the woman um that was on on strike for Kaiser Permente, y'all were making jokes about her shirt. And I know what y'all were trying to hint towards, okay? That's why I couldn't even be serious. I couldn't even get through Wisconsin because you guys were joking about that woman's tatas. But the thing is, is this. Matt Take your old bitties. <laughs> I, I didn't see it. I, now I'm, I'm interested to see it. See, this is why I did it. I thought about it when I was queuing up my, my links for the show. And I said, if I play this clip, I said, are the viewers going to make fun of the fact that this woman got some really big boobs? Of course they like, are. What, what, what do you mean? Like, what, you think people are not going to watch it? Like, a bunch of lesbians. I was like, maybe, I said, maybe they won't notice. And then as soon as I started playing this video, I started seeing the comments in the chat. I was like, God damn it, they noticed. And it just, <laughs> we had some good things to say, but I was just like, damn, guys, come on. And so. <laughs> How are we going to not notice? The thing is, is like, look. <laughs> That those those were uh those were humongous. I, I ain't never seen nothing like that before in my life. Like I had to do, I did have to look twice. I ain't gonna lie. It was right. Did she yes. do any jumpings up and down? No, but they were very much there. I'm, I mean, they were in your face. Huge. Okay, I love, I hope people didn't get jealous. <laughs> oh god no the comments in the chat are sure were just crazy like i glanced over once and i saw people saying stuff like whoa my what the hell's like stop it guys stop anyway funny. i'll make a little joke matt gates to me and you guys tell me if you don't see it matt gates to me he looks like a defect like jack nicholson mm-hmm. and i can't unsee that shit he looks like Butthead. Yes, he looks like he Jack like Nicholson. Yeah, like a young but defect Jack Nicholson. You know when Jack was back in his heyday and shit? 
He looks like that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, about the social, what was it like a worker strike back? Do you think when Nina Turner canned um, uh, Shama Sawant before she got on the TYT shit, she canned her show? And and uh, well, I'm going to ask you this: When somebody comes on your show, do you have to do you have to tell you what you're going to talk about, and then you have to you know get notes? I mean, I I always give them the, I mean, I give them the topic. Like, from what I understand, with that particular situation, Shama Sawant um, was invited to go on TYT to talk about workers' strike back. But then, from what I understand, and look, go back and ask Nick because Nick was the one that got the the deets on this before me. From what I understand, she was supposed to go on Nina Turner's show on TYT back then. And from what I understand, once they found out, wait a minute, it's this woman. That was when they pulled the plug and said, no, you can't come on. Okay. So, so, so the reason why I'm saying that is if they canned her before she got to talk about her, what she was doing, did Nina Turner just take notes and basically kept that shit on her back pocket. And then she got out and she's like, okay, I'm going to do my own worker strike back. And Probably. just, I'm going to copy every fucking thing she, she was going to talk about. Everything. But guys, the Democratic Party been doing this. This is what I'm saying. They've been doing this shit. They either will take a movement mm-hmm. or organization, they'll co-opt it like Black Lives Matter, or they'll copy what you're doing and put it through the Democratic Party. Think about this. Notice you ain't, you ain't see Ryan Grimm bring Shama Sawan on to talk about workers strike back, but he brought Nina Turner to come on to talk about her workers organization. She copied off of Shama Sawan. And I want more people to call this shit out on Twitter, goddammit. Call that shit out. She copied Shama Sawan. Give Shama Sawan the goddamn credit she deserves. Because they I stole like, the Green New Deal. I was doing some mental gymnastics in the chat trying to uh, think of new names for Nina. I, I, uh, I thought of copycat Nina. Plagiarize Nina <laughs> because it's like, come on, like you're supposed to be this person. They think they, they think Nina is clean, and then she's just plagiarizing shit. Like that's that's like illegal. Like in, in college, well, in college, they basically uh, mark you for that shit. Mm-hmm. And for uh, Ryan Grimm, when you said that he has a grudge against her, I'm like, really? Could Ryan be that fucking petty? Yes. <laughs> to not yes. mention, to not mention, because I'm so because she fucking bodied him in that one fucking stream, and he's like, well, he went after her for that, and then he basically doesn't. For one thing, I don't think Ryanway is that stupid. That say, hey, that sounds like just like Kashamasa one is trying to do, and like she lets Nina Turner just have that fucking win as if Nina Turner came up with, and I'm like, what's the deal with the whole Amazon thing? Because remember when people were saying that Chris Malls is, like, selling Allen shit? And I'm like, well, are they going to work with Amazon, the company, or just the union people? Chris Smalls was already working with Workers Strike Back, you guys. He was already working with Shama Sawant's organization to unionize Amazon warehouses across the country. He was already in partnership with her organization. Now you see he working with Nina Turner organization and, the, and donate to Act Blue. What the fuck? Yeah, I was like, what the fuck when I heard Act Blue and then I heard something else. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, Savvy? Sorry to jump in. I, that's what I was curious. Hey. hey, what's up, everybody? Much love to the chat. Um, that's that's what I was curious about <clears throat> as well. First of all, I didn't even put that together. So that um Wicked Strike Back might be a, a, a version of uh, We Are Somebody. And I'm curious to see what they do moving forward. Like we see, I don't think at the beginning of Wicked Strike Back, I remember being confused or not exactly sure what they wanted to do because she was a congresswoman creating this organization. And now we see kind of um, the fruit of what they're trying to do. They have their own show now. Um, and they had the, the meeting that I was at where, you know, Cornell West, uh, they try to court him to become the Green Party. So we kind of see a, a, a vision of what they're trying to do. I'm so curious to see what Nina Turner is going to do with We Are Somebody. But with what you said, I thought that was interesting, that it does sound like a similar organization. You know, so we'll see what happens there. I know um, I want to say that the, the Matt Gates interview, I love the way that you covered it because I was listening to a, how left independent media or left media covered it. And a lot of times they said, oh, Matt Gates is out for himself. He's trying to run for governor soon. Uh, yeah, he exactly just wants case. to. Yeah, he, he just wants to um, get a lot of the spotlight. But then you you just literally played his words. And I was confused when I was listening to the other media because I clipped the clip that you posted. And I'm like, he's saying a whole bunch of other things like, you know, Kevin McCarthy's not sticking to his word. He's not um, bringing up the bills, um, the one-issue bills and all this different stuff. So I wish they would have digged into that. But um, you just played his words and then commented on it. So I got to give you kudos, not for using just a clip study, case study QB clip, but for the way you covered it. And then um, the thing about fascism, I want to, this is my theory, I think, moving forward, because there's a lot of confusion of if Biden is a fascist or if Trump is a fascist. This is my definition. If you use fascist tools, then you are a fascist. And what I mean by that, preventing debates, which the DNC is doing, suppressing political parties, which the DNC and the RNC is doing in certain places. We saw what happened with Matthew Ho. So if you're using fascist tools, then you are a fascist. And then the last thing I'm going to say is um, Brianna interviewed a guy that was like a guru on the running on the ballots, like he was a guru at getting on the ballots, ballot initiatives and running as an independent. So I got to re-listen to her, that interview. And maybe if you're interested, I'll try to get the name and maybe you can reach out to him and, and have more in regards to this. And and the last thing is, are, would you be interested in um interviewing Matt Gates? I'm just curious if you would. I was thinking that Look, was like, oh, no. I'm going to keep it real with you, Case. I'll interview that mm-hmm. motherfucker, but I ain't going to be nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey, um, one, I'm one, sorry. One, I just cussed that case. I'm so sorry, case. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not. He's, his feelings are not hurt. Uh, hey, one more thing. On mute, my my Christian had, ears. You're hurting my Christian eyes. <laughs> one thing though, uh, beach ball, bleach ball, can Kyle. Uh, he was defending <laughs> Jamal Bowman's uh, thing, the fire alarm shit. I'm like this. This guy literally said Jamal Bowman couldn't read the words. Where the, <laughs> the fucking side said, "Oh, do not press this." Or the, it, it, it's so fucking in the mental gymnastic he had to do to defend Jamal Bowman. He said Jamal Bowman was right. He was confused. He didn't know a sign that says "Do not fucking touch it." 
compared to a sign that tells you to, you know, fist bump it to basically open a door, you know, those automatic doors for people with wheelchairs. I'm like, he's, he's saying that's what it is. Like, uh, he was confused. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? The guy was a fucking teacher for years. How did he not realize? He fucking... was such a fucking liar. He was a principal. He was a school principal, not just a teacher. He was a fucking principal. The principals know what the fucking fire alarm looks like. Oh, people made memes about it. Like, there's a meme of some guy trying to look, look at the thing. He pressed the button. He's like, hey, what are you doing? So, like, oh, nothing. It's like Jabal Bowman didn't get a clip of, you know, the one that says, we got you. The one that Jabal Bowman went and says, we got you. I'm like, RBN should make a t-shirt out of that shit. We got Bro, you. Let me admit to you. Let me tell you guys. Jamal Bowman admitted that he knew he was pulling the fire alarm, but he pulled it thinking it would open the door. He said that in his own fucking statement. Kalkalinski said that's not what he Kalkalinski said, no, Jamal Bowman was confused. No, Kalkalinski is fucking confused, God damn it. Kalkalinski's lying. He's lying. He's lying. Yeah. He, he then brings up the whole uh, sign. He said there were spaces between the signs, so therefore that's why he was confused. I'm like, yo, the signs are bold letters. I can see it. There's not that much space between them. It's not narrow. <laughs> if you can read it, I'm like, what bullshit is this? Like, it's like these guys will defend. They will defend the squad no matter what. I, I want to ask um, DJ Case Study QB something real quick. Who is this person? Roger, can I bring in Dwayne first? Because he's been waiting. Okay, go ahead, Dwayne. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was funny because I was talking earlier um, about uh, about Dow in the in the chat room with uh, <laughs> with Eric, and we were going back and forth about him. And um, I was, I just would counsel because you know we were talking about how the whole thing was about like, uh, well, these parties are all inf infiltrated. Roger said there's there's no good parties, and he, I agree with him 100. percent The same thing is about left movements. Everything is so heavily infiltrated that we have to be very careful about who we trust. And with regard to Cornell and this ballot, uh, you know, access, it does really hurt his ballot access to have him running as an independent. And I would question the judgment of anybody who advocated running as an independent when you can run as a green and you have much more ballot access. So, I mean, when I look at Dow, I think of Dow. Like people used to think of Rahm Emanuel. Um, I think everybody probably knows, remembers Rahm Emanuel. You know, he's a Zionist evil. You know, he's, he's got family in the uh, IDF, and he's and people thought, well, you know, he's a Democrat. People used to think, progressives think, well, he's one of us. He's a, he's he's a bastard, but he's our bastard. And then he went and he called he called uh, progressives fucking retards. That was his famous quote. So it's like we need to uh, watch the bastards that we're willing to embrace because we are always heavily infiltrated and undermined from within. And, and uh, I don't buy Dow's conversion on the road to Damascus. I just, just don't buy it. Uh, it happened far too quickly. And it just reeks of like oh, an op. Dwayne, uh, let, like, let me ask you a question. What do you mean it happened too quickly? Because he two years. Is, I mean, he was he no, went from been more than wait a minute. It's been more than two years. Twenty twenty. Because he supported. No, no, no. He voted green in twenty twenty. Right, but when did he stop 
you know, infiltrating. See, he was working with David Brock, right? I mean, he and they were together. They were like uh, sabotaging Sanders in, in social media, uh, posting kids porn. Was, on but that was 2016, and honestly, at that point in time, that was his job. I understand. But, but, but let's but let's be real. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that you guys like voted for Hillary in 2016. Oh no, uh, I voted for Hillary in the primary ahead of ahead of uh, Barack Obama. So the, the, the things have changed. I mean, I acknowledge that. But what? But the question is, do I buy his conversion? I I I think we need to be very skeptical, especially in light of the fact that, you know, the effect this is going to have in terms of uh, Cornell West ballot access on states all over the country. I that, mean, this, this is... This is, is a, this but, is a, wait, but wait a minute. So, first of all, everybody needs to look at the Ballotpedia page in reference to independent candidate ballot access. The requirements, it's very clear. I can put it, I'll actually put it in the chat. The requirements is very clear. And like I told you, I went through it. It's easier to run as an independent in certain states. Like mm-hmm. Roger just mentioned, New York. You can't, he can't run as a green in New York. Certain he states. Can't. But what about the right, aggregate? But, huh? What about the, United, the, the country as an aggregate? You, you can run as, a, you have more ballot access on many more states. If they have 18 states. Right. 18. So they lost states. Everyone listen to this. This is very important because I just found this out earlier today. They had more. When Justin, when they first came on to talk about this, at that point in the time, the Green Party had like 22, 24 states ballot access. They lost access in some states. They have 18 now. Right. And yes, they can still fight to get on the ballot in all 50 states. They came really close with Jill Stein. Mm-hmm. But I think... They're, what they currently have as ballot access is being overstated compared to what it was a couple of years ago. So they're not that far apart from PSL because yeah, PSL just, has ballot access in 12 states. I'm comparing the influence that Cornell will have uh, running as an independent compared to what he may be able to do in terms of his appeal and getting out there and being in the public uh, as, as uh, a green. He, and um, I just wait, wait a minute. I, I, See, these are the kind of talking points. Again, let's let's go through the research and look at what we know. What we know is that when Cornell West was running under the People's Party, which most people in this country have never heard of. Right. Let's just keep it real. Cornell West was on every major media outlet. He was on CNN, MSNBC. He was on Fox News. He was on all the mainstream media. So him not running as a green, he was already on the map in terms of mainstream media before he ran with the Green Party. I think we need to not forget that. But will this facilitate his marginalization? That's what I'm worried about. That's why I... I, He was just on CNN. Case I study. understand. Case. Didn't you just clip a clip of him just on CNN? Yeah, and I have a second clip that I I have to post still too. But will they continue to give him that access? That's my question. That's Apparently so, I because know. they just did. I don't know that they will, especially when we get closer to the heat of the election. If he's They're not continuing to give RFK Jr. access, and he's running independent. And uh, he was also on Sean Hannity's show, I think, yesterday. 
Um, yeah, Cornell he was. West. Cornell West. Yeah, he's gotten more actually coverage than uh, than Cornell has even. No, no. that was no. Cornell. Cornell was on well, Sean Hannigan. RFK yeah. Jr. is getting a lot of, of traction right now. Because RFK Jr. is doing most of his shows on right-wing media. Cornell West is yep. getting appearances on right-wing and on liberal media. So thank yeah, you because Cornell West is on CNN and MSNBC. Like, I think you're going with your feelings and you're not looking at the data. Well, and if I'm Lord, looking at the data, Cornell West has been on liberal media and he's been on um, right-wing media. He was just on Sean Hannity's show, and I saw that clip that Case Study had, and he was just on CNN tonight. I'm just questioning whether that will continue after this. And, um, I, and, I, and yes, I think we need to always be... Is. It right, will but continue I think we, because of who he is. I'm not so certain of that. And I'm, I, I really am very, I think I, I just need to counsel skepticism given the fact that the establishment heavily infiltrates. We have a record. Peter Dow has a record. And we, have, we know what his record is. And we know that there's heavy infiltration in left movements. Um, there has been since, you know, before COINTELPRO with the big labor movements in the turn of the 20th century. They co- This is what they do. They infiltrate and undermine from within. This is what they do. So we need to watch what's going on with that campaign because we want it to be influential. We want it to be effective. Um, and we my, need to be, build- my concern is for the human infrastructure that any presidential campaign needs. You know, you can be an independent and you can get all the TV. Everybody doesn't watch TV. There is a certain amount of human infrastructure that any campaign needs. You need boots on the ground. You need to build coalitions. And, uh, you know, uh, there was one other point that I really wanted to make, because, Noel, you really you, you said some great things about this, about Jimmy Dore. It's like, look. Jimmy, I want to tell Jimmy Dore, Jimmy Dore, until you take white supremacy seriously to the extent that you get as angry at RFK Jr. as you do at Cornell West for calling Biden milquetoast instead of a fascist, you need to get Fred Hampton's name out of your mouth. Because Fred Hampton took white supremacy seriously. And if you're ignoring white supremacy to the extent that you're not so angry at RFK Jr. when he's pushing a white supremacist imperialist agenda just by supporting Israel, then you need to shut the fuck up about creating a coalition with anybody. You're not my working class hero, okay? You're you're helping to divide the working class. We have to build a coalition. It's funny because he talks about how, oh, we need to form a coalition across. Well, you know what? If you ignore white supremacy, and Noel, I love what you said about this. If you ignore white supremacy, you're a sucker. You're just another tool. You're helping them to divide and conquer the working class. And you don't even know what you're doing. And that's what I see him doing. That's why, I mean, I get so angry at, at RFK Jr. Because I, you know, you, everybody knows, and by the way, I have to say this because this is true. Uh, <laughs> I said that he was going to be forced to run as an independent, and that's exactly what he's doing. So he he means what he was saying. He really does have some sort of integrity. I just agree. I just disagree with him a hundred percent because 
his campaign is compromised from the very beginning because he's falling prey to the whole white supremacist ideology that causes the imperialism he supposedly is against. And you're not going to form a coalition with RFK Jr. at the head of that coalition when you're a white supremacist. You're going to end up supporting the same imperialist policies that you're supposedly against, and you're advocating in, in favor of a white supremacist ideology that is going to fundamentally undermine any kind of class movement toward social justice or toward economic justice. That's what people like Jimmy Dore need to understand. You cannot support RFK Jr. when he's a rabid racist. I don't care what anybody tells me. Zionism is rabidly racist. It's rabid imperialism. It is white supremacist. It is Eurocentric. It disgusts me. That's why that was a deal breaker for me with him. As soon as I saw that his head was dug so far up Shmuley's ass, he was dead to me. I don't care what happens with his campaign. It's a dead end, okay? That's why I much more support Cornell, and I'm very protective of that campaign. And I feel like Cornell, because of some of the class issues with regard to his, you know, his campaign and maybe some of his political naivete may fall prey to some sort of... Um, undermining from within. And I don't want to see that happen to his campaign. And I really don't trust an actor like Peter Dow giving his history. I'm just saying we need to be very skeptical given the history of the establishment infiltrating these movements and undermining them from within using things like white supremacy, which apparently Jimmy Dore doesn't understand. And all these, uh, you know, RFK stands like pasta don't understand. You cannot minimize white supremacy and build a coalition. If you don't respect my political uh, wishes, if you don't respect my humanity, then you're not going to form a coalition with me and get Fred Hampton's name out of your fucking mouth because you have no idea what he really stood for. You're not building a coalition with anybody. But, uh, but I have to say again, I am with, I am with him on door. I'm with door on, 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 uh, on Dow and CJ and Kit and Nick and the Keaton and Russell have all expressed uh, a skepticism about Dow for good reason. I, I, we need to keep an eye out. We need to be very, very uh, sanguine. I, I, I know we, we have to, to balance fair, our skepticism. I also, also gave skepticism about Peter Dow. Well, he lied to you on your, on, in that interview. And, and we, well, and yeah, of course, duh. Like, I, and, I, and I, that's why I had to say, you know, yes, you did. Yes, yes you did say Thank those you. things. I love when you did that because... I never said Bernie Bros. Come on now. Like, you yes, work with David Brock. Yeah. And then he then that whole thing when he was trying to pretend he was crying. Please. Which by the way, a lot of people worked with David Brock in the space, just to I let know. you guys know. Terrible. A lot of people worked with David Brock at some point in the past. I'm just gonna let y'all know. Oh, he posted child pornography on Bernie Sanders. I was an admin of several of those Facebook pages where we were organizing people and he had our pages shut down because he had troll farms, these people, these bots, these, these, oh, you know, from, because, uh, uh, you know, um, David Brock organized those for Hillary and they were uh, posting child pornography on Bernie Sanders' Facebook pages. Now, we all know Bernie now, in retrospect, turned out to be just as much of a Democratic Party simp as like Nina or any of these other people. But but at the time, we were all all in on Bernie, right? I mean, like Nick talks about that all the time. We, we were betrayed. We were like organizing for Bernie. 
But at the time, and that's what David Brock did, and, and Peter Dow was working with this person. I'm sorry. I will not trust him. I will not, and I would just counsel skepticism with regard to Peter Dow. That's all I'm saying with regard to him. But, you know, because they will try. They infiltrate the left so heavily and undermine it from within. And that's my big problem with, with Dorr, because he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. You do not minimize white supremacy and form a coalition with black working class. It's like Jay Gould said, I will get one half of the working class to kill the other half of the working class. And he was right. And they're laughing at us. If you minimize white supremacy, you're getting you're facilitating the success of the working class of the rulers in dividing and conquering and destroying the working class. And he doesn't understand that. It's very obvious he doesn't. And, and no, he no. I, I'm sorry. I have to push back on that. How do you not understand it when it's been explained to you multiple times? I know. And then he's ignoring it. While I, watched, I sat there while I watched JB tell him that Fred Hampton did not work with racists. This has exactly. been explained multiple times. What? Yeah, it's so racism. If you, if you still can continue to repeat the talking point that Fred Hampton worked with racists, that's fucking bullshit. It At that bullshit. point, it's no longer you don't understand. It's, it's racism. that you're repeating the talking point that works for the audience that you are talking to. Thank you. And I've exactly. seen a lot of people do this. They're like, well, I'm going on to a conservative show, so let me appeal to this audience. No. Jackson Hinkle does this. Yes, he does. And I'm like, no, nah, fuck that. Fuck that I, when I go on to uh, like I went on Glenn Greenwald show, I, when I go not Glenn Greenwald, yeah, Glenn Greenwald, but sorry, not Glenn Greenwald. When I went on to Glenn Lowry's show, who is conservative, when I go to a conservative show, my principles are the same. Mm-hmm. My message is still the same. Exactly. I'm not, not going to change pandering. what I already know to be true to appeal to an audience. Jimmy Dore is pandering to. He's Jimmy Dore is blatantly, openly pandering to racists. That is not acceptable. You're not forming any coalition with me pandering to a racist. I'm sorry. You're not, you're not, so by supporting a white, RFK Jr. is a white supremacist. Let's call it what what it is. If you support Zionism, you are a white supremacist. Look, I sat there and I watched Jackson Hinkle attack Rome. Rome wasn't even talking to Jackson Hinkle Rome was just doing his shit. You guys want to support the library. I watched Jackson Hinkle attack Rome on Twitter. Racially. Yep. Racially come after Rome. Jackson Hinkle's a child. But here's, here's the thing. We can't lose sight of the fact that whiteness is the default position in this nation. And anything that happens to white people is centered when you, by way of political discourse or anything else, attempt to center anything other than the plight of white people, then you're going to get all kind of pushback, all kind of this and that. And the bottom line is, if you are really in a human humanitarian left movement, it's the least who are made first. Because if you save the least from perishing, then the people who are above the least will be saved. That's the version of the lifting all boats. But you don't ignore the very bottom. And if you call them by name, it becomes confrontational and it's called divisive and this and that. That in itself tells you you have veered away from the default position and that's why you start to get all that consternation. 
but we can't lose sight of what this nation really has been. You know, for as long as Black people who have descended from slavery have been at the bottom of the economy, and we can go back right to slavery, we have never had that issue centered in a political discourse outside of the civil rights movement. And that was a movement in itself. It was not candidates saying, we need to take care of the least of these. And these are the least and we need to deal with that. Every other group that has gotten some out of this nation, like the Japanese interned in World War II and some of the indigenous communities, those things happened without a big broad campaign and you know, polling every American about how they feel because they were perceived by the people in power to be the right thing to do. But when it comes to the discourse about reparations or anything for the descendants of slaves, they want to broadcast it to the entire nation because they know what the response will be. And Democrats enable the Republicans who are more, you know, overt about it because they have a bigger white poor working base than do the Democrats. But the other thing I wanted to mention right quick is that in this discourse that we talk about who's fascist, who's not, I think a part of what is missing is the authoritarian nature of Trump's candidacy versus and presidency versus Biden. Biden has easily been more fascist adjacent. And as um, Q study, QB study was saying, is it QB hey, study? Hey, <laughs> you know what? Oh, We're going to go with that, Noel. We go with <laughs> okay, case study. Case. I'm sorry. Noel, Noel, just say case, please. Case. As Case said, if you, if you pick up fascist tools, you are willing to do fascist things, and therefore you are at least fascist adjacent. But, uh, but, um, Donald Trump, like Hitler, like Mussolini, were more authoritarian where they would subvert the government in place to embellish their own dictatorship. And that's why we have the concept of the inverted totalitarianism, where it is not a single dictator, but it is the invisible hand of the corporate world that is moving in that authoritarian space. And so that's where we get that. But I think that's why the academicians more readily see Trump, because what we see through January 6th is that he was willing to subvert government for his personal aggrandizement, and he wanted to be king. We don't necessarily see that in Biden. What we see Biden willing to do is pick up the fascist tools to embody and embrace the neoliberal tendency of putting the corporate community first. I would submit mm. that that's almost a distinction without a difference because a fascist is as a fascist does. And we're talking about the banality of evil here. Uh, they're both fascistic. We And I really uh, have a problem with anyone who, because of their class uh, um, uh, differences uh, really uh, doesn't really see one as 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 great a threat as the other. They're both the same. They're part. They're cut from the same cloth. They're both fascists, and I, I think they both need to be called out as fascists. Yeah, that's a good point. Let me bring in Anthony. Anthony, been waiting for a minute. Anthony. Oh my gosh! Good evening. Let me just. Stop. Hello, my Michigan buddy. 
Yes, we're over here in Michigan, and uh, it plays into it a little bit. But let me say I don't support any candidate right now. I'll start there. But <laughs> I've donated to both RFK and West in the since they jumped in, but I'm probably done with that for the time being. But, uh, you know, the Cornell switching the parties to independent, I mean, it's probably a better move so that he can be him. But I really ultimately think it does hurt the ballot access because, I mean, there's just green people already in across America who are ready to, like, get signatures and stuff. So as an independent, it'd probably be hard to find people to do that everywhere. And, uh, and, and I think it's just, like, one too many switches, you know. Like RFK doing one switch in the party, okay, it's it makes sense. There's a narrative to it, but I, to Cornell, to me, it looks like Goldilocks now. He's tasting the porridge. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and now also, also he was running to get – I mean, not he was running, but one of the goals that we agreed on – not we, but just people agreed on was 5% would get the Greens – federal funding in the next election. Now, if Cornell West as an independent gets 5%, there's, that doesn't really go to anything in the next election. What so do you mean? He, if he's not with a party, then there'd be no party to get five, to get federal funding in the next election, even if he gets the threshold. No, no I think there may be misunderstanding. No, uh, if, he, if he ran as a Green, then the Greens would get it in 2028. But if he's independent... Even if he gets 5%, no one's getting federal funding in 2028 because of that. What do you, what do you mean? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it just means no one – it kind of throws the whole 5% for gr- federal funding out of the water for the Greens. That's all I really mean by it. No, for because the Green, no, it doesn't because the Green Party still has to run a candidate for president. They have to in order to remain. So who, who's getting 5%, Cornell or the Green? What What do you mean? There is no either or. Well, it is now because Cornell's not going to be a Green on the ballot. Well, neither is RFK Jr. I, I, I think I'm a little bit confused. I didn't say anything about RFK yet. I got to get to yeah. So that's just what I got to say about Cornell off off rip. And uh, Wait, are you honestly, I think like the Greens. I think the, the Greens really suck anyway. That's you know beside the point. I already think the Greens suck anyway. But I think it would. I think if Cornell winning Green and stuck with it, knowing that they sucked. I mean, it's that's another conversation. Why didn't he already know that they sucked? I had my experience trying to join the party in twenty twenty and. No, nah, most people, Anthony so, Hahn, most people yeah, don't know. So that's just most his experience, don't. you know. Yeah, just like, but RFK, yeah, no, he sucks too, and uh, big time. <laughs> his people still text me, and I keep saying them, no, I hate his Israel position, and they keep texting me, and it's pathetic. And uh, actually, that this here's where Michigan comes in. He RFK, I saw he was in Detroit today, and he went on this little internet show here in based out of Michigan with a former local news guy that nobody watches really but I tried to get him to go on it back in April when he announced and before Cornell I like sent an email I didn't realize I was emailing Kucinich what I did was I went on the fec.gov website and it was djk at kennedy24 dot whatever I didn't have any idea who djk was and then I (laughs) 
So I emailed Kucinich all this stuff about Michigan, not knowing it was him. And they're like, oh, yeah, great. You support. This was way before Cornell Rest ran and before we realized, I realized Kennedy sucked or he, before he said anything about Israel. So anyway, uh, he was on that show today, that little show. And all he did was talk about uh, his voice and the conspiracy theories. They didn't even cover anything. So his, his campaign's dead in the water, too. I mean, as far as the it's too diffuse now there's no no one's getting uh any percentage that's really gonna win i'm gonna put it that way no one's gonna get let's all remember jill stein was on the ballot in over 40 states and she didn't get the funding so see everybody this this is something she she got like one percent nationally or so she didn't get she didn't get the five percent yeah like but at one point jill stein was polling at seven percent yeah and then they started with the smear tax. Yeah. And uh, so, I don't know. I'm just thinking about it. It's all, everyone's tripping over their own clown shoes, like Code Pink and, the, and her pic, their picture with Marjorie Taylor, and they had to disavow that. And I'm like, you know, I just think about Code Pink, and I'm like, why does Medea Benjamin talk like everyone's a preschool children, that, like, she's on a field day with the preschoolers? Why, is, why am I getting that vibe from Medea? And, <laughs> And then someone said you had to disavow Marjorie Green, but what about remember when Colin went to the fundraiser with the squad and he brought up the student debt thing, but Medea was there and she didn't protest them like she does to every other warmonger. So I mean the whole thing, the left, I can't take anyone seriously. I still consider myself left. I mean, I want Medicare for all and public ownership of resources. No, I totally hear you, Anthony. Totally hear you. Anything else? Um yeah, Dow. I can't take Dow's uh, turning around seriously if after years of Russia gating, he hasn't like dealt with the Seth Rich, Rich component of the WikiLeaks and Russia gating. I, I can't take the transformation seriously if he hasn't dealt with Seth Rich. Was it really years, you guys? Let's all remember, too. See, this is another thing I want to point to people's attention. RFK Jr. was also a Russia gator. <laughs> He sure was. Mm-hmm. They all suck. People have no problem forgiving him, though. Oh, I well, yeah, I'm not a supporter. People, so. people forgave him on that shit, big time. It's just like, oh yeah, you realize it was wrong. Yay! Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Russiagator, and he was pro mandates. And for people telling me, like, no, 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 he was never for the jab. Being for the jab and being pro mandate are two different things. Two different things. Exactly. That motherfucker is, <laughs> yes, he supported he lockdowns. Yes, and for the, the one person who was in the RBN chat today telling me, Sabrina, that's not true. I was like, bullshit. The videos are still out there. Go Google that shit and you'll see the videos of RK Jr. telling you he agreed with that shit. That's right. Don't try me. <laughs> oh, can't support any of these candidates. And I mean, well, one last thing. I mean, the biggest thing I could see myself voting for Cornell at the end, but I can't support him because, like, I'm looking at the platform right now. Obviously, I agree with most of it, but oh my God, there's this huge section gun violence. Mm, not me. I can't can't go with any of that. And same thing with RFK. I could, you know, RFK is a racist. You know how I can, I can eliminate tell? him really easily too. No, RFK is against ending qualified immunity. Forget it. Yes, you he had, is. That's his Zionism? Forget yes, it. Yes, he is. And he said that shit on camera. And I said, yeah. oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck yeah, you. Fuck you in, indeed. He's talking about, we bring it back to the Democratic Party. <laughs> and we're talking about racism. And the fact that 
what my father and my, my my uncle wanted was for the race racial equality in this country and we're gonna bring it back to that and i'm like no motherfucker we gotta talk about police brutality if you really want to talk about racial equality okay because if you're not willing to talk about uh, police brutality and what is happening yeah, uh, with the police and black people in this country then you're not serious about no racial equality if you sitting up here and you still capping for a capitalism and you still taking corporate money and you still dancing around with people like david sachs you're not serious about no racial equality you yeah, just want to fill your pockets he's, he's right probably all books. for he's probably I, I, savvy he's probably all for having Amer american cops going and training with the idf so they can come to the United States and go and do urban pacification, treating black people like the, like the Israelis treat the Palestinians. Fuck mm -hmm. that shit. No way. I, I still can't forget when Pasta, when Pasta was on your show and you told him that, yeah, man, he's getting like these 20K parties. I don't forget how much the party was cost for a table, 20K or some shit like that. And, and you told him that. He's like, man, they're just small, small, small businesses. They're like, like small, small, small billionaires. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You don't think these guys are not corrupt? You think they're all not going to All these excuses, him? again, like I said, all these excuses for the white candidate. And I said it before. And the thing is, is this. Let me bring something very clear because you brought up the fundraising. For the people who were slamming Cornell West because they were like, oh, no, Peter Dow, you have this fundraiser. What is this? $100 for a plate admission. Those motherfuckers didn't say shit. When RFK Jr. had those fundraisers with David Sachs and the minimum was $1,000 a fucking plate. Campaigns have to raise money. $100 a plate versus $1,000 a plate is a big significant difference. And for the people who sat there and didn't say shit towards RFK when he was doing that, I'm looking at you with a fucking side eye. And they know exactly who I'm talking about. Some of the same people. Oh, Cornell West. Oh, Peter Dell. Why are you charging $100 for a plate for fundraisers? How do you guys think these things happen? When they travel and go to cities and they have rallies, you think that shit is free? No, it's not fucking free. But for the people I saw criticizing him and attacking him and attacking Peter Dell on fucking Twitter, and you want to come after Peter, come after him with legit criticisms. But don't come after him with no $100 for a fucking plate. When I sat up there and saw RFK Jr. charging a thousand dollars minimum for a fucking plate, and y'all motherfuckers didn't say shit. I was uh, I was surprised by the by the price to a hundred dollars. I was like, why not make it free? Oh, because he can't and raise sure, money that way. Fundraising we, events aren't free. Just... <laughs> if you're trying to fundraise, that would be like me saying, "Hey guys, I'm doing this mutual aid event. Oh, but by the way, I'm not trying to raise any money because it's free." I put it at a at a at a, at a price where basically everyone can afford it. But like, I mean, it said up to if people would read, it said up to one hundred dollars a plate. You could still enter without the one hundred dollars. Okay. That's, people don't read shit, motherfucker. People don't read fine print. You know, <laughs> it just again, like I used to tell this to my students all the time, like as an advisor, like they were like, I didn't know we had to do this. I read the syllabus. Did you read the part at the bottom? No. no. <laughs> I say this to anyone who signs the fucking contract. I see this this feud on Twitter, and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? I see this feud on Twitter between Max Blumenthal and Ben Norton, and I'm like, the no, this is messy. 
why is this shit on Twitter? I'm seeing legal documents just flying, you know, just flapping in the wind and shit on Twitter. Why is this shit on social media? Why didn't you guys just let the legal people handle this shit? Why is this shit all around on the, what the fuck is going on? Now see Ben Norton clap back and Ben was like, he said, Max Blumenthal is a fucking, it's a liar. And da, da, da. I'm like, why are y'all doing this shit on social media? And why am I seeing legal documents on Twitter? People didn't read the, did you, did you read the contract, Ben? Did anybody read these contracts that you signed? Oh, Lord. Let's bring in neoliberal tears. Come on, neoliberal. I know you've been waiting a minute. <laughs> hey, besties. Um, I'm just enjoying this conversation. Uh, one of my toxic traits is being so entertained by dramas. Um, even, uh, I saw Lucy saying something in the chat, like, you know, I hate politics, but I also kind of love it. So that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> I'm not here to tell you who to fucking support. I'm not affiliated with anyone, any party whatsoever. So just putting that out there. Um, yeah. Um, oh my God. So much to touch on. Uh, I'll, I'll start with Nina. Like, okay. Act blue. Doesn't it feel like Act Blue is chasing us? Like everywhere you look, you, like we stopped giving them money, right? Like Justice Democrats had to lay off everybody, <laughs> like clean, <laughs> you know, like fire their staffers because they can't fundraise off of us anymore. Like the well is shut and they keep trying to find new ways to like, you know, to sneak us in there and get them, get us to donate the money to them. And, you know, just keep finding ways. They, they I mean, when are they going to leave us alone? You know, never. Mm hmm. But, you know, like Justice Dems isn't running like any new Justice Democrats, right? Isn't that convenient? You know, all of these incumbents get to keep their seats like they like the way they like. Um, it's very it's very uh, I think it's par for the course. Um, wouldn't have, wouldn't have expected anything else. But I did have a thought about um, I'm actually interested because I'm still sort of working through what I think. That's the big, that's the big secret. I said that I'm actually working through my take. Um, so I'm open to a, a, to a challenge to it. Um, but here's where I'm sort of, where I landed. Um, I think I, I, I thought it was kind of a good thing for the more talented candidates joining the race, the better. Cause the reality is, you know, if Dr. Stein, Jill Stein joins the race, She's not competing with Cornell for the same 5% of people or even or with RFK for the same 5% of people. 75% of people are, are considering voting third party. There's enough voters to go around for all of you freaks. Okay, there's, there's 10 for RFK. You know, you can find your people. There's 10% for Dr. West for sure. And, you know, I, I, I mean, there's a huge group of Dr. Stein admirers. Um, you know, I'm not a Green Party member, but I admire her 2016 campaign quite a bit. Um, so I think there's room for everybody. Um, but I mean, uh, I also follow Lucy on Twitter, so I'm curious, like, you know, like what she, what her take is, because I really respect what she has to say and, um, borrow a lot, still, just kidding. Um, no, I really like, like, you, you know, she said something like, you know, we're having, well, having too many, uh, leftist campaigns might be like chaos, uh, and might be what the establishment 
once. Dismissed. So I'm open to that argument. I'm sorry, neoliberal. I oh, dismiss sorry. the word chaos because that is the word that Democrat establishment has been using to describe anything happening outside of the status quo. So I'm dismissing that word chaos as a bad thing. I'm going to use chaos as a good thing. <laughs> Guys, we just rebranded chaos. I love it. Uh, but Lucy, uh, am I wrong? What do you think? Um, is, is, uh, energy and candles. I'm sorry. I mean, it's true that they've been using chaos that way, but I, 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 you know, I don't know. Like, uh, I do think that if there's a lot of candidates, it's very confusing, <laughs> you know, like, and, um, that, that does cause us cause a split, you know, because then it becomes a lot about like, who do you like better their personality? Good. You, you know what I mean? Um, I, I don't, I don't really see the point of having that many candidates. But, but and it, I also yeah, it's not that many. There were twenty two well, candidates that ran in the Democratic primary in twenty twenty. But that's exactly what, what 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 this is starting to remind me of. Sadly, like the Democratic primary of twenty twenty and how many people like they just started crowding the field to compete against Bernie Sanders. So my hope, and I don't know who this is going to be at this point, is that there would eventually like appear some kind of front runner behind which there's real energy. And right now, some people are saying, oh, that's obviously RFK. But th that's not so obvious to me at that. Like, I feel like RFK has a lot of flaws, you know, um, and I know that, you know, West isn't perfect either. And neither is the Claudia lady. But at some point, somebody has to like emerge as a front runner. You know, like you can't just have a million people in the parade. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, um, because of what happened to Bernie is like why I'm open to that argument. Because like I used to say like, you know, oh, voters deserve more choices. Like, you know, the more the better, like there's enough voters to go around. But like, but I see, I, but I, I, I don't, I'm not dismissing that argument at all. I'm still sort of listening and, you know, sort of like, so, so you think like, here's what I think, like, I think RFK and Cornell, I don't, like, let's say RFK becomes the front runner. I don't know if Cornell supporters would line up behind RFK. Or vice there is, versa. There is no. So again, I think that we're still talking about this and in reference of a primary. There is no. When we talk about third party and independent candidates, there is no front runner. So, like for example, in 2020, when Howie Hawkins ran for the Green Party, right? And um, Scott, I always forget Scott's last name, but Scott ran for the Libertarian Party, right? There really was no. No front runner, and then then Joy uh, Jorgensen also ran. I think I think Joy Jorgensen ran as independent. I forget, but anyway, she was also a part of that. Like there is no front run. Like that that that's the thing. But it's, if RFK takes eight percent and Cornell West takes eight percent of independent voters, um, wouldn't it? Wouldn't uh, RFK be able to say? Oh, like your 8% could have been my 8%. I could have been at 16% and then I could have, and this is another question I actually have for RFK. Okay. And this is important. I, I, I like, this is for all the people who love him. Like when you run independent like that, with all that money he raised, 
what is if he doesn't win, okay, which is what happened to Ross Perot, where is that money going? I just want to know. Like, are you starting yes. like another pack? Are you starting like a Kennedy Democrat, uh, congressional, like justice Democrats, but for Kennedy Democrats, that's going to fundraise money? Like, what is the, or are you just saying, all right, I made it to 22, see ya. And there's no like uh, movement yeah. behind it. And I think, and I think that's why people were sort of like at at first to me the Cornell West move made sense because it would have guaranteed like federal matching funds for a party. Um, so I want to know RFK or Cornell like are you are you are either of you starting a new party or are you starting are you are you, are you so, talking to Shama like or is it just you know what I mean? So what I was gonna say is like that's um, that's the thing like when you said like if RFK got like the 8% and if he was like to Cornell West, like, Hey, you know, you guys could da da da. That's never happened though. Like that's as multiple times as we had like libertarian candidates and we've had green party candidates at the same time and independents at the same time, that has never happened. And I, I think that again, I think we're not looking at the same group of people. The people supporting RFK Jr. are not people who would support Cornell West. The people who will support Cornell West are not people who would support RFK Jr. So I think that's one thing we do need to keep in into consideration because it's not the same group of people. The it's just like how RFK Jr. is more closely aligned with like the libertarian crowd, right? So the same people who would vote for the libertarian candidates are not the same people who would vote for the green party candidates. So just think about it that way. You know, uh, they Sabrina. keep it running. Hmm? What was that? Who said I was that? saying, I was saying um, campaigns keep the money. Once like after to answer neoliberal tears uh, question, the campaigns uh, keep the money, whatever money that they raised, they keep it whether they win or lose. So that's why it's like a whole Think, big uh, uh, to, Yeah, to so that's run, that's a um, concerning question. Uh, sorry, concerning answer that I think uh, people should ask RFK. Like, you know, uh, what's up with, what like, if you don't win. Um, we, no, we, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm saying people should ask RFK. Uh, like, okay, so where's that money going if you're running independent? And with Cornell too, like, is it going to mutual aid? Like after it's all said and done, are we going to close shop and, you know, all of it donated? Are we going to keep it going? Um, those are, are going to put it those towards citizen ballot initiatives? Sure. I don't think, I, don't think yeah. I mean, I think these are all really good questions. Um, I will say, I don't think the people who are supporting RK Jr. are actually thinking about that. I don't think they care. I don't think that's their concern. I don't think they care where that money's going because again, like a lot of those people are people who are conservatives or like libertarians or independents. And I can tell you at least with New Hampshire, I can't speak for the other states, but with New Hampshire in particular, I know at one of the recent events that RFK Jr. had there, there were Republicans there in support of RFK Jr. So, so again, like these are these are not the type of people, the same people that would be pushing back against corporate money. So just keep that in mind. Also, the um, um what do you call it? Oh, um, sorry. I was just saying, like, 
uh, before because I was I was asking K KC a while back. Um, I'm in KC. Uh, K study. Um, call, call him by his new name. DJ DJ K study. Here we go. Seven FM baby. Love it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That uh, your state. There are two point five million registered Democrats, 2.3 registered independent, and 1.5 million registered Republicans. So that also is a possibility for for him, a state for him to get on the ballot for Mm -hmm. as as well. So, you know, it's just something to think about. Also, I'm going going way back to what, what Dwayne was talking about in terms of leading a coalition you have to remember we don't let politicians lead coalitions we lead coalitions and the politician follows so yeah, we we, we, always, we have to remember that we can't we can't let go of that that, that we run this you know what i mean just like how i said before not what your black agenda is but this is our black agenda and are you going to adopt it or not never Never give that power to the politician. Keep it as much as you can. You know what I mean? Just like, for instance, like, you know, like I was telling you guys before when I was on that call with at the beginning of the year with uh, CalCare, with the CalCare people, the California single payer. And they were like, all right, guys, how are we going to get, get the politicians to, to, to get on board for CalCare? I'm like, didn't you guys just go through this like two years, three years, four years in a row? They're not going to do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Stop giving your time, money, and energy to them. They told you in so many ways, except directly, look, we ain't going to pass this. But we, but if you want to still believe that we're going to pass it, okay, fine. And there was no interest in running it as a ballot initiative amendment. You know what I mean? Right. So I mean, they lied to them for years, Roger, like in CalCare, like even Gavin Newsom was like, of course, I'll sign it, you know, with Christian the Democratic supermajority, we are going to yeah. do it. I mean, and they lied to them, they lied to them over and over for years, like six years. And yeah. they've been lying every step of the way. They're going to promise, don't do it as a ballot initiative because we're going to pass it. I'm going to vote for it when you vote for me as governor, I promise. And every time, every time it's like Lucy and the... Uh, and the football, but I, I, I was going to say like what, what it really, what really triggered me uh, with the RFK thing and the police uh, uh, qualified immunity answer is that he was doing the politician thing. And I'm posting this article here. He went at first he, in July, right? This is when it started. He went on Black Press USA, which is, um, you know, a black magazine. And they put it in the headline, you know, like RFK agrees to repeal qualified immunity. He thinks it's immoral. You know, police get to just like get away with murder. And then not even two months later, he goes on Fox News, uh, South Carolina, whatever, um, and says, no, actually, that's an error. You know, like, you know, like my statement that I gave the article to a black, uh, you know, press media about repealing qualified immunity, forget that shit. Now when he's talking to a white reporter in the South, he's like, never mind, no, no, no. 
And that's, 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 I think, even worse than just like having a, a, a mistake on your website. Um, that's, that was ridiculous. That's calculated. But I just wanted to, to warn everybody, like, and, and especially Sabi, because, you know, you had the RFK people sort of playing with you, you know, sort of like sending, um, you know, like a, uh, like a staffer to sort of like, uh, stay in touch with you and see how you feel and all that stuff, which I'm sure they've done with the the independent journalists on the me, left. They because... told me the same thing they said to Max Blumenthal. Well, we're not going to be able to do any interviews with him right now. With you until yeah. the later rolling you 20, over the spring of 2024. Man, fuck that, you. And that's 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 a deliberate, and that's coming from the top. Uh, and I'll just say this: we're the reason why they're keeping you, you they're keeping all of you guys on like. Uh, limbo is because I think we're going to start to see him pivoting to the left. I mean, he's a really interesting case, test case that I've never seen. Again, I don't support him, but like he started most politicians on the left, on the, when they run Democrats, they, 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 in the primary, they run left. And then in the general, they pivot in center, quote unquote, they pivot right. So they start left in the primary and then they pivot right. He's doing the opposite. He's like, he started like right wing, like only going on Fox News, only going on libertarian podcasts, like ignoring leftist requests, right? Um, specifically courting, uh, Trump voters. And I feel like in the general, he's going to pivot to the left. So just be prepared for that. Like, um, like as people who might have liked him in the beginning, he might be trying to sweet talk you, uh, you know, and again, I'm not telling you who to support. Well, I'm just, say, I'm making a you prediction. You know what I would say, neoliberal? I would say, what oh, it's think? interesting that you want to talk to the left now because you ignored us. Yeah. <laughs> the total, like, beginning of your campaign and you only chose to go into conservative shows and libertarian shows. Why Why are you interested in us now? Like, why are you interested in us now? What, what is this really all about? What changed? And, and, and that's that's interesting. And I think I think guys like quote me on this. I think in the next month he's gonna he's gonna schlep to the gray zone. Just watch me. Just watch. See what happens. So but, but, so but, but yeah, that's those are politicians for you. Lying. That will be the, the gray that? zone. That would be that conversation with Max. That could be the end of his campaign. Go it ahead. Would be the end of it. It would go, go, go ahead, Ashura, and then I'll go to Eric because Eric's been. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Um, you know, Diane Feinstein died, right? And they were giving me a list of shit that this woman <laughs> left behind. And I know the McCain's, like, they didn't want to do, like, there's this death tax where they don't want people to tax their wealth after somebody dies. But then I'm looking at Diane Feinstein. I'm like, did death chose the wrong person or did death did, couldn't just take Joe Biden with him? Damn, Ashura. I mean, come on. I mean, death I was at wish, the point. I don't wish death on anyone. Like, to just keep it real. I don't well, wish that on anyone. Death, Sabrina. You know, just one little movement, he's gone. Yeah, but I, I don't wish, I don't gone. wish, I don't wish death on anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless who they are. Um, but damn, sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I heard a, about that. See, karma. all that stuff, all that stuff happened, like, right before I was leaving to go to D.C. And I was like, well, by the time I get back, it'll be too late to cover it. And then, like, you know, I figure I was like, well, RBN will cover it, you know, that kind of thing. And um, the Diane Feinstein sign stuff, which is really interesting, is the fact that this is another example of someone who could have stepped down before they passed away. 
Remember, Ruth Bader Ginsburg could have stepped down when she was sick before she passed away and chose not to. And that's how we ended up with a Republican in that seat. Just everybody remember that. Now we got Diane Feinstein, similar situation where Gavin Newsom gets to appoint the person who takes her seat when she could have stepped down and there were people who were running for that seat. And then like for the way that uh, Gavin Newsom just kind of overlooked Barbara Lee and not to say she's all great either, but the way he just kind of overlooked her and said, oh, this is a caretaker and all this shit. He put in the black woman that he felt would suit the status quo. And remember, Barbara Lee was one of the people that voted against the Iraq war. So just think about this, guys. Like they want to put in the black people that serve the status quo. They want to put in the black people that are going to do their bidding. They don't want to put in black people that are going to go against what the status quo and what the establishment wants. And that is something that we got to remember, not just in politics, but in the workplace as well. But is, you it, know, is it is it that woman status quo herself? She basically goes with the party too. She went. She voted against. But remember, Barbara Lee voted against the Iraq War, and that was a big deal during that time. It was her and Bernie Sanders. So there's still some of that animosity towards Barbara Lee because she went against what the party wanted, and Barbara Lee never did that after that again because no, apparently saying. she got you know, her ass handed to her for going against party leadership. So the thing is, is this, like I said, and y'all need, you guys need to watch the show on Hulu, which I started when I was in DC. I was like, let me start the show on Hulu called the other black girl. And it is really good. And it's based on a book. And what that show is about is how the establishment, not in politics, but in the workplace, they put in black people that will serve the status quo and that are appealing to what white people want. Now, you can be appealing to what white people want, but if you don't serve the status quo, then they ain't trying to fuck with your ass. And that's what happened with me in the workplace. People were like, oh, she speaks so well and she's smart <laughs> and she has a degrees. But then they realized I was not trying to fuck with the status quo. They realized like I was not about that bureaucracy bullshit and I would call it out. And that's why I never moved up to a higher level position in higher education. Because if you don't really rock with them in that way, you will stay where you are. And the people who will do the bare minimum regardless of their color, if they rock with the status quo and they fuck with the bureaucracy in the right way, those are the people that will move up. Those are the people they be looking for. They're not looking for the people who are the best at their job. They're not looking for the people who are getting like all these kudos and stuff like that. They're looking for the people who are not necessarily the hard workers, but the ones who are willing to do what the status quo wants. And those are the people who become the deans and those that's are the people who tenure. become the principals. That's, and those are, that's right, Dwayne. And those are the ones that get tenure. And that's why Cornel West could not get tenure at Harvard because he pushed back and showed them he was not willing to fuck with the status quo and he was going to go against their position on Israel and Palestine. And that's how it works, folks. There was one year that California legislature passed CalCare. Do you know that? Hello? Oh. I didn't know. You know why they You know why they don't have it? Head to your pickup on Emmons Avenue. Because Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor. So this is the this is the play that they do. Oh, we passed what you wanted, but 
the Republican <laughs> governor vetoed it. You're going to have to give us a Democrat governor. Yeah, we got one, right? What happened? <laughs> Nothing. He said, exactly. don't send that shit to my desk, which That's is the right. same thing. That's which is the same thing that Cuomo, when he was governor, told them. Oh, don't let's, you dare send that. Let's bring in. York let's Health bring in. Let's bring in Eric, and then I'm gonna jump to the back of the line because I see some new faces. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, Savvy, how's everybody doing? Glad to hear everybody's comments and input. Uh, you know, I just I wanted to go back to the the Cornell West decision to to run as an independent. That if if it's actually successful down the road. Uh, success meaning that if he garners more votes, he actually creates a really deep movement behind him, uh, then I think it'll be viewed as successful, right? Uh, if it's not, then then it won't be viewed that way. You know, whatever we're saying today will not matter if it's actually successful or the people that are critiquing him for doing so. Uh, but Kashama Sawant, uh, I think a week ago or so, she came on, and I think there's a clip on RBN uh, where, where I guess I can't remember who was playing it, but essentially she provides a review and analysis of bringing Peter Dow and how he devised uh, Cornell's West supporters. And then essentially she said that was more than likely a mistake to bring him on. That was- and that's probably, and, and well, hold on, let me talk. Uh, and, and to me, that's probably the biggest, you know, one of the, one of the persons that I definitely see that has been on point on her take and generally just way out there as far as like, you know, what needs to happen and being successful. And so her assessment to me weighs in a lot. The fact that she's saying that that was a mistake. Uh, and then when she interviewed uh, Cornell West on her show, although it was prior to uh, uh, Peter Dow becoming his, his, his uh, campaign manager, she did ask him some questions that were kind of revealing the fact that, you know, he had Cornell has not started doing rallies. And he's doing a great job, you know, doing independent interviews and getting on podcasts. He's been doing that. You know, he's been sleepless doing so. Right. But he has not been getting the movement of people out there with the rallies that maybe he should he should have already started a few months ago. And I also heard Nick on RBN show, I think uh, earlier, a few days ago, you know, talking about the fact that when he was supporting Bernie by this point, Bernie had already garnered a whole bunch of folks that were behind him on the on the on boots on the ground, so to speak, students and so forth so, that were putting together right, um, but I, you know, I support to, for him. I do have to interrupt here just for a second, and I do have to explain the difference. We cannot compare a third party campaign to a Democrat campaign because they are way ahead of the curve because they have a Democrat primary. So just keep that in mind. Yes, the Green Party has a primary, but it's not the same level as the Democrat primary. So yes, Bernie was going to start early. We have to remember, Jill Stein didn't announce until 2016, which was the election year. Cornell West is actually ahead, way ahead of where uh, Jill Stein was at that point in time. In reference to the rallies, that requires a campaign manager. So as we found out tonight, What did Jill Stein tell you guys? He didn't have a campaign manager. The campaign manager was supposed to be Nick Brana, who Nick Brana, by the way, look, People's Party has no money, none. And look, I know he's trying to get RFK Jr. to run through the People's Party. RFK Jr. could run into the same problem if he goes along with this shit. The People's Party has no money. It's bankrupt. 
And Nick Bronner does not know how to manage a campaign. And I, I've said this before, he's good with the rallies and stuff, but when it comes to the political landscape, he's all over the place. He doesn't well, really let, understand how this works. So just keep in mind, like, no, he didn't have any rallies because he didn't have a campaign manager. So in order, who organizes those things? The campaign manager. So those things are coming. And so I think everybody needs to watch, again, uh, Tim Black's interview with Cornell West today because Cornell West talked about all those things. So let, let me, no, that's, those are good points, Savvy. I have not heard that Tim Black's uh, interview, so maybe I will check that out. Uh, but I also want to say that, you know, going back to, you know, I, and I, I don't have no support for, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Nick Banna, whatever his name is. I don't have any support for him. Uh, um, you know, or, or RFK, you know, my support is for Cornell West. You know, I, I, I sincerely like this guy since I, I was very young. Uh, I'm just making, you know, comments to a lot of people's others reviews of, of Cornell's West campaign thus far. People that I actually do respect, you know, like Kashama Sawan or Nick or even CJ, right, on RBN. And, so, and some of the, some of the questions and critiques. I, right, but you can't compare a third-party campaign I'm not, I'm, I'm, to a Democrat campaign. It's not even on the same level. But but I'm not necessarily comparing it. I'm only using what's out there that, you know, in some ways has a proximity to what he's trying to do, what Cornell's trying to do, because we haven't had anything like Cornell, right? So there's not much to, to contrast this with. But there's definitely some some, you know, even today, I think, Noel was making the assessment earlier that, you know, how much did Cornell really look into this looking forward when he actually started to think about running for president? And maybe he didn't as much as maybe he should have, uh, but that doesn't matter. You know, I think a lot of the success that he comes, uh, you know, after this will tell the, the, the choices that he made, right? We won't know till further down the road how successful he is. And hopefully he is very successful with the choices that he's made. Uh, but there's certainly, you know, questions for a lot of us uh, it doesn't mean that we're not going to support him but th there's definitely more critiquing of what he's doing now but it doesn't mean that we're not behind him it doesn't mean that we don't continue to believe that he can be successful at this I think it's just fair for us to to question it uh, I do see you know I think I don't know if it was also Noel was you know kind of questioning how this uh, you know us on the left uh, you know this kind of chaotic how we look at things and I always on the right, people seem to align and get behind people, albeit, you know, it's not a third party, but but it seems like on the right, people get really strong behind uh, some candidate or another and they don't waver from it. They just kind of like push, you know, for that person to move forward uh, because don't they don't the, have because they don't have candidates running against the system. That's they correct. They don't have candidates opposed to taking corporate money. They don't have that. It, it, and I have a few other little points here. You know, Peter Dow, um, he doesn't have a winning record. He doesn't have anything that I'm aware of where he was successful as a campaign manager to bring to fruition to succeed uh, something for, you know, anything comparable to what he's going to try to do for Cornell. So he doesn't most have a winning record as far as I know. Right. But most campaign managers don't. This is what, like, people have to understand this. There aren't that many people, and Jill explained, explained this very well tonight, and I already knew this because I've talked to other people. When I was in D.C., I talked to Bree about this, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Bree made it very clear. There are not many people in this space 
who know how to do this job and know how to do it well. And most campaign managers do not have a winning record. That's that's another big part of the problem. So I totally understand. Like I said, like I've I've I have my criticisms of Peter as well, which I voiced to him very publicly. I totally get that. But it, I it, think we're looking we're looking at some of the things that we're looking at are the wrong. Like if you're gonna go, I think if you're gonna go after Peter, go after him with that shit that he said about you know the Bernie Bros, that kind of shit. His record with that. But look at all the campaign managers that have failed. Look at all the presidents that have have lost. Like look at there's been a number of them. Of course, you know, think you about know, of course. Like, I, like, uh, like, who was Bernie Sanders? Here's a question: Who was Bernie Sanders' campaign manager? Was it Jeff Weaver? No. Who was it? So this was a question. Was it Fahid Shakir or some shit like that? Fahid's or but, but that was on the second time go. that he ran. That, that was there on the you. second time that he ran. But but that guy was. He he was basically almost a status quo type of uh, Democrat, as I recall that guy that you're talking about. From what no, I recall Bree, from him, no, Bree brought this up. His name is Faiz Shakir, 2020. That That's was right. that was, was a, the second one. He was a younger guy too, right? But the point is that Bree brought to brought to our attention when we met that night is that most people don't know who Bernie Sanders' campaign manager was. What? That's because most people are not paying attention to the campaign managers during a campaign. And the yep. point that she brought up is she said she's had a lot of fights with Peter Dow. Like, I don't know if everybody remember all this, but on Twitter, Brie was like, she had a lot of, like, drag down fights with Peter Dow during Bernie Sanders' 2020 presidential campaign. And she said that if, 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 if even she can see the change in Peter... She said other people should be willing to see that too. But also she said, let's not get so focused and tied up on who the campaign manager is because nobody gave a shit or paid attention to who Bernie Sanders' campaign manager was. What did we ask tonight? I asked Jill Stein, who was your campaign manager? Did you have a campaign manager? Nobody was paying attention to this. No, and I think, you know, Savvy, again, you know, I'll, I'll go back how I started the, the conversation. I, I think these choices will not matter. If, if, if he starts to garner a, a bunch of steam behind him and success, all this stuff is going to go by the wayside, independent. But they do matter Dad. because there are people who have contacted me personally, privately, and told me they turned away from the campaign because of who the campaign manager is. Yeah, but those Why are individuals. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying when I mean if this is successful, then that's going to be by people, right? Many, many people, not just individuals that may have contacted you, but actually a lot of people that we'll get behind them. And, and this is, you know, there's still time for all this. As you said, uh, this is different than, than, than a, you know, a Democrat running like, like uh, Bernie and whatnot. So th there's still time for this. Again, I, I'm still in support of Cornell West. I'm just, you know, kind of voicing some of the things that some of these people that have made analysis of, of, of these decisions. Uh, so that, that's all I wanted to share. And then as far as I wanted to touch on Matt Gates because you know, I thought he was very effective and very successful in what he accomplished. And I, you know, I, I don't know too much about uh, politics in Florida. Uh, and I do know that, you know, they were sort of after him with the underage, you know, whatever they were coming after this guy for. But it's, it's pretty admirable, you know, to see this guy say what he said this week in front of the whole country. And I thought that, you know, 
he he's probably going to have a lot of people supporting him, people that didn't have a look for him, like myself. Uh, you know, everything that I thought about this guy was negative, even though I didn't, I don't really know much about the guy. But just based on what he did this week, you know, I got to give him respect. It doesn't mean that I agree with anything, anything that he's putting out as far as policies or anything like that. But just the fact that he did what he did and he stood up to power, he called everybody out. The, the whole uh, Republican Party, all everybody against them, and the and the dude just stood up and said, "Hey, here's what I'm doing it," and I and I think a lot of people are going to look at this guy in a different way now just because of what he did. The independent, if he has, mm-hmm. you know, whatever he has behind why he's doing it, it it came off really well. If if and and I think so that was good, and and it really showed how uh, decrepit, you know, Democratic Party uh, or AOC, all these guys, how phony they are. Uh, it, it's just really bad, you know, the fact that the force the vote could have been could have done something like this for them. Right. Uh, and then Nina Turner, you know, definitely co-opting the, the worker strike back and stealing the, the Kashama Sawan's concept. That's 100 percent why they're doing why she's doing that. Uh, and then I also wanted to touch briefly, you know, that that, you know, the folks in Maui and Palestine, you know, Ohio, they they continue to be overlooked and abandoned. Uh, and it seems like there's not much, you know, I mean, there's just not as much uh, talking about them like, like there should be for these people. Uh, and I really hate that. So I, I just wanted to bring those things up. <laughs> but I would I would remind you, Eric, there was Flint before East Palestine. I, you know, I, I've never forgotten about Flint. In fact, I always bring up Flint when people want to. Say and there's Jackson, Mississippi. There's Jackson, Mississippi, too. East Palestine is still getting more attention than Flint and Jackson. And there's a reason, and we all know what it is. Yeah, we do. But East Palestine didn't even start getting attention until it was status quo. It was independent media that went out there and gave East Palestine attention. And that, and then Jordan um, brought on Aaron Brockovich and that's what gave East Palestine, Ohio more attention, but people were ignoring the hell out of that. Yeah. You know, Flint, Flint is definitely something that I always talk about. Uh, I mean, I have comments that I made, you know, um, you know, at least on, on different um, videos and whatnot about that. And the fact that Obama didn't really do much to help them out uh, like he could have. Uh, so yeah, no, that's, is this? I'm sorry. That? So I just got this thing. Apparently, Tim Black gave me a shout out on his show. Oh, okay. Y'all, I'm confused as hell in left independent media because I'm like, I'm so confused. <laughs> Can I just say, uh, you know, Tim Black? I try. I watched the interview today that Dr. West did because it was newsworthy, and it was the first time I watched him in years, and I have a hard time trusting him. I just do. I remember him during Force to Vote. He was flaky as fuck. And I get now he's all, he's, you know, supporting Dr. West and all that stuff, but it's hard for me. It's hard. Dr. West, though. This was at the beginning of the show. Before Dr. West even came on. And I'm just so confused because, like I said before, like. Can I tell you why I think that is? I think it's because Dr. West's wife likes you. And, like, I think you're her favorite show. And I think Tim probably knows that, <laughs> so he's trying to get on our good side. I'm just giving you my analysis. Oh my um, God, last, last I heard, I don't know about racism, and I've never been around 
like racist issues or anything like that. And I'm like, Except, really? This is news. To and me? that yet, and that yet, uh, so in sincere. Yeah, because he was trashing CJ when CJ came out and says, well, he can't support, he'll support the movement, but he can't support the campaign, and he started trashing RBN all over again. It's not even that, but to say racism, and I've, I've never had to deal with racism, like, are you kidding me? The number of times I've talked about this before on my show, like... Well, because she lived in Germany, she don't know about race, and I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? My parents are from Baltimore, from the fucking projects. My parents grew up in the fucking hood. My grandmother lived in the fucking hood. I went to Lockham and Bundy Elementary School when we were in between places to stay. Savvy, can I can I ask you a couple, just a, a quick two questions? And I know there's a lot of people after me. But I really liked your picture. There was a picture that you put up on YouTube. Or at least I saw it on YouTube. I don't know how the feed comes across, but it was you, uh, Bree, uh, the gal from, uh, what is it, Pink, whatever. Uh, and I don't know if, yeah, maybe that's what it was. And, and, and another gal, I think, I don't know if she used to be part of RBN. But, it, it, you know, yeah, Feeney, and she, man, she was, she's really pretty. And then, <laughs> and. Uh, oh, you uh, asked her for a hookup. No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm just, I'm just making a comment. But, but also, uh, but Brie, I thought Brie was gonna be so much taller, but she's not. You know, she was. You know, I thought she was gonna be so much taller, but she wasn't. Uh, just an observation. And then, uh, case study QB is the QB for Queensbridge. Is that what it's for? I thought it was for quarterback. No, 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 no. Is that, I, I thought you were over there with Nas, man. Because no, I thought, no, okay. not at all. Because <laughs> the, the QB don't stand from the quarterback. That's a Nas no. thing for people that don't know. <laughs> <laughs> much love, much love. But I wanted to ask you, too, about that, Savvy. How did that uh, event go? I saw you had a picture with Brianna. And um, you, did you meet Claudia De La Cruz? Yeah, I did. I How did, did it go? I, I got to talk to her for a second. Um, um Although she she had a lot of people coming up to her, so but I, I did get to say hey to her for a second. Bree was like, "Listen, so I didn't recognize Bree at first because for whatever reason, I always thought that Bree was would be like my same height. I thought we were probably about the same height. <laughs> nah, and this is proves my theory once again. Everyone in left independent media is taller than me. <laughs> everyone, like everyone." Look, that's Bree is taller than me. Cause like I figured I was like, yeah, Bree's bigger than me. And then I met her in person and we took that picture and I and I saw Roger comment on the picture and said, Who's that Thumbelina standing next to Bree? <laughs> I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to comment anything on, on that photo, Sabrina. I'm like, yo, Sabrina's always like the small girl in a in a picture. I'm like, next time put like a some stump, have Sabrina stand on there to seem taller than everybody else. But the thing is, I'm five five. I'm not even well, like short. Afini's shorter than me, but Afini had on heels. So just keep that in mind, guys. Afini did have on heels. Then I, I met Lee Camp actually at the beginning of the event, and I was like, "This motherfucker tall." And then I, I met um, Eugene um, Pierre. He tall, and I looked at both of them. I said, "Everybody's taller than." Me. I said, "All y'all motherfuckers are taller than me." But Lee is like tall, tall, and um. Uh, who who else did oh, Chuck Modi is also taller than me. Cornell West is definitely taller than me. Cornell West's wife is not taller than me though. <laughs> but 
but for real, guys, I'm five five. I'm not like like my mother is t- shorter than me. Mm. Wow. Yeah, my mom's a shorty. My dad is six one. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. you know, Savvy, I do want to give other people a chance, but you know, again, hopefully, you get a chance to ask him a lot of poignant questions of, of Cornell tomorrow. And also, you know, maybe even ask them how we can support them beyond just, uh, you know, donations. But how do we support them on the ground and, 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 and get behind them so that we could do and make a change for the better, you know, for everybody. I, I'm hoping, you know, I, I, I gave up my time uh, for Bernie, which was the first time I've ever done that in my whole life. And, and it's part of the, one of the reasons that I became radicalized, through, you know, through that process. Uh, and so I'm so, hoping that we can do the same. And I know Roger's going to have to say something about this because he, he always does. But go so ahead, kid, Roger. Yeah. So, kid, you and neoliberal tears should connect with, uh, she calls herself whoever, and I know she's on here. She never speaks. She's trying to get a citizen ballot initiative amendment for California that outlaws private equity from owning hospitals nursing homes, clinics, dialysis centers, all wow. of that. Okay? So if you're serious about about these policies, okay, you would have a better chance than that than we would have getting Cornell elected as president. Okay? This is where the focus should definitely be. You I know don't what I mean? Live, because uh, I don't live in Cali. Where you live? Oh yeah, yeah, you tell me your address. I'm, well, whatever. I'm everywhere. Um, Got it. But yeah, that's I didn't mean to cut you off, a kid. Sorry, I thought I was talking the whole time, and I realized I was on mute. I was saying, could you guys message each other in the chat? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, kid. <laughs> I'm sorry. The kid was like, "Damn it, I was mid sentence." What's up, David? Uh oh, David. David, I'm gonna invite you as a speaker. We're gonna move on to Felina, and then we're gonna bring in Lucy. What's up, Felina? Just gotta unmute. Gotta hit the unmute. I button. think Felina is a Green Party person from Ohio. But Felina's not unmuting, so I don't know what's happening. Felina's probably like, "Look, I fell asleep. You guys were taking too long." Go ahead, um, David. I think you just unmuted. Try it again. Sometimes it it works when I switch people from a caller to a speaker. You just gotta hit unmute. Works in my case. Yeah, I know. I'm t- Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne, it would happen with you all the time. I don't know. <laughs> the only thing it works. Okay, David. I don't know what's happening there. Case, I'm going to go to you because I don't think I actually went to you yet. What's up, Case? Hey, what's going on? I I, kind of co-opted Ashira's um, go up, so I apologize, Ashira, for that. But yeah, so just let you know, I DM'd you, Matt Gates, Chief of Staff. Um, It looks like her DMs are open, so just in case, if you do want to interview him, you might be able to get to him through her, like, you know, just as a suggestion, you know, you don't have to if you don't want to. Oh, um, damn, you were serious. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would love to see that. I would pay to see that interview. You interview Matt Gates. 
Did you see that um he got interviewed by TYT? I'm just curious if you ever saw that. Yeah, I remember he was interviewed by TYT. Fell off um, the rails. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Oh, um, I just, oh my god. Yeah, I guess hilarious interview my thing i is, remember you, that you could you could be critical and you could bring up tough topics but it the way it fell off the rails i think it was unnecessary like it didn't have to go he brought up jank running for office and then he jank brought up something and it, it just got personal off. yeah yeah got personal. But it didn't need to. You're, so, you're such a genius because you're right nobody asked him about force the vote like from the yes. last like yes. what Sabrina was saying, like what did Matt Gates get the idea from watching the left? He did. Saying, he would hey, say that. absolutely. Hey, there is like this like huge like procedural thing that we could do mm-hmm. to leverage our votes. Like if they, this is something that Newt Gingrich did to mm-hmm. Ralph Nader because Ralph Nader did this thing where he put out all of these like weird legislative tricks that Democrats could use to like pass a bunch of like anti-corporate legislation. He famously like passed something with seatbelts. So he gave them like this like playbook and then Newt Gingrich said, let's steal this shit and passed Uh and rammed a bunch of, so they definitely, Sabi, that would be a great idea, Case. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. So um, I would love to uh, hear if you do ever interview like that from a leftist left point of view to interview him with those type of questions and, and see, cause I, I'm pretty sure he stole the idea from the squad. He probably studied that whole force the vote situation. It was like, hmm. because um, I think even Ro Connor recently, they came out with a whole bunch of reforms, man, I had it queued up here. It's on Twitter that he's, he's trying to team up with Ro Connor to do um, some like to get rid of lobbying and to put in term 12 year term limit. Um, ban and to, it's a couple um stop the insider stock trading and uh, Matt Gates is saying that he's he's going to allow to take away that that rule where one person could kick out a speaker but in exchange you need to do all this anti um corruption things and my thing is what if that was AOC like this is exactly what AOC was supposed to be doing so wow. if Matt Gates is going to do it hey more power to him and if he's going to work with Ro Connor to do it I'll take that deal. You you sent it to me via DM case? Yeah, um on Twitter. Okay. On Twitter. Yeah, right. I, I DM'd you the um Matt Gates chief of staff information. The um the next thing is um I would love to see the independents team up and do something that has never been done before and call it like post duopoly team up, right? So you have the two independents right now are what I would say major independents. God bless um Claudia. But I think they're still growing. But let's say Cornell West and RFK said, okay, we're going to come together. We're going to try to get um, in our name on all the ballots in all 50 states together. So we're going to pull our resources. We're also going to do our own debates. And we're also going to like mention each other when we do interviews so that RFK could be like the right side of independence. And then Cornell is the left side of independence. And what what do y'all think about that idea? Oh, snap, Case. You always coming up with... Case, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Have you tried to interview Dr. West or... I've never tried. I think I'm too small. I just did an interview with um, uh, Anile uh, Anayi. To, to, uh, remember, it had to get rescheduled, but I, I recorded it. I didn't go live, so I got to cut it up and then I'm going to post it. So I was so excited to have her 
on my channel, but I think I'm too small for him, man. I'm not. No, no. I've, I've, se I've seen Dr. West go on small channels. Okay. I don't think I, it's, yeah. I don't think Dr. West cares about, unlike some, I don't think Dr. West cares about the size because I've seen him go on to channels of people that had like uh, 500 subs. I don't think that's, that's the thing. I think it's yeah. the content okay. and the substance. Well, I do. Um, Peter Dow does follow me, so if if I do if I do want reach out, it would be to see if he'll be interested in a mutual aid party idea and, and creating a team on there. So definitely, I'm gonna um, keep that in the back pocket. But um, I think you're gonna, and I'm not at all trying to tell you what to do. But if you're going to interview tomorrow, it'll be cool if you bring up that um, idea. Uh, and you know what? I'm gonna guess that he'll probably be for it. But for some reason. Um, Robert F. Kennedy, oh, I don't know what the reason is, but he seemed to be more guarded. Like, like I'm not going to make you what the reason. Moves. I'm telling you what the reason is. Go because ahead. the one black dude that works on this campaign contacted me and already told me that it's Stephanie. Stephanie, mm -hmm. who's the communications director, she's the one that approves mm -hmm. all the interviews. And she's uh, the one. She was the one that told Max Blumenthal, I don't think you get it. It's not going to happen. That uh, was her. She needs to get fired because I think even Fox News, that what's that guy's name? Um, Jesse Jesse Waters. He was complaining like, oh, I've been reaching out to the RFK campaign for a while now to have him on my show, and he's not coming on my show. This was like, let's say, two or three months ago before RFK finally did go on his show. But if somebody on Fox is saying, I'm begging for this guy to come on my show, What's up? What's up with your communications uh, department? That's you know? that's her. That's her. But yeah, again, wow. she works for him, mm -hmm. so she's not doing anything that he wouldn't want her to do. This is why mm -hmm. I want people to really understand. Yeah, yeah. Think about it, guys. Be because I would definitely love to see something like that, but I I have a feeling that RFK's team they're too calculating. They feel like they um. He he feels like he's running in the Democratic Party, like he's the do Democratic nominee, and he has to play play it safe. That's how I feel. Like he he he's taking not taking enough chances, and even though he's going, he has gone on a lot of podcasts. Like I like you said, he hasn't gone on your podcast. He hasn't gone on RBN. He hasn't gone on any like um, political black media. He went on that that barbershop show, and he went on the Breakfast Club. But he, hasn't he went gone. on to the black shows. He went on to black entertainment shows, which exactly. is where a lot of politicians will go on to for people who are not yeah. politically aware. Exactly. exactly. And that's very telling. And the thing yeah. is, like, obviously, a lot of people, the people who watch me and who watch like Bad Faith and like, leave, actually, leave me out of it. Let's go to the bigger platforms. People who watch Bad Face, people who watch Useful Idiots who watch like Katie Halper show people who watch like TYT that kind of thing those people are more politically aware he avoided yeah. those shows he went on to like Glenn Greenwald Glenn Greenwald's left and um Glenn is very vocal but a lot of the people in Glenn's audience are conservative yeah. so he he was he's he was very calculated in which shows he went on to he went on to Aaron Good's show Aaron yeah. Good has a small channel but Aaron Good also is friends with RFK Jr. And Aaron Good tried to set up a debate between RFK Jr. and Cornell West on RBN. Oh, yeah. And Cornell West had already agreed to it. RFK Jr., though, again, yeah. Yeah. his communications director was like, no, it's not going to happen. 
But again, wow. like I said, she works for him. So that's it right there. It's not happening. If, if they can't even do a simple debate, then this idea of collaborating to get, you know, each other on the ballot initiatives to work together, like you need to run outside and think differently from what the, the establishment does. And, 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 and this so, is one of those ways. There, just ahead. to warn you guys, like he's going to start doing it. Like, I mean, like the he's going to start over time, try to court back the left. Like he's going to start agreeing to some of these interviews. Just watch it. I'm going to tell him to fuck off, Neo. <laughs> you know, but like, I, I can I, can, can, I, I have to throw something out there that I, I think we haven't thought about yet. Because um, this is another like drama piece that I think actually supports Lucy's uh, theory that it's all like the more people, the more chaos, uh, the more, the, the bigger the party. Because remember like if and this kim actually was the first to like call this out and i'm scared because she might have a psychic connection she said there if trump or biden if there are so many independent candidates or so many parties so many people it might be that neither trump or biden get enough electoral college votes like they might neither one of them might get to 270 um and that might throw the election to uh, either the, someone will correct, uh, will correct me, um, Lucy, uh, if you can jump but in. That's, is it, is this is, this is exactly, this and is then exactly, what happens then, you know, this is exactly what I was trying to tell you guys. This is exactly what Peter Dow was saying from the get go. That's why he said we need multiple candidates to run. This is why he, he had already had a conversation with RFK Jr. about running independent. He told him, like, run independent. He tried to get, he said the same thing to Marianne. Marianne was not willing to do it, right? So his his plan was, let's get all of them to run independent because this actually creates more of a ripple effect in the duopoly when you have multiple candidates running independent that are well-known. We may never get this get to this point again in our lifetimes, guys. You guys yeah. understand? To I totally agree. Let me ask you this. So, okay, so the election is thrown back. Let's say this happens, like RFK gets 10%, Cornell West gets 10%, um, you know, like, and the election is thrown back. Uh, then it's a three-way race, right? Between Trump, Biden, and whatever, Kennedy, let's say. So it's like, then the, the House gets to vote. So they're going to vote for Trump right? Like, because it's a Republican I, I, house. I got, do we start, I do we have to start hold thinking on, let me, that way? Hold on, hold on. Not let me, necessarily. Go ahead, Roger. About the Electoral College. Um, the Constitution does not say how many Electoral College votes you need in order to win the presidency. Because when it was first written, there were less states than there are now, which meant that there were not 500 538 electoral college votes like there are now. They left it that way to keep it fluid because they knew as more states were added to the union, the amount of elect, they, they each would bring their own number of electoral college votes, okay? And therefore, the, what you would need to win would change over time, okay? Now, take that and apply that to parties because it's not fluid, okay? If there are three parties in the race, okay, 
you with the minimum that you need to win is 180 because if you split 538 three times that comes out to 179 three ways okay which means you would need 180 if there are four in the race then you would need 134 and a half electoral college votes which means you would need 135 so we're just used to 270 because you know it was always two now I do understand that there were electoral, um, that there were third parties in 1980, 1992, Okay, but when there are three parties in in the race, okay, the minimum that you need is 180 because 538 electoral college votes split three ways is 179. Four parties, 538 split four ways is 134 and a half. Okay, so it doesn't go, it only goes to the house and all that stuff if it's split evenly. But the minimum that you need to win is what I just said. Do you guys understand what Roger just said? What a, what a, I'm uh, glad you're here, Tab. I tend to agree with um, the position that more independent candidates, I, I think it's not necessarily a good thing because the American electorate is so about winning, winning, winning I think when people see too many options out there, they're going to go back to the default and it's going to be back between A and B. I think there needs to be some consolidation in this independent thing because what we're suggesting is there is so much difference or diversity in the views within the independent space that there is nothing, like I say, no no commonality that creates a third voice to compete with the duopoly. And the more smaller voices you have, the less impactful I think they become. But guys, so. I think we have to get outside of like this Americana way of thinking, because the thing is, is like in other countries, this is totally normal. It's totally normal to have multiple candidates running in multiple parties at the same time. Like, that's the thing. Like, we have to expand, like, our way of political thinking in this country. And I know it's tricky because we have a two-party system. But in a lot of other countries, this is not the way this works. In a lot of other countries, they have multiple candidates running in multiple parties at the same time. And that's just the norm. And so we so, have to like trick ourselves to get outside of what is the norm in reference to the system in this particular country. And the same thing, I'll give an example in reference to lawful segregation in this country. At one point in time in this country, lawfully, segregation was was a thing. Like Jim Crow was real. Like there were actual laws that existed in reference to segregation. Some of the people living during that time probably couldn't imagine a world where everybody, like there was integration. 
But that's where people who were activists who came along and said, no, we're going to create a world in this country, at least, where there's going to be integration. Miscegenation but at the laws. Time, but what I want people to understand is at the time, that was unheard of. At the time, it was at one point in time, it was unheard of for slaves to be free. At one point in time in this country, it was unheard of for people who were gay to be able to marry in this country. So we always come up against these hurdles, but we have to get ourselves outside of that way of thinking, just like they did like during the civil rights movement. And they said, hey, listen, we do have lawful segregation in reference to the South with Jim Crow. These things are real. But we're going to like change that. And at the time, like I said, and by the way, and this is something too, I've interviewed. Um, oh, what's his name? Um, what's the guy's name? But we we got into it about um, policing and he tried to tell me police patrols or slave patrols didn't exist in policing and stuff. Adolf Reed, Adolf Reed, Adolf Reed. And I like one of the things that that he did say was that you know, eventually, like you had to have like that push from the outside to get people to wake up. And one of the things that we did agree with was the fact that, yeah, you couldn't have had that change in this country if it wasn't for the people who said, let's stop doing things the way that the system works and let's do something different. Sadly, so mis miscegenation laws, it was, it was illegal for... Uh, people to marry outside their their alleged you know race mm -hmm. but i and, think uh, the point the point that we're dealing with is not a failure of imagination i am not saying i cannot imagine these things coming to pass what i'm talking about is the fact that we are creatures of habit and so even if you introduce a new thing the habit of the majority in terms of people voting will default to those other things. But this is not a failure of imagination. We're talking about what we believe people's behaviors will be. Well, we've always had that. We've always had like those behaviors and creature of habit in this country. And it was the radicals who pushed things to change. What I'm saying is having wrong. multiple candidates running in an independent space, potentially which you're, you're feeding off of the people who are willing to vote independent and who are so frustrated with the duopoly. But the other people who are vote blue, no matter who are vote red to your dad or this and that, those people will be voting that way. And so the potential of the independent space where people are disenchanted with the duopoly, that splits up those votes. But those it people, Noel, necessarily... no, those, those, those people, people are a minority, though. I mean, we have. Do you remember um, uh, Lanny Guineer when she right. was uh, proportional representation? The tyranny of the majority. That, right. We need to have a coalition forming. That's what uh, proportional representation encourages. Uh, we so we could have a more democratic system if we encourage proportional representation. So we have all these factions that can uh, uh, coalesce. I mean, that's what they have in parliamentary systems. They have that you have to form a, a majority through coalition forming. But and that's what I'm saying. It will not happen with several independent parties or independent third parties running to the end. 
that's like Savvy was saying, this is not a primary where these people we will be whittled down to one candidate, one independent candidate. These are potential independent candidates running to the end in the general. And so if there is no, you know, coalescing or, you know, amongst the parties to say we are the independent voice, then the independent voices and the disaffected people from the big two will just be split among all those who are running to the end. No, but but those people, but what I'm saying is like, we always have the people to the end though. Like, that's the thing. Like people just don't hear about them because they're not popular names. So like, for example, there was Joe Jorgensen. They don't disrupt the duopoly. That's the point. No, no, because according to people in 2000, remember what they're saying about 2016. They're saying Jill Stein did disrupt the duopoly. They're saying that that's the thing. Like, there's always a libertarian candidate to the end. There's always a Green Party candidate to the end. And there's always at least one independent candidate to the end. But what I'm saying is, in those situations, the the winner is always the Democrat or the Republican. What What my hope was is through this independent space, there comes a third voice that really pushes out. Like Ross Perot? Like a Ross Perot type of activity that you could build well, out and then really, like in 2028, be prepared to compete outright to to actually win. But, but you but know, the thing is, Ross Perot, let's be clear here, guys. Ross Perot was able to push out like he did because Ross Perot was a billionaire. Right. So remember what Jill Stein said tonight about people buying their way in. He was one of those people that was able to buy his way in. So let's not forget that. We, we got to remember how he got there. But, he had the money to get on the ballot. and He was an independent. But that's not the important piece is disrupting the duopoly. So if he had but he did. capitalized. No, he didn't. What I'm saying is eventually having something other than a Democrat or Republican win the presidency. No, but 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 what I said from the very beginning, when people announced that they were running third party independent, what did I say from the very beginning, you guys? I said, let's be real. We know that Cornell West is not going to be able to win because we don't have ranked choice voting. But I said, this is a step in building a movement and a third party movement. So that will eventually people, win. You right, see what I'm saying? But, right. But the thing is, but if people back down now, we'll never get there. That's and just I'm not like, saying back down now. I'm saying at some point in order for a party other than Democrat or Republican to win, you have to get to the point where there is a, a party big enough to take enough from the other so that they can win. But having multiples run to the end, I don't think is a good start in this 2024 cycle. No, but I I think you're not looking at the long game because the thing is, is that again, like we said, it's not about like these people necessarily being able to win this time around. It's about disrupting the duopoly. And if that means that Joe Biden has to lose to disrupt it, that's what happens. Ross Perot didn't win, but Ross Perot got 18% of the vote. Ross Perot prevented 
George Bush Sr. from winning re-election, that is very significant. But and what so I'm saying so, is... It was so important that they changed the rules for third-party candidates and independent candidates after Ross Perot. But what I'm saying is if you have RFK running independent and a Cornel West running independent and Jill Stein running as a Green, RFK is likely to mooch votes from disaffected Republicans. Right. Whereas whereas Cornel West and Jill Stein may be able to peel off votes from disaffected Democrats. So it's not like you just have one peeling off from both. You have, you know, votes being peeled off on both sides. So it still is likely to roll down to Democrat. You know what I'm saying? No, but, it, but they Noel, neutralize each other. But no, well, that's the point. The whole point is to disrupt the duopoly, to disrupt both parties, not just one. So that's the whole point. Like, we need candidates that can disrupt the Republican side and the Democrat side. And I think this is, honestly, in my lifetime, this is our best chance of seeing this actually go out and seeing this actually happen. Like, we, again, we all know, like, they may not win. But yeah. that's not the point. The The point is to seriously like disrupt the fucking system. And if that means that it shakes up Trump and it shakes up Biden, good. Because yeah, we need Bobby, this push I think for that, third party. I think that's the, that's such an important point. Like we need to, and I think that wasn't clear maybe from doc, doc, Dr. West and so far is that He's not going to get 45%. Like he's not going to, he's not going to win. We're going to end up with either Biden or Trump. Uh, and we just kind of have to make peace with that. Like after, like, you know, but we can get him to like, he, we can get an independent candidate to like 20% or, or something like that. But to go back to, uh, to, to, um, to, to point I saw Anthony make in the chat, like, so what he's saying is that actually you do, you do have to, uh, uh, make it to uh, 270 electoral college votes and if no candidate meets that um, if there's no plurality of the votes or whatever that means um, then it goes uh, to the state delegations uh, in the states and they all get one vote and there he's saying that the majority are controlled by the GOP um, so uh, you know, it might be the duopoly will be very, very bruised. Like if this happens, if the election go back to the House and this, there is this entire mess and, you know, the state delegations have to like pick Trump after all of his indictments and everything because they're controlled by the GOP. It will just be insane. Um, and I think it will bruise the duopoly. But it's not going to give us either RFK or Dr. West. So just to set people's expectations, like, you know, that, like, I think that's that's sort of like what bruising which, the duopoly looks like. And which Malia. I've been which I've been saying from the very beginning, we don't I never expected them to win. And I still want to reinstate that I never expected them to win. But I do expect them to disrupt the fucking system in place. And that's the thing. Like, but eventually we can get to that point where they can win. But we got to disrupt the system first. Go ahead, Roger. And then I want to bring. Okay. So you, we have to remember, um, uh, just to address what Noel was saying. 
independent candidates are like lone wolves. They're, they're not, they're free radicals because they're not part of a party. So they, they will, you probably will be hard to find any coalition among independent because an independent is like truly like an independent. They like their pop, this independent person policies can be completely different from that independent over there. There might be some cross between that one and this one, but yeah, you're not really going to have, cause, cause they're not part of a party. So they're not, there's not going to be like a coalition or, or a consolidation or whatever the case. Now, the thing is, like I said, Neil, Neil live. If a third party or an independent just gets one electoral college vote, the threshold goes down from 270 minus whatever those that those third parties and independent candidate got okay 270 has always been that way only because there was always two candidates and if there was a third candidate or a fourth candidate they didn't get any electoral college votes you see what i'm saying so i mean that's we're just used to living in that uh environment because the third party of the independent you know matter of fact when we see the last independent the last independent candidate to get uh electoral college uh last third party candidate to win any electoral college votes was george wallace in 1968 you know the mr segregation guy all right now uh you didn't really get to see that put to a test as far as where um, uh, 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 Nixon needed less than 270 because he ended up winning like 313 electoral college votes anyway. But you really didn't get to see that really put to the test. But like I said, and the, con- the Constitution does not say a number, okay? And there's a reason for that because they knew they was going to start building their empire and bringing more states on. I mean... If Puerto Rico became a state, okay, let's say that brings in, uh, let's say five, five electoral college joints. Well, then it's no longer going to be 270 anymore with just two candidates. Candidates, that's going to change because you go from 538 electoral college votes to 543. Okay, divide that by two. Here's what's hard for me. Like, cause usually, cause it doesn't, like in other elections, they, de- they never said, cause uh, like Savvy was saying, other independent candidates were running in every election, right? Like there's a million candidates and the number has always been 270. Like you need 270 to win. Um, and I see, and I, and I, that's also the case that Kim has been making. Like I've heard her, um, make, make that argument that this is, this is uh, the first time we might see this kind of result right. where no one gets to 270. But yeah. uh, no, no matter how many candidates run, the threshold isn't lowered. Like we can have 20 independent candidates. Either one of them is going to have to get to 270. You know what I mean? And it's true right. that no one has won. No, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. If they get, if any of those other third parties or independent get any electoral college votes, all right, then the threshold to win goes lower than 270. Okay, the House only steps in 
when the electoral college votes break even among all the candidates. That's it. It says it right in the constitution because I had this discussion with somebody before and I pointed it out. But what where are it the says it in the is everybody gets 33% exactly. Like that's like, that's no, no, logical. But no, no, but, right? no, no, but that's not what I'm saying. That's, that's not my argument. Your argument was it's 270. It will always be 270 or whatever the case was. I'm saying 270 changes once um, third parties and, and independents start getting electoral college votes. That's what I was pointing out. Not like, what if, you know, it's 33, 33, 33. Okay, let me... That's all. I'm sorry, you guys. I need to bring in other people. Um, David, can you unmute? I know you've been waiting for a while. You told me to bring you in, so you got to hit unmute. Um, and if not, then I'm... Okay. All right. David, I'm going to move to Felina. Felina, going once, going twice. Or three times going to Tiffany. Tiffany, what's up? Got to unmute. Going once, going twice. There you go. Tiffany, what's up? Okay, we can't hear you. Um, let's invite you to speak, Tiffany, because I can't hear you. Oh, there you go. Go ahead. I said, I kind of agree with Noel um, as far as the choice thing. Um, I think that that can um, wreck the whole process of what needs to happen because um, I believe that some people will go into what's called choice paralysis. Um, too many choices can get people to the point to where they'll just be like, you know what, all this, this is just too much. You know, I'm over it. I don't even want to vote. And I believe it because people right now are not in a place. I don't think enough people are in a place where they want to just be radical and just let's do this. They're thinking more about what's happening now and what can be done now, not in the future. And I think that that's something that we have to think about. Um, I'm sad for um, Cornell, everything that's happened, because I think that it is going to shake his chances of making a difference um, because um, like the young man said earlier, so many different, you know, he's jumped to so many different parties and that's all people are going to say. They're not going to look at why or, you know, what happened. They're just going to look at the fact like, why can't he get it together in one party? Now we're in number three. And I support him 100%, but I'm just looking at it from a perspective of, you know, the outside looking in. Um, if, if I didn't know, you know. Tiffany, who's, who's going to say that, though? Because the people who were, who were down to support Cornell West's platform are not going to say that. The people who are still saying I back Cornell West because of the platform and not because of the party, which some people have said, they're not going to say that. So I think that's that's what's really important because the same thing for RFK. Like we can say, okay, he was Democrat, now he's running independent, but his platform is still the same. So the people are like, yeah, I support his platform, so that's what matters, and that's what I'm focusing on. So I think the thing is, I don't want us to get too caught up in, oh, this is a, a another thing, da da da, that kind of thing. 
because that's easy to get caught up on and focused on. And we lose sight of what the platform is. The platform is 10, in my opinion, the platform is 10 times stronger under Peter than it was before. Even when we looked at the platform that Nick Brana had, if you look at that compared to the platform under Peter, the platform is 10 times better, 10 times better. I so agree I think for, for the people just focusing on the policies, which is what people should be focusing on and not the parties and the personalities, which a lot of times people get caught up on. I think if you're focusing just on the policies and the platform, that's what people are going to be voting for. And, and hopefully not just focusing on like the personality. And I say this before, again, same thing with RFK Jr. It's been very clear to me when I covered his campaign announcement on the ground, it was very clear to me that some people were just focusing on the fact that he was a candidate. It was very clear to me that some people were focusing on just the COVID issue and just that alone. But what I'm saying is, is that we have to make sure we're not just supporting people based on them as a personality. And when we look at like their platform, we should be focusing on the platform at hand, not the campaign manager and the party and all this stuff that we did not focus on. When people were supporting Jill Stein, they weren't focusing on, oh, who's Jill Stein's campaign manager? Nobody asked that shit. Nobody asked who Bernie Sanders' campaign manager was. No one was focusing on that. And I think what's been happening, again, like I said, is like people have been paying attention to what has been said by popular podcasters and what's been said on Twitter, and they have let that influence their decision. So my whole thing is like, I told you guys early on, I believed that more candidates would emerge. However, I don't think all of them will stay around until November of next year because eventually some of them are going to run out of money. And that's usually what pushes people out. My my stance on that is this. Jill, in her own words, said that he wasn't ready. Now, if I'm looking at it from a perspective, if I was someone who trusted her opinion as everyone has and they're looking at it from a perspective of you've gone to three different parties and like i said the people like you said the people who really know his policies they're going to stay in the game with them but you have a you have a ton and when i tell you a ton like i would hear young people they were like oh yeah we got to go green party now we got to do this they hype that up so much I don't even think they understand the policy part. Everybody has been so fear-mongered out of Trump. And now, you know, they don't want to deal with Biden. They just want someone they feel will be solid enough to, to win. They don't, and I'm being, I'm just being honest with you. I work in hospitals. I know, I know, but it's not that many people. Because the thing is, most people don't even know that Cornel West, RFK Jr., Marianne Williamson, Dr. Shiva, Jasmine Sherman, Claudia De La Cruz, most people don't even know these people are running. Most people do not know. And so so that's the thing. I mean, I don't know. I'm in California. A lot of people know he's running. So it's I a, mean, right, because he's from cabin different. They're like, it's right. out here. Like, they know him. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit different. That's why I'm coming from that perspective. And I'm hearing a lot of young people, you know, they're they're hyped up. But I also heard, like tonight, I work 
you know, my regular shift. And I heard a lot of people like, dang, man, like what's going on? Like all the shift change. And I was like, but, you know, this is Cornell West. He's still Cornell West. He still has the same policies or whatever. And like, but this just doesn't look right. Now all these other people, I just, like I said, I hope that what he, you know, started to do, it works out in the end. But there is that 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 chance that so many people being there may do the opposite. It but won't. But again, it's not going to be that many people. That's what I'm trying to explain to people. Come November, some of these candidates are going to have to drop off because of the funding. It happens every okay. election cycle. I've seen it multiple times. So some of these people are not going to be around come November. But I will say this. I know what Jill Stein said, but I want you guys to understand that Jill Stein is still a part of the Green Party and Jill Stein is going to protect the Green Party at all costs because that is her party. Just like AOC will protect the Democratic Party because right. that is her party. So keep in mind, guys, like for me, I can speak out openly about these things because I'm I'm not attached to a party. I'm a registered independent. I'm not a Green. I'm not a, a Libertarian, any of those things. So I can speak out against all of this shit. And so that's but the beauty I of being a registered independent. But the thing is, I'm going to tell you guys, and I know Jill Stein, she lives here locally with me in Massachusetts, but I'm here to tell you at the same time, Jill Stein is going to protect the Green Party. And I already know that there are criticisms that have come from the Green Party internally from people who were candidates who came onto my show and criticized and talked about the criticism of the Green Party. Listen, let's keep it real. We got to acknowledge the fact of the Green Party rigging their primaries. This was Absolutely. one of the big criticisms mm -hmm. when Cornell West decided to go Green Party. This is one of the big criticisms that came from people when they said, why is he running through the Green Party when they rigged their primaries against we people talking about against Jesse Ventura for Howie Hawkins? We need to talk about Dario. We but here's the thing against Dario Hunter. But here's the thing. You say Jill Stein is going to protect the party because that's her party. That that all may be true. But here's the thing. She has run before as a green and she did garner votes like Tiffany was suggesting. Cornell has been out there for a minute now, potentially running for green. So if Jill Stein is she. As she kind of hinted tonight, if yeah. she again runs for the nomination and gets the green nomination, then you have Cornell and Jill running in a potentially the same space. And yeah. when you say they're going to be candidates who don't make it to November for financial reasons, Cornell might be one of them. Yes. That's, that's so, a good point, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I was trying to like keep it you know, quiet and not say it. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I saw the interview with Tim Black and Cornell West, and it was very apparent to me that Tim Black, or excuse me, not Tim Black, Cornell West felt like he could not really focus on Black issues through the Green Party. That's what this really came down to. And I'm just, and I will go ahead and point back to our third party summit on RBN when mm -hmm. she was asked, and Jill Stein said she thought that black people should be leading the Green Party, not the white elite liberals. 
And that is one of the criticisms that some black people have with the Green Party is that it's mainly a white people party that's led by white elites, not black working class people. And that's why you don't see as many black people that are part of the Green Party. I'm trying to tell you guys from experience about and even black people I know that have joined it, that tried to be a part of it. And they were like, what the fuck is this? This is mainly just a space for white elites who care about the environment. And I don't feel like my issues are really being, you know, brought to the forefront. And yes, they agree on reparations, but it's one thing to agree reparations and to listen and actually hear black voices that are part of your party. And that's the thing. That's the criticism I've heard from black people who are a part of it. They're like, they don't even fucking listen to us. We're not allowed. They want to hear what they have to say. Yes, there's a Jammu. Yes, there's a Jammu. There's Margaret Kimberly and that kind of thing. But you guys got to understand, they're my elders. They've been doing this for a long time. And for a lot of younger Black people who have been a part of the Green Party, their voices are not heard. And also, I want to bring back to your attention, I told you guys, I told Jill Stein tonight. I said, Jill, I saw your, I saw members from the Green Party Going to, and I'm just say it out loud on here. Members from the Green Party went on to Black Power Media, and I, I like Black Power Media. I love those peeps. Kamal's like base. I love those peeps. Have gone on to Black Power Media multiple times. They've gone to Status Coup. They've gone on to the Vanguard multiple times, and they have been heavily attacking Cornell West's campaign day one. Can I ask you a question? I remember Afini. Yeah, well, let me finish. I remember Afini was on the Vanguard with Renee, and and Afini said, I'm going to support Cornell West because his platform is about Black liberation and Black issues. Mm. And I remember the Green Party member was sitting there saying like, well, no, you know, well, my main concern is he came from the People's Party. He was on advisory board. and Bitch, you came from the People's Party too, okay? You were from the People's Party too. And now you're part of the Greens Party. And before you were part of the People's Party, you were part of brand new Congress and you fucked those motherfuckers over too. See, I know what's been going on. Some of these people, they bounce from party to party. They're fucking infiltrators. They fucked over brand new Congress. They fucked over People's Party. Granted, People's Party has issues. I told y'all, you guys, about Nick Brana. Now they in the Greens, and now they're trying to fuck shit over in the Greens. These people are fucking Democrats. They're fucking liberals, and they've been fucking shit up for a long time. And I'm trying to tell you guys, it disturbs me. When I see them bounce from show to show to show, especially for someone who's almost 50 years old, get the fuck out of here. You're almost 50 years old and this is what you're spending your time doing? It's their job. See, I don't want to say this shit to Jill because I can come at Jill like that and be like, look, Jill, let me keep it real. These motherfuckers, I couldn't talk, I couldn't do that. I got to respect my elders because I told you guys before. There's only one person I fear, and that's my mom. And my mom would not take that shit lightly if she saw me speaking to my elders that way. (laughs) She would not. I'm an adult, but my mom will still come and smack my ass in the face. (laughs) So let's just let's just keep it real. But that was the question I had for for um, I was talking to Bad Cookies one time in the chat. I think it was the RBN when I asked them, "These greens are they just people who just 
were political homeless, they just came out, they were 18, and they just went green? Or were they former disaffected Democrats who didn't get their issues and just decided to jump green because it was popular? They were from the People's Party. It was the same people who complained about the overall, overall. Like they all, I mean, overall, did they all came from Dems too? They started with Dems. They went to People's Party, and then they went to the Green Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the way my point. Okay, my question is this: because um, I kind of feel like it was set up, like he hyped up the Green Party enough for them, and now what you do, you know, it's just too much for us. But you got us hyped up where people notice us more. Because I'm telling you, if if you guys could see these young people out here, there's a young man that I pass up every day. He's selling Green Party t-shirts. Wow. And he's only like 18, 19 years old. Like these are shirts he made himself. They have Cornell West like holding a green flag. like, And he's out there every day. And there's crowds of people coming around him. And I, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, it just feels like a setup on him, on, on their part towards him. Like, let's get him over here, get him hyped up. We get the young people, get these young black boys or whatever. You know what I mean? We can get but this. If you're, can... if you're with Cornell West policies, it shouldn't you don't know nothing like that, though. Let's be real. They're 18 and 19. A lot of these kids don't know that. Well, no, they know because I, I work with I work with youth for a long time. And, and what I would say to them is, again, the same thing I say to my audience. You can't attach yourself to a party. We, we've talked about this. You can't attach yourself to a political party. And I've told you guys time and time again. Even when Justin came on the show and said, you got to register as a green for this state, da, da, da. what did I tell you guys? I'm a registered independent. It is what it is. I didn't change my registration. No, because I knew, I knew, I knew about the shit that was happening internally with the Green Party. And I thought, well, maybe things will be different for Cornell. But I did know that there were many criticisms about the internal workers of the grid. Just I told you guys tonight. Well, you know, there's certain language that yeah. we have. What do you mean there's certain yeah. language? But, but, people can be their self. But here's the thing. If you are going to run in an established party, there has to be some give and take. And he's running, he was potentially running to seek the nomination. He wasn't just designated king. And there were other people who've been in that Green Party who were planning to run. And then you have all the energy sucked out because now it's been said that Cornell is running green. So no, I understand. There, was, there wasn't. Actually, no. But, there was but, nobody else. There was no one at that time. There was no but one But there running. are other candidates, right? There are other or, candidates now who were brought in by the people who were attacking Cornell West's campaign. But Jasmine what I'm Sherman, saying who is, I interviewed as an independent, but was but independent it's still this, when I interviewed her, she was brought in by Green Party members who came from the People's Party who were like come in and challenge Cornell West. This is what I'm trying to tell you guys. Like these things that Jill said to me tonight, 
should have been told to Cornell at the very beginning yes. when you brought him in to the to yes. the party. And it was not said. And I know that on both sides, by the way. But, but here's the thing. was not said. But here's the thing. Be, be, all, be all that as it may, the point that I think Tiffany has been making and I'm making is there is the creation of confusion. And you, yeah. Savvy, are an insider, so you're privy to different information that just everyday lay people are not. And then the people who dial into independent media are yet another subset of people who are following issues closer. But the broad public, mm -hmm. and like Tiffany says, this young man who's just glummed into Cornell Green, it creates an air of instability. And that's just out there no matter how you explain it away and how you may, and it may be legitimate, but the reality is Dr. West having moved from the People's Party to the Green Now Independent does send a air of instability to people who are not dialed in, people who are not insiders, and people who don't have that inside track. Does it send that same instability to RFK? He only did it once. Yes, it does. It once. No, and it does. It, it does. does but it does. But you have to look it at does. it like this. Okay, three I'm times. Glad I'm glad both of you are willing to say that because yeah. I'm going to go ahead and let you know, which I said on RBN earlier today, is that Nick Brana is trying to get RFK to run with the People's Party. <laughs> he already announced. They already announced they're going to be there next week in Philly. Wow. And he said huge, they said huge announcement. Look at it on Twitter. I kid me not. He said huge announcement. Nick Brana is already trying to get RFK Jr. to run with the People's Party. The People's Party has no money. They only have ballot access in Florida and that's it. But I think that they think that RFK can bring in the money with his notoriety, who he but is. But they thought that with Cornell too. But the thing no, is like- No, RFK is a bigger, if you think about money-wise, and and no no shots towards Cornell, but money wise, I really think that RFK can draw in more money because RFK Party, is willing to take corporate money. Yeah, and wait go. a minute now, People's Party doesn't take corporate money. They will, and he hasn't committed <laughs> to running for People's Party, has he? <laughs> the announcement is made next week, so we don't know what RFK Jr. is going to say. And that, that's what I'm saying. So again, some people are saying he's going to do Libertarian. Some people are saying he's going to do People's Party. Either way, if he chooses one or the other, he'll be switching three times too. But see here, and, and it will still create a certain air of instability, even in his case. But here's the thing. If he moves from the Democrats, at some level, he is going to have to level some criticisms and speak to why he's leaving the Democrat after he's done all this pledging about, ooh, this is my people's party, this is the party of my family, this and that. So when he moves, <laughs> he is going to have to speak to those things. And if he speaks to them in a way that resonates as legitimate to what people already know about the Democrats, mm -hmm. then that just explains away some of the instability. But the instability right. from moving from one party to another, that's there no matter where you move and no matter why. The mm -hmm. question is, how do you deal with it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a real good point. For him to 
I think it'll be easier for him to speak it well because of who he is, who his family is, and also because they already don't like him and everybody knows that. But the family thing did not work out for Joe Joseph Kennedy III here in Massachusetts. Just FYI, Tiffany, he used that same crutch. He was a Kennedy and he ran against Ed Markey. And what was funny is that the younger people came out to support Ed Markey instead of supporting Joseph Kennedy III, who was the younger candidate. And that was because we all realized Joseph Kennedy was just relying on the fact that he was a Kennedy. He was already a member in the House and tried to challenge Ed Markey for a Senate seat, and he lost. And it was an embarrassment, actually, in Massachusetts to the Kennedy family because he lost, because no Kennedy has lost in a local race. So... The thing is, is that I think some people will see through that. But I'm going to tell you guys something. I told my parents, I was like, yeah, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running for president. Da, da, da. My parents were like, who? Actually, my, my dad said who? My mom said RFK died. And it, I was like. That, that's exactly. <laughs> The like when I because, you know, I, I, I just I'm interfacing with the public all the time when I get customers. First, I ask, do you know who Dr. West is? Dr. Cornell West is. They're like, no. I say, OK, so I'm going to assume that they know who RFK is, you know, because of the name. I said, do you know, RFK is running for president. The average normie is like, no, I didn't know that. Nope. You know? Now, I did get one guy tonight who actually knew that RFK was running for president. Now that was an outlier, but, but most people, most normies, they don't know who any of these people are. You know what I mean? Like in our, and, and I always challenge people of us who are of the politically astute to, you know, just talk to regular people and just be like, just first ask, do you know who uh, Dr. Corner West is? Do you know, you know, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Do you know he's running for president? And most people will tell you, I don't know who that is. And, you know, uh, I didn't know he was running for president, you know. Um, but that's, you know, that's just something you could find very, very um, humbling when when you speak to people. Um, now, that's amazing that in California, a whole bunch of people know who Cornell West is. He's I would tell. There. Yeah. Got it. Um I would tell eight. I would. I would tell some. You know, the, the eighteen-year-old um, young man, be like, "Hey, you should put that energy toward um, running some ballot initiatives." But you know, that's me, because you know, like, like I said, these these candidates, these politicians, you know, a lot of times, most of the time, they do really what's best for them. Now, check this out. Now, the Green Party has spent all these years prioritizing ballot access but not ballot initiatives if they were thinking correctly maybe if they push them ballot initiatives they could actually get ranked choice voting to make it easier for them to get on the ballot oh, but, this goes, but this goes back to what I said before political parties from their very inception are designed to look out for the party interest over the public interest. Right. A lot of times, even when the public interest would benefit their party, you know, they're, they're, like you can't 
expect, just like a tiger is designed to be a carnivore and a predator. That's what it is designed to do. It's not designed to be a herbivore. You know, so once, once you understand that, then that's how I know. It's just like, all right, well, you, you, you've been around for like 20 some odd years. You didn't think to maybe, all right, you know what? Let's push these ballot initiatives. That shows you that it's the party interest over policy. Mm. But Roger has a point. Like the California people, like he's right. California, my state, Massachusetts, like why aren't people focusing more on the local stuff? It's true. Like I'm going to tell you guys this again. Nobody's coming to save us. You know, when I was doing Glenn Lowry's show, like, that was one of the things that his wife did bring up. Like, she said, like, you say something that my husband says as well, which is, nobody is coming to save us. And I was like, oh, wow. Because he's a conservative, but but it's true. Well, you know, Dr. Henry Clark said, we have no allies. So the concept is out there, but what we're trying to say is what what is the best course for us? Can we organize ourselves to build alliances so that because no one is coming to save anybody else either. So you know (laughs) the the masses will have to be organized to save ourselves from the predatory capitalists. But the issue becomes, can we get past those things that have been set up to divide us so that we can bring the, the willpower of the majority and, and do away with the minority that keeps us all enslaved? Exactly. We have to form coalitions. Oh, snap. And we have to think about the youth as well, because they're in the next, you know, they're the next ones up. We have to show them some stability so that they will, you know, take the baton and run. But if we don't mm-hmm. show them that, then they're just going to do, you know, hey, I don't need to go vote. I don't want to go vote. You know, his shirts actually say Team Green on them. I have my son. <laughs> he's on TikTok. TikTok is called Team Green. So he, Give me your youth. I'll introduce them to the Citizen Ballot Initiative. Put the power in their hands. No. No, that's yeah. a serious that's a serious plan right there, Roger. Like mobilizing the youth to do CBS. And and it's so easy to do so, honestly. Because like I've gotten my sons and his friends to take things more seriously, sit them down, make them watch different things. And, you know, a lot of them their parents, you know, never sat them down to talk about you know anything? One of the little boys was like, "I'm politically exhausted now," and I just fell out. Ah! <laughs> oh boy! Wow. How old? How old? He's seventeen. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> He's exhausted. Oh, the rest of <laughs> He's seventeen. He's like, that "I'm politically funny. exhausted, Mr. Oh. And I said, <laughs> "But you know, <laughs> the reality is." Remember, politics, sex, and religion are the three things we're generally taught in this culture not to discuss because it can be too divisive. But these are the very three areas, especially politics, 
that is a part of the programming, which is why we are so far behind, because we have been programmed to avoid these issues, whereas the people in power deal with them every day, talk about them inside out, upside down. But we're told, ooh, don't talk about politics, sex, and religion. It's too divisive. Well, it's the whole reason why they're trying to uh, censor social media. They don't want us talking to each other. The last thing they want is for the working class to start talking to each other. That's why they're trying to take control of social media. Exactly. They will fail in the end. (laughs) They are failing. Yeah, That's funny. I want to make sure I bring in um, Bryce and Marco. Bryce, go ahead, and then Marco. Bryce, just gotta um, hit unmute. There you go. Uh, give me a second, uh, Savvy. Uh, let Marco speak. Okay, uh, Marco, just gotta unmute. Hey, yeah, how's it going? Hey, Marco. Yeah, I just kind of want to talk about the Electoral College for a little bit. Do that. Do do the damn thing, Marco. Yeah, so the Electoral College is, is how the president is decided. And there are 538 people who are in the Electoral College. And about 160 million people vote. So that when the 160 million people vote... It doesn't matter who they vote for for president because that vote doesn't count. The vote that counts is the 538 people. So I really don't think any of us should vote for president. Okay. I'm not a national guy anymore anyway. (laughs) No, but I mean, think about that, right? I mean, like, the, the, the head of the, ju- of the judicial branch, the head of the, uh, you know, the other branches of government the is not legislative and executive. Vote. Yeah, legislative and judicial. That's not popular vote, and neither is the executive. Our vote mm-hmm. for president literally doesn't count. Yeah, that, which is why we say, like, when these news papers go oh how are they going to vote over here and that i'm like these guys on msnb bsc never show uh electoral college votes like they keep talking about pulling votes away from this and this percentage of votes and blah 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 these guys are not being honest they're not talking about how many electoral college votes will this person get and that person get Ross Perot got 17, 16% of the popular vote, but zero electoral, zero electoral vote. college vote. He didn't votes. affect that election. Zero, yeah. Exactly. And Ralph Nader didn't affect that election because he got zero, zero electoral, electoral college, in, college in votes. Based. Same so, thing with Jill so Stein. All of this stuff is bullshit, people. Wake up. Yeah, of course like, I'm, I'm not, not I'm not saying that. In a, I'm not trying to sound rude or condescending, but like literally, like it doesn't fucking matter because none of our votes count. Because they don't count them. Literally, they don't count. It's also they. Well, okay. So in some states, in less than enough to win, um, the electors are required to vote in accordance to the popular vote, but it's only in um, Maine and Nebraska. 205 electoral college votes. I think Maine and Nebraska are the states where it's not a winner take all. 
Well, Maine is pending, but uh, uh, like the wet, the left coast is all this way. But but no, but and but the point is, is that the people's vote doesn't count. So it's it's really interesting to me. It's like it's like a CIA psyop that's been going on for hundreds of years. People yeah, think much, to vote so. for the president, and their vote doesn't count. Mm-hmm. It's a Run the ballot nation. nation. Exactly, Noel. Exactly. And, and speaking of that, that's how they did. Uh, they, they was that whole three fifths clause. It was um, they the 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 people like the slaveholders in, in the South. They didn't have like a big population as the northern states, so they say, "Hey, we want to count like three fifths of our slaves also." And it's just like, no, that doesn't well, count. Roger, the way it worked is that originally when the Electoral College was created, five-fifths of slaves were counted as Electoral College votes. So a, a state like uh, um, Virginia had like 60% slaves. And so they had 100% of their population counted towards the Electoral College vote. And so it was like the uh, the fourth presidential election. They were arguing over that because one of them was saying, oh, it's not fair that you're counting all these people who can't who can't vote and you're counting them in the Electoral College. And so they're like, okay, fine, we'll compromise. The, the people who aren't registered to vote count as three-fifths of a person. So that mm-hmm. didn't just that wasn't just the slaves. It was just all the people who couldn't vote too, which was like women, men without property. Mm-hmm. This is a plantation nation, just like Noel says. And this is just the fanciest plantation. But this is all bullshit. Don't vote. Organize. And what Seize happens is... Crush the government. And what happens is the, the machinations of the plantation have changed with the ages and become more refined, more sophisticated. But at its core... It is still about land owners and using the processes to enrich them and keep them rich because it was born out of a type of imperialism and feudalism. That's what the people who came here, that's what they understood and they have created something in its image. But the thing is, in England, it had to do with birthright and aristocracy. When they came here, they were able to become the things that they couldn't in feudal England. But the core issue of, you know, the imperialist instinct is, is what this country was built out of. And that's what, why we still see it. And I believe as it continues to unravel, as people become aware of what a big fraud it is, that's when we're going to end up in one big hellabaloo. That's right, because they built it on the backs and the blood of the indigenous and the slaves. Amen. And, they, and, and, Amen. and that, and we need to fucking kill that monster. You do not join the mafia and reform them. You need to fucking run them out of town. Exactly. Destroy. You mean I can't be like Donnie Brasco? Join the you mafia the, and change it from within. <laughs> that doesn't you work. Sabrina, I don't. Well, Ashura might know this if he didn't go anywhere or whatever. You ever see the uh, the limited comic series Old Man Logan? Yeah. 
uh, uh, old man Logan is Wolverine as as an old guy, and and what happened was the Hulks and his family had had became like a mafia thing, and pretty much, and it and pretty much he was going against them, and like toward the end the Hulk ate Wolverine, and he ended up cutting them up and uh, uh, coming out of his insides pretty much, so. That's one way to change. If you want to change it from the inside, you're going to have to rip it to shreds from the inside, like Wolverine did, <laughs> and come out of his back. I have an early start, but I've really appreciated the discourse as always, but I'm going to have to bid you all a good morning. <laughs> oh, damn. What time is it? Night, Noel. Oh, shit. Wait, Night. we got to get these people. Much we got to get these people. Well, um, Tiffany, um... Oh, okay, Tiffany. Peace out. What's up, um, Brady? What's up? Brady, what's up? Just gotta unmute. Going once, going twice. Sabby, how's my mic? Sorry about the wait. My phone was locked. I got good news. Uh, I just released a new song today called Say No to NATO. It's a pretty good punk jam. You know, we're talking about punk music earlier. So we got some new punk music. I know you're probably familiar with that uh, Confederate, uh, the ginger Confederate dude that had the Richmond, North of Richmond thing. And so I figured when that came out, I was like, man, we need like some kind of leftist alternative, some new music. So taking a swing at it. And uh, I have a really important question for Dr. West tomorrow. I'm wondering if he'd be willing to fire Peter Dow and take whatever he's paying him. Uh, transmute that directly into fresh organic food for kids and then just put him on a digital school tour with every single um high, with as many high schools and colleges around the country just like whether it be on Colin, facebook zoom just have him show up um on a you know like a large screen in front of the school and uh take questions from members of the community and the students at the same time and I, I figured he could hit like, you know, anywhere from like 10 to 20 schools a day if he really wanted to. And that would cover the digital um, work as well as the groundwork at the same time, the ground on the ground organizing, you know, and cover a lot of locations in a very green, efficient way, a very safe way for him as well. One of my criticisms of, of the uh, new Peter Dow strategy is that I saw Dr. West standing on the side of the road the other day holding a sign in the rain while these large red trucks sped past him and honked because they felt he was in their way. And I was just, my heart just jumped as I saw, you know, this national treasure out there risking his and traffic's life in the rain to, to protest. And I just, I, I couldn't help but feel like that time would be better spent just interviewing some of the UAW people, you know, taking questions from the Brady. He's already done that. He's already okay, no, no, no. That's my, like I said, that's my only criticism. I love the man. I'm I'm totally here for yeah, Dr. But West. Y'all, y'all <laughs> motherfuckers are being picky now. Like I'm I'm sorry, oh, but like Dr. This, West this has criticism been of Peter Dow, but I w- I would take his his safety no, seriously. This, this was before Peter Dow. Dr. West has been standing on the West picket line before he was running for president. Before there was a Peter Dow uh, a part of his campaign. Dr. West has been there fighting with the workers and fighting with uh, people on social issues before he was no even running. Dr. West has Dr. been fighting for these rights. 
you got to echo. Yes, somebody but my point echo. now is somebody that he's running for president now, and he's become an MLK figure. I was echo. I wasn't Oh, shit. Echo. My bad. I'm going to try to mute up. My phone's locked again. Sorry. <laughs> so what I was saying is, like, Dr. West has been fighting for people on the picket lines, etc. before I was fucking born, before a lot of us were fucking born. Dr. West this is always like out in the street. Oh, yeah, this is something he was like, let me, let me do this because I'm running for president. He been doing this shit for fucking decades. You're misunderstanding me completely. Like, I'm, I'm well aware of that. I think that that was a good thing, you know, then. But what I'm suggesting is that now that he's president and probably he's our best president. hope. He's running Now that he's running for president and probably our best hope at any kind of real change that he needs to take his life a little, he needs to protect his life more than he did in the past is all I'm suggesting now, right? He needs to have increased security. He has security. When I was at the rally, when I was at the protest, the um, anti-war rally in DC, he had security. What are you guys talking well, about? Like some of you guys, I'm sorry, I'm but yeah, some of you, you guys, I've, I've some, of the things, song some of the things that, that are being said, he had security there. I was this is there. So some of the this people. Is really not, this is not at all the point that I'm trying to make here today. The point no, that I'm no, trying to make finish, is. Brady. Some of the points that you guys are making up. You guys are fucking nitpicking now. Okay, but let, yeah, that's a bad point. Let's, let's, let's throw that point in the trash. Let's crumple that point up and throw it in the trash. What do you think about the idea of Dr. West doing a digital school tour? I think Dr. West think would Dr. rather West do a school tour, a school tour in person. Okay, but what about a digital school tour? Would he be opposed to that at the same time? Like while he's traveling from school to school, he could be doing digital school tours from his cell phone on the bus. How would that be better than what he does what by getting about? out and talking to actual people? Yeah, what I'm talking about is um, Dr. West showing up in digital format like Zoom. But how would or that be better than what he actually that, does? Brady? Where the yeah, fuck the reason it would be I'm better sorry, is because, are, like I said, it would cover are. the digital ground and it would cover the on-the-ground work He's at the same time. It would that, also Brady. be efficient in the Brady. way that he could also Brady. take questions from more people at once. Brady, he's already been doing that. You guys are, like, honestly, it's gotten to the point now where people are giving criticisms towards things that have already been done. What have I said multiple times? Dr. West has held webinars. He's done digital webinars I'm sorry, multiple yeah. times. No, he did I'm, one for Cop City. I've said this multiple times. Like, that, what the fuck, cool. dude? Did he do it for schools? Did he do it for a college or a high school that I missed? Where have you been for the last 40 years, Brady? <laughs> yes, Brady. He has been. Not the last 40 years. I'm talking about during his candidacy for yes! uh, taking questions. From Where have you been? Uh, that's, that's good. That's good. That's a good thing. Right, so I just missed it. I've been writing this. I've been writing this song for the last six months. Been busting my nuts, working hard, and writing this song. I don't have time to keep up with all this. Brady, you know, Brady, professors, Brady, professors. What do you think they? This is what they do. I haven't seen it. All I'll say is that I haven't seen it yet. I've seen Brady, lots of interviews with him on CNN. It because it's not so. Because you hasn't seen it has happened. Can someone post a link for me? Post a link for me. No, Brady, you what, go do your I'm own goddamn about. research. God damn it. I'll, I'll do it. I mean, I've been looking for.
for a video of Why Dr. West doing something been like fucking this. Looking? Because if you've been looking, I'm you would have seen that right shit. Now. Dr. West has been everywhere every fucking week. And that was okay, before, well, even before he announced he was running for president. Get up, get the fuck out of here, Brady, with that bullshit, well, man. Clearly, I'm an idiot, but I did write a song called Say No to NATO, and it's a pushback against a potential head dive into World War III, if you have any interest in that whatsoever. Uh, I'm not a politico like you, but um, yeah, I did spend a lot of time and energy writing a song that is from a leftist perspective, rather than allowing conservatives to take all the fucking, <laughs> how do you say, limelight with the their ginger conservative or their ginger con their confederate ginger bard <laughs> whatever his name is you know you, know you know what i've noticed, what I've, noticed. I've, 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 I've come to notice honestly like i see why people don't fuck with the left no more i honestly start to see why people don't fuck with this shit no more because i honestly feel like it has gotten to the point, and I said this on RBN earlier today, it's gotten to the point where some people just want to be contrarian just to be contrarian. And they've gotten used to that. And it's yeah. just, I'm just like, y'all motherfuckers just like to complain. I experience the exact same issue no every time I try to promote the proxy party. I have a proxy party, a third party that I tried to start. I'm not just, I'm not just talking about you. I experienced particular. a lot for that idea, too. Well, I know exactly what you're talking about. Wait a minute. It's called not just hold up. I'm not just talking about you in particular, Brady. I'm talking about in particular. In particular, I feel like there is a segment of people that were part of the left that just want to be fucking contrarian just for the sake of being fucking contrarian. They don't want to offer any fucking solutions. They just want to fucking complain. And then when there are people in the space who are leftists who are offering some solutions and are doing shit on the ground and doing that work, they don't want to talk about that because that doesn't make them feel better. What makes them feel better is to shit on people all the fucking time. And then, then they're like, everything's so bad and gloomy and negative and da-da-da. Because that's what you fucking do. If you surround yourself around negativity and negative people, that's what's going to kick back on you too, bro. That's well, what that's happens. Defeatism. That's well, cynicism. on the bright side, I've actually created some positive things like the proxy party and this new song I've written. And uh, like I said, I also build community gardens for free. So if anyone wants to take Peter Dow's paycheck and give it to me, I can turn it into free food for kids very easily. And so can anybody in any city. And I can show them how to do it at the same time. So what I also know Peter, how to start Peter Dow's paycheck has nothing to do with what how much you is it? How much is Peter Dow's paycheck? I don't know, Brady. You want to know how much my paycheck is at my job? Roger, no, not at all. You not you. I would not know. No, not at all. That's your business. Make on here, Brady, since you need to know so goddamn fucking much. Not, not enough. I'm broke. You want to That's my, my answer. <laughs> not enough. I'm broke as hell. Get out of here, Brady. With I just got done dashing doors all night. I just got done dashing doors all night. Brady, you want to be campaign manager? You want to do that? Yes. I'll do it for free. I'll do it for free. Okay. So that's what this shit is fucking about. You want to be campaign manager. You want his spot flash? spot, flash? You want his spot? Yeah. A lot of people do. I think a lot of other people are better qualified than him. 
Almost anyone in this room You're is better, better qualified, qualified than Peter Brown. Than someone who's a campaign manager who has yes. experience, Brady. Yes, absolutely, and I can prove it. Okay, Brady, and I can let prove me ask it. you a question. Let me ask you a question, Brady. You got to implement rallies. What's your first step? I start hosting anti-war parties at local bars, venues, libraries, schools, all over the nation for free. You know, it's like karaoke shows. Wrong. Uh, doing stuff like that. Wrong. I also you, you already see. Nope, you're not qualified. You, you, you integrate the policies you into said, The first thing you said, when I said you want to start hosting rallies, you said I start hosting these such and such things for free. Yeah. Wrong yeah. answer, Brady. That's not how it works. Well, I, I make things work for free. It's what I do. I know it's not how things no, work Brady, now in capitalism, but it's how I make things work. a national campaign, Brady. That's not I what do things do. differently. No, I, look, wrong, I do things differently. Brady. Wrong. I make the things thing happen. Brady, I built a community garden Brady, for free. I built a community Brady, garden for free. You had one question on the test, on the exam, and you fucking failed. All right, how about building community Brady, gardens with campaign contributions? How about fixing water for people that need clean water Brady, in towns that need clean water? Build, I think that's the first thing I would do, actually. How are you going to build community gardens with campaign contributions? And the first Easily. question I asked you was, you have to host rallies. What's the first thing you do? And you said, da 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 for free. You can't yeah. do any anti-war 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 parties it would be a thing we would do and we would use that as a way to generate revenue to fix the water in local areas you said for free brady you said for free how the hell yeah, you want to campaign for free I still brady. Mean for free free is what i still mean i still mean it that that's no, exactly what brady, i mean i don't think you're listening you know to me brady, i don't think you're hearing me brady that's not how what did you say about being works. contrarian earlier? realistically realistically that shit don't fucking work even bernie sanders raised fucking money brady Okay. Um, that was interesting. Uh, Brady. Uh, I'm sorry, but that, that shit just, we're moving on to Echo. I'm sorry, but that shit, this is where people are just unrealistic and don't understand how can, a national campaign works. You cannot run a national campaign, any event for a national campaign for fucking free. You have to fundraise. Things cost money. Transportation, food, beverages, those kind of things. You want to host an event at a space? You got to pay to rent the fucking space. By the way, when it comes to mutual aid events that I do, why do you think we have to raise money? Because I have to pay. I have to pay for the space some fucking times. This shit is not free. And anybody, you guys are fucking like, honestly, if you think that this shit is free, you're being fucking delusional. You can't do anything without any fucking money in this country. That's the point I've been trying to bring across. It takes so, money to make money. So I just wanted to address, um, I don't know who um, Imagination is here um, in the chat, because he was talking about, or she was talking about the Electoral College. Article two, Section 1, Clause 5 of the Constitution. It says in there, 
the person having the greatest number of votes shall be the president. If such number, if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed, and if there be more than one who have such majority, and have an equal number of votes, then the House of Representatives shall immediately choose by ballot one of them for president. And if no person has a majority, then from the five highest on the list, the said House shall in like manner uh, choose the president. So it says right there that if it is equal, but before that, before it says if the electors' votes are equal, it just says uh, the the um have the person having the greatest number of electoral college votes doesn't say anywhere about an exact number two seventy okay so because they knew it would change over time so I got that from the Constitution okay you could check it out yourself Article One Section One Clause Three Clause Four Clause Five. Just to clarify for everybody in the classroom, uh, to clear and, and for me, really, actually. Um, so you're saying if one candidate gets more votes no, no, than no, no, any I'm not other, hold the, on, the, hold the on, constitution the constitution, whatever, listen, listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If one person gets more electoral college votes than anybody else in the race, okay, let's say if Dr. West gets somehow 150, okay, and RFK gets 100. Oh. You're saying Cornell West will be president because he got more than RFK. So, or am I wrong? Look, so, hey, hey, check it out, though. It doesn't really matter, though, because it's only 538 people. It's not 160 and, people who vote. It's 538 people who are in the Electoral College. Is anyone here in the Electoral College? No. Me. We are us. And the electoral college is them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how they decide they vote. Only 538 people decide the president people wake up. And there you go. <laughs> and that doesn't, I, I respect that. It, Marco, it doesn't really answer my question. Like, okay, so the person with the most votes in this corrupt system, I mean, are they going to get to be president? Is it one? Is it whoever gets more than the other person? Is that what you're saying? Well, what I, what I was saying is, well, I just I just read what what it says. You you could check it. But that's but complex shit as fuck. That's what I'm. That's why I'm asking. I mean, we're trying to figure this out because I'm telling you that Kim Iverson is very number, very it, different it take than you, and she's been making that case for months very convincingly. So I just recommend you go check out um, her discussion with um, it, that. Okay, but it doesn't say um, 270. It doesn't say a number at all. It just says the uh, the one the one who has the most um, uh, electoral college votes. Right. So let's say a person like Sabi runs. She gets the most electoral college votes out of everybody. Okay. She got she got more electoral college votes, even if it's like like a million people run, and she only got 50. Okay, but they all got less. Is Sabi going to be president? Is that what we're saying? So the more people, the more um, different candidates there are in the uh, in the race, the threshold needed to win goes down. Okay, Roger, I think you're just 
circling the question back and forth. Just, uh, I'm just going to tell you that there's disagreement about this. Um, and for people out there, um, I'll try to find the, the link to it. Kim who? What, Iverson? That Kim. Uh, oh, and uh, Anthony is on the color queue. He, if he wanted to chime in, he's the one that you've been. He's imagination. Well, Echo's there first. Echo, okay. go ahead and unmute. Going once, going twice, going three times. No Echo. Let's bring in um, Anthony. Anthony, what's up? Oh, hello. Just as as far as as I understand the electoral college, um, the part where it says if that number be a majority of the electors appointed. And so that means 538 electors will be appointed for this election, no matter who they go to. And if that number be a majority, 270 is that. So unless we get a new state between now and the election, the winner has to get 270 electoral college or it goes to the House. It doesn't, it, but it doesn't say 270 though. Because if it does, if it does all not the electors, say the, the number, and I don't, I don't think the amount of electors is going to change from five thirty-eight between now. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. That's my whole point. It doesn't matter how many of the five hundred thirty-eight. It's only five hundred thirty-eight. Our mm -hmm. votes don't count. Five hundred thirty-eight votes count. I'm oh, sorry. Uh-oh. Well, thing is this, we got to go to Bryce. Bryce, hon, <laughs> we're going to you and then I got to head out. It's way past my bedtime. Go ahead, Bryce. Going once, going twice. I'm sorry. Going three times. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let me, uh, let me uh, get out the casino. Um... Some things and shit like that that happened, you know, in the chat and shit like that, though. I can't, we can't hear you, Bryce. No. Can you hear you, Bryce? Hello? We can hear you now. I just wanted to like clear of like I wanted to like clear everything up, like what happened in the chat and shit like that. I can't. And we can't hear you. You like one minute your volume's um high, one minute is low. Are you using a Bluetooth or a headset? Yeah, we can't. We I can't hear you at Take all. Take off the headset. Not working, Bryce. Bryce, uh, we can't can hear, hear me? you, dude. Hold on a sec. Just take off the headset and go speaker. Uh. Uh. Okay, yeah, we we can't hear you. Um, so I got five minutes, and then I gotta go. I'm sorry. Hello, hello, hello. 
I can't hear you. Uh, whoever's next, go ahead and go. Uh, I think that's Dwayne or. Hello? That wasn't me. Okay, we can hear you now. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, like, uh, you know, I just wanted to, like, clear, like, uh, what happened, like, uh, earlier, uh, like, in you, you know, like. Uh, anything, like I just wanted to point out, like, uh, I can't I can't hear you. We can't hear you, Bryce. I'm not sure if you're outside or or what, but we can't hear you. Okay. Alrighty. So sorry, Bryce. I don't I don't know what it is. Um Yeah, Sabby not know. But go ahead and share. I was going to say anything. I was just clearing my throat. Okay. Um, you turned on the mic to clear your throat. Go ahead, Case. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. yeah uh, as we wrap it up, I just want to say much love to everybody. And I'm looking forward to seeing. Oh, hold on. I don't know what that is. Dwayne, that's you. Nah, I know it. My other phone was on. I apologize. So, like, like you said on the show, twenty twenty four is going to be a doozy, and I'm looking forward to seeing. I feel like something unpredictable, like you know how Trump came out of nowhere in twenty sixteen. I think something unpredictable is going to happen, and I'm looking forward to hopefully it being something positive. And um, love this community. Love you guys. And I look forward to the next calling. I'm so happy we still do these. Doozy! All right, all right. Um, Dwayne, did you have something? Yeah, I do have something to say, but I, I usually do. So, um, no, we have to form a coalition now. Uh, anything, any criticism from from me personally with regard to like Peter Dow? Or the, uh, I am very protective of that campaign. I just want to make it clear. I don't want to see. I know this, the, the games that they play in the establishment. So we have to be very vigilant, keep our eyes open, and our critical intellect has to be operating at all times. We have to expect dirty tricks. That's all I'm saying about that. All right, cool. All right, guys, I'm heading out, and uh, everyone have a good night. Again, Cornell West will join me tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So check in for that. Bye. Thanks, Abby. Later. Keep up the fight. Thanks, Abby.